I think it's about time to get back into that dub 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 for a fifth time. Yeah. Three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host. The man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman. From the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican. JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all. It's going down right now. Episode 128 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, DJ Maple Syrup Moose Mountie, a.k.a. MC Igloo. Yeah. And, of course, I have my two test tube babies by my side. First up, we have Miguel Avocado Bean Burrito Angel, a.k.a. Justin Patrick live in the studio. Last up, we have Harry Hayton Hebrew Habaz, a.k.a. the Shottown Jew. Jeremy. What's up, guys? Yeah. Back in the lab after two weeks. I'm three weeks. Oh yeah, it's been three weeks. Should have been two weeks, but unfortunately, yeah. I was puking and shitting out of every orifice in my body. That wasn't good. Yeah, it, dude. I'll tell you what, man. I, I just want to throw this out there. I know exploding heads are currently on hiatus right now too. Mm-hmm. Any long running podcast who has done episodes for a long time or just got through a crazy stretch like we did. Taking a break is so refreshing. Like for the first time in months, mo- like in almost like a year, it felt like I had nothing but free time to watch whatever the hell I wanted. And it was so refreshing. I had such a blast. Just what like I revisited stuff. I watched stuff for the 76 show. I did screeners. I did uh Patreon reviews. Like films to watch like it was just awesome to just kind of go with whatever i wanted to for the past yeah but you still didn't watch anything that you wanted right no i did i actually wanted to watch those screeners and i actually want and i did watch things that weren't on either of those uh you know either of the things that we have to do for the show so it was it was like really good and the patreon picks were good this time it was just a it was a really good experience and honestly i didn't watch much last week so um <clears throat> funny enough most of the things that i watched and we'll be talking about tonight have been watched for like three weeks now so they're a little rusty in my memory but it was such a fun time i had well, a good time being off for a little bit guys just saying. i just want to say my number six film of 2017 is the learn this is why i like it not good answer Good answer. It reminded me of the answer you gave last time. <laughs> it was pretty much the same thing. <laughs> it was crickets all around, man. It was crickets again. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit, that's awesome. <laughs> How much were you pooping last week? I was... Okay, so I was in Vegas for four days prior. Got home Friday night. Completely fine. It was final day Saturday. Ate something wrong, and then I woke up, I think, around 3 in the morning... And I was shitting and puking like no tomorrow. 
and it went on until late Sunday night. It was gross. I don't know what the fuck, man. It was disgusting. It was not good. But nevertheless, I could not record. So then we got an extra week of holidays from the show. But you know what? It is what it is, man. I mean, you know, we deserve to get an extra week because we did do, what, 17 straight weeks or some crazy shit. So honestly, the break was... 15 shows in 15 weeks. Yeah, 15 shows in 15 weeks. And to be honest, man, it was nice to kind of give the brain a reset. You know, get that mm-hmm. mentality back down to zero before we get on the stress level again. Because, you know, this show is so damn stressful to do. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, Neil's, I mean, it's been kind of an odd three weeks. I mean, I watched some films leading up to Vegas. Of course, I didn't watch anything while I was there. And then I was super, super busy last week. So some of the films I've watched have been watched three weeks ago also. So I'm in the same boat yep. as you, JP. So. Me too. <laughs> um, in fact, actually, last year I was or last week I was cr- insanely busy. So, you know, I was getting home from work super late and, you know eating dinner and then crashing. I only watched three movies a night instead of seven. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, barely even getting through one kind of thing. And, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, this is uh, a well-needed episode. What we watched volume five is here. We haven't done one of these apparently in 13 months. So that's kind of interesting. Weird factoid. If anyone cares out there and actually we do have fans or listeners that do care about this stuff. So it has been 13 months since we did one of these. So, and you know what? Uh, there's certain people that absolutely love these episodes. Like this, Jason Lloyd said these are his favorite kind of episodes, um, and I understand why. It's actually my favorite kind of episode to listen to. Um, hmm. Not our own show, but other shows have done this as well. They don't call it what we watched, like, but, and they don't call it something lame like round, round robin, robin reviews. reviews. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> But, Why'd you have to use a sound effect? You could have used the real thing. Come on, I, man. I know, man. My guts are bubbly right now. Must but, have been that avocado um, bean burrito that Mikel Angel gave me. Th- there's something that I like about quick reviews. Like, they're just nice because there's not very spoiler heavy. They're pretty spoiler free. And it's just, it's very quickly a way to get a list of films that you want to check out. Uh, similar to it, I look at it like this, like the core, that new show on Shutter, which I love that show has a little segment at the end where a curator recommends five films and he quickly talks and explains them. And every time I walk away from that and I'm like, oh, I want to check that out. You know what I mean? So I think that that's why people like it, because mm-hmm. it's so many different movies spanning different decades spanning different genres and it's just it's like a recommendation episode well i mean for the most part i mean on the flip side it can be the complete opposite too where we get some complete stinkers you Mm -hmm. know and then we'll review those and then you can make your own decision (laughs) you can make your own decision if you want to proceed or back away so yeah I mean, that's going to happen. That's going to happen, especially with what we do now with the Patreon, too. I mean, we do receive a fair amount of Patreon picks, so um, so we have to watch those. And sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. You know, it is what it is. Mm. I, I don't really know the For full me, most motivations. For me, bad. I'm not, I, I know some of the motivations by some of the backers. You know, they want to make Jeremy watch some really shitty films. But I think the joke is kind That's what I'm saying. I think the joke has been kind of playing itself out a little bit. And people are starting to give us actually legit good films. And yeah. ones that we might not have seen that they're, they're full on recommendations, which I actually have one today that I knew about. I'd never seen before that kind of blew my shitter out a little bit more than yeah, it, it's is. kind of it's kind of interesting because I think people who are picking me often they're giving me things that I have should have seen by now, like stuff like that. 
So it's yeah, I've noticed. You that. know, for example, somebody giving me Pan's Labyrinth and Labyrinth. Uh, Labyrinth. Well, you fucked it up even <laughs> way worse. Labyrinth. <laughs> Labyrinth. What are you saying? Labyrinth. 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 You're adding well, you an said extra it way syllable. Wor- Dude, you said it way worse than me. Pan's dude. Labyrinth. Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth. You keep saying Labyrinth. And, yeah, or Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. It's not Labyrinth. That sounds retarded. It's it said, but I've heard it both ways. It's, I've never heard. But Labyrinth. you're saying it wrong. You're you're pronouncing. The N in a weird spot. Yeah, you're, you're throwing an extra. Yeah, you're throwing you're an saying extra lab syllable. It's Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> what the fuck? Yours is like way off. No, but yours is way more retarded. Pan's than Labyrinth. No, because people actually say Labyrinth. I've never heard that in my life, and I'm a fan of that movie. Well, it, L- Labyrinth is a you know a, a labyrinth is a structure. You know what I mean, or, or whatever. This movie is a structure. <laughs> what, you, what? Well, I'm saying it's it's a word. It, it's a not a, it's not an English deriv- derived word, right? So it's like, but it's not a Spanish derived word pr- either. Pr- pronunciations. I, I've heard. I've definitely heard labyrinth. Hundred percent. I've oh. heard. I've heard it in like TV and on. You know, I think I heard it on Yu Gi Oh. In fact, <laughs> well, those Asians don't know anything anyway. So, <laughs> but. I'm saying you're saying it in a way that nobody. I mean, haven't you ever watched fucking Asian porn? They fucking blur out all the good stuff. It's like, what all the cocks? No, you like Jeremy? They only no, do they... that with, they, in the in the Asian gay porn. He just outed no, himself right out, there. They blur out the pussy. <laughs> just fucking with you. Got the titties. But, but um, okay. So my point remains the same. Jeremy's a retard, and no, thank you for giving me movies that that are not bad. You know, like John I get Wick. some weird ones there every once in a while. I feel like Mikey Fisher tries to give us indie movies that are not bad but probably nobody has seen uh, or gave a fuck about city of rod's pretty bad well there are those ones too <laughs> he tries to give us stuff that we might actually end up liking that are in the vein of those like bad linger i don't know about that one well he gave me like drive through and drive through's awesome man, Ma- monster man and stuff I love drive-thru. But, yeah, so... uh, A few little in-house notes. Um, If you guys want to spend Valentine's Day with us and make us do a franchise that has been discussed and has been requested more than maybe any other franchising, including Halloween... I don't know, Carrie's discussed quite a lot. (laughs) Well, that one. (laughs) Including Friday the 13th. Uh, Hellraiser is probably one of the most requested franchises that we ever get. We actually were giving you guys an opportunity to actually make us watch these. Make this us year. do this, fucker. Just yeah. make us do it. So if you go to the Patreon right now, we actually we actually discounted it. It's currently discounted right now. One person buys it and they'll get you know that franchise review for everybody but they'll also be able to join us for one of the films whatever one you want it's, and, di- it's and discounted it just us. like it's it's discounted like uh films five through eight <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so um you guys will be able to join us on the episode which is is something that people have been asking for on the patreon we figured we'd test it out on a small scale if it works out then maybe we'd add it to future tears you'll you'll also well jeremy is completely nervous to talk to anybody so you're all right with carly 
No, I called her a cunt a few times, but I did okay. <laughs> Jesus. No, she she held she cunt. held her ground. She held her ground against yeah. you, man. She wasn't intimidated. Yeah. In fact, and she could probably still beat you up. Um, <laughs> also, you would get double entries to our February contest, which you guys should know we have a contest every month, um, giving away something. And then also you will get an additional what we watch token to use in March. Um, so you get a bunch of stuff and also you get to have us review all what 10 Hellraiser films. Oh. Uh, it's, it's an incredible, it's a double digit franchise. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. It's an incredible it the first one. No, the first double digit. No, we've, we've had Halloween. Children of the Corn was only nine, right? Yeah, well, Halloween yes. was whatever. Halloween twelve, the only double digit, something like that. Yeah, and no, Halloween's ten or eleven. Yeah, because yeah. we've yet to do the Friday, so that'll be another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but actually, mm-hmm. when we do this roundup, I guess when we do the new Children of the Corn film, I mean that'll be the tenth one that we've yeah. reviewed on the show. So, <laughs> my God. <laughs> But so coming soon, two new Howling sequels just announced oh my God. <laughs> by David Sterling. <laughs> by, and he yeah. shot them oh, all in one If day. it's David Sterling, we got three then. It's going to be three. Yeah. <laughs> He'll just cut the day. third one in half and, and put it out as, <laughs> as another two as well. But yeah, if you guys want it, we'll do it. If you, But we're not do, we will not do it if, unless you guys pick it. You know what I mean? Like. So it's up to you guys. I mean, I'm sure we'll do it eventually, but we're just not doing it this year if you guys don't pick it. So uh, this is your opportunity to make it happen. Um, just you know, if you want it, it's just there. do it. Just fucking uh, do it, man. Because we, to, to be honest, like normally we would just do this on our own, but we just went through an incredible run of franchise shows that we're just like we're like I think we'll take it easy on the franchise shows, you know. <laughs> I mean, to be bit. honest, we did kind of we did some big ones. I mean, we, oh, we yeah. did the Child's Play, we did Saw, we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, that's three of the major major franchises. Yeah. Um, Hellraiser. I mean, if it doesn't happen, it's, it'll eventually sometime down the road. But yeah, maybe you know, next year. I mean, but there is also you guys got to remember there's still some major <sighs> ones we need to do. We still have to do Friday and Nightmare on Elm Street, and plus Psycho, uh, Psycho Puppet Master. I'm talking about the big Scream. ones. Scream. Oh, you mean like the high number? Yeah, like Puppet Master, which there's what witchcraft. twelve now? Witchcraft, fuck witchcraft. Um, <laughs> but I mean, there's still three or four. So, yeah, let's get. Well, it. We, if we did Puppet Master, we would do Demonic Toys versus Puppet Master as well. In there, right? It's not officially in the franchise, but I think we should do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, we could. I mean, it's it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't every Charlie Band movie bad? So the, that's one I'm excited. No, I'm I'm excited to do those as well. That would be fun. But if you guys want to do have us do the Hellraiser franchise, I think Moods would be pretty excited about that. You guys can make Moods excited. Yeah, I, I'm. At, you know, I'd be looking forward to doing the Hellraiser one. It's been a while since I've seen some of the later discounted yeah. films. Um, <laughs> and you know, to be honest, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the new one because I want to see the if the Blu-rays it's like, don't warrant a discounted price, though. That's for sure. No, that's definitely. Let's fuck herself for like forty bucks. Mm-hmm. Shitty Echo Bridge Blu-rays. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, curious to see the new one though. I, I'm curious to yeah. see the new one. So I mean, if this happens, and I'll get to see it sooner than later. And I mean, really, let's face it, it probably can't be. Can it be any worse than the last one? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. That's. I, I think that's as low as you could possibly get. Even though I didn't hate that one. Yeah. Um. I well, I, mean, I do think that the quality was the thing was, about- is. 
low as you can possibly get with those. Yeah, the thing about that last one, at least it was actually kind of written as a Hellraiser film. A Hellraiser, yeah, that's what was so surprising about it. It actually had like some callbacks to the first one too. Yeah. yeah uh, so. so I'm, I mean, I would love to talk about these movies because they are so interesting when you get into the aspect that a lot of them were not Hellraiser films. And honestly, I have not heard really anybody discuss the later sequels in depth. So I think that that would be super cool. Plus, you could join us for one of the, the, the films, you know? That would be cool, too. And I think that, you know, if you don't want to, that's fine, too. You don't have to, you know what I mean? It's yeah, do that. There. And you get to actually <laughs> pick which one. It doesn't have to be yeah, part one, yeah, two, you know or what? three. It can be anyone. You, you could come in and do part nine if you want. That's cool. And I'll tell you right that's now, weird. if you come on and you do a good job, I mean, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much guaranteed that you'll be back on. Well, you might even point. replace Jeremy someday. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I dare it. You know what? Fuck you. I've been not right. Okay. Uh, other other little notes. So you just head over to Patreon. It's it's the bottom tier, um, and you know you have till the first of February to to do it. So. Um, that's that. And then, uh, or, or, you know what? I'll even throw this out there. If two people want to band together and do it that way, we'll work something out with that too. So, um, there's that. February. That means these fuckers are going to listen to the show the day it comes out and fucking do that shit. What? No, this show posts on, uh, the 31st. Yeah. The day before. Yeah. So they have one day. I guess. <laughs> but Moods is going to post it in the group too, so mm-hmm. you know. All right. Maybe maybe we'll um, get some buttons. Well, if Moods posts, it'll get filled cuz Yeah, that's what you know, I figured. It doesn't I always happen like that. It. Sometimes <laughs> if Moods my shit wants gets it, buried. He gets what he wants, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, sometimes all my posts it, get buried with it, Jeremy's sure announcements of Bill your, and Ted. <laughs> just start, just make sure when you start your post, say, post "Hey guys, guys this is the Moods 16 Moods 616 here." And um the other bit of notes was um, somebody won the Phantasm uh, DVD collector set from me. I totally misplaced your address. I did this last time with the other one that I gave away. So can you please e- uh, email me or PM me on Facebook your address once again? Just get, like I'm, I actually do get a lot of messages from people. Um, usually stuff that I reach out to them or whatever. It either way. They get buried, especially with people asking me about like the football thing, which brings me to my next thing. Uh, the football pool thing, everybody's asking, like, where do I send my money? Just give me, wait, relax, guys, relax. So um, I've probably got literally about 15 messages about this. Um, if you guys remember, every year I don't get to this until like after the Super Bowl, just because, you know, I'm, I'm just want the season to end and then I'm, I'm lazy. So like, I just, I figure, Oh, well I'll just do it after the super bowl. So I have everybody's name. All I have to do now is separate them by how many monies each person gets. You know what I mean? So I need to figure that out, do the math, figure out like what appropriate is probably the first place person will get a little tiny bit over half of all of it. And then the second place, a little bit less, and then the third place would be. Man, if you were fucking entry back in the day, you got it made. You fucking took all that shit. If what? So back in the day, the fucking winner, they got all that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd but at the same off. time, though, 
I think the the chance of getting like third place and still getting like you know sixty, seventy, eighty bucks or something is still pretty nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't remember how many entries we had, but uh, so basically how to work is I will reach out to you. I'll tell you who you're sending your money to. It's gonna be twenty dollars Amazon. Easy. This year, last year it was easy. I think only one person didn't pay last year. And his that name was, was last Jeremy. One, of course. No, I paid. Um, <laughs> I was just the last one. And then Jeremy this year asked me to get Dylan or to not to get Dylan to not get Dylan. Yeah, I can't to get remember. Dylan because the transfer from Canadian to USD will only be about sixteen bucks. So I want Dylan. <laughs> okay, but I sh- and I was like, oh well, don't worry because I do it in order of who I think is most likely to pay. Well, so that's people not me, who I know so. and trust, like Moods and and uh, Andy and people who consistently have paid in the past, I give to the first place person, so they're most likely to get all their money. Well, well since, since, since Dylan like, lives so ten, you, <laughs> Dylan lives like, ten yeah, minutes so you'll away. Get it? I was like, you'll get it. You'll get Dylan. And then I was like, wait a minute. I don't trust him at all. He shouldn't get Dylan. <laughs> but what'd you say, Muds? Well, he lives like 10 minutes away from me. And uh, so I should probably get him. <laughs> it's costing me fucking 40 bucks, by the way. So. 40 bucks? To give Dylan 20 bucks? Yep. Because. Just give him 20 Amazon CA. No, yeah. man. The wife is in the pool. She lost oh. too. Oh, you yeah. have to pay for Aaron. Yeah. 40 bucks. <laughs> That bitch, she would have took all your loot if she won. Probably, yeah, yeah she would have. She'd man. be like, you're, "You know, you're still paying me, right?" She would <laughs> ask for fucking like Valentine's Day and fucking chick flicks. It would have been all fucking yeah, animated kids films. Christ. But but yeah. don't but don't worry, winners. Don't worry, uh, people. You guys will find out uh, soon enough who you're sending your money to, and you guys who won. Which I don't even know. I have to look. I know it was Rob and Dylan. There was somebody else who won too. Um. You guys will get your prize money eventually. Uh, don't worry. The la- last year, the guy, the third place guy, didn't get all of his until like June or something. Oh, because <laughs> it eventually happens. Um, so yeah, uh, that's all I had in terms of little bits of news and stuff like that, and you know, n- with the group. Yeah. Well, okay, that's it for house cleaning. Well, let's get into some box, box, box office brawl. Office brawl. Yeah. Oh, you didn't even yeah. have the dinger queued up, man. You're slacking. Well, hey, moron! Fucking moron! I'm slacking. I always put it in, anyways. I always have the sound effect there, anyways. Uh, so. I don't have the fucking dinger, anyway. So why don't you shut up? It's funny, actually, because I I do it. I put in the sound effect, and then Jeremy goes ding ding, and then I usually put in some kind of laughter because it sounds so awkward that he does it after the sound effect <laughs> I put in. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I just want to say, fuck Keith Christian for being a dick and writing on the Facebook page that he's been a longtime listener of the show and he mentions Moods and JP and he doesn't mention me. So I just want to say, fuck that guy. Another Hall of <laughs> Fucker? 
Oh, yeah. man. That's... We haven't had a newest inductee in the Hall of Fuckers in a long time, but this mofo fucking mentions JP and moods and how much he loves JP's Festron podcast and all this You know bullshit. what's funny is like oh, that was the that first you. time ever that somebody's like, I found you guys through JP first. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. And I was like, holy shit, somebody found us through me. Find <laughs> out the podcast through that and moods his YouTube page, blah blah blah. Suck my dick, you asshole. Yeah, and oddly enough, I was just working on a new Vestron episode, so that should be out soon. Well I wanted to get it done by the end of the month, but I don't know if I will. Fuck Keith from Louisiana, go get killed by Victor Crawley. <laughs> okay. Go on, box office brawl. So we did uh Insidious the Last Key, however fucking month ago. Mm-hmm. And Oh, I think I'm finally going to win, you motherfuckers, because J.P. Yeah. thought this movie was going to make no money. And actually, <laughs> now, this is the second highest grossing Insidious film. Which, which, let's think about that for a minute, right? January, the dump month, which nobody goes and sees anything in January. Not to mention, it's the fourth Insidious film, right? The third one didn't do as good as the other two, at least I think. So every sign leads to it not doing as strong as the previous Insidious films opening weekend. Am I right? Yeah, it was definitely on the road to nowhere. So what did it actually make opening? Opening day, opening weekend, it made $29,581,355. But still $29. Dude, everybody was way off. Jeremy had eighteen. Insidious, Insidious three opened at twenty two million. Insidious two opened up at forty million, and Part one opened up at thirteen million. So it's the second highest opening behind Part two. Well, that I mean, that is so great. That is really huh. good that that did that and, well. And I'm so far, surprised on a ten million dollar budget, it has made. Domestically, it has made $63,475,300, and with the overseas money thrown into it, City is the last key on a $10 million budget has made $144,575,300. So almost $145 million from Insidious 4. So that's another hit for Blumhouse. What's yeah. new? <clears throat> but guess what? That's still their number 11th highest grossing film at $64 million. There's 10 films above that that's made more money, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, The Purge, The Visit, The Purge Anarchy, Purge Election, Insidious 2, Paranormal Activity 2, Paranormal 3, Paranormal, the first one, Split and Get Out. If you combine all those totals of the budget, I bet you it's still less than, let's say, you know, a high-budget horror movie. It's kind of crazy to think about. So those are all pretty low budget movies. Yeah, they be killing it, man. They be killing it, making that money. Like Purge, fucking three million dollars. That movie was its budget. Well, we'll see how the new Purge does. I'm, yep, it'll be interesting because it's cause considering it's the fourth one, right? Compar- yep. Comparatively to this, that'd be interesting. So twenty nine million. Fuck me. They finally won. I mean, all the arguments were there. I mean, January opening. Part three, I, I agree. I, I don't know what to say. Mood, you guess. <laughs> and JP, especially you guess considering, like you know, and one of the biggest factors for myself was the fact of not a lot of people like part three. So I just figured <clears throat> that, you know, working off of that, you know, majority of people wouldn't go see part four. 
I guess. Yeah. So I, what happened I, here? Honestly, I thought I was right, man. I like literally thought it. I I was very confident in this pick. Yeah, um, I don't get so, it. So Jeremy versus Moods. Jeremy pick eighteen. Moods pick sixteen point five. So obviously, um, Jeremy gets the point there, which takes the total. That's such a lame point, dude. You're off by eleven. Five. You were off by eleven million. That's you are by thirteen million. No, so but I mean, you. but to win with being off by eleven million, I mean, considering <laughs> previous box office brawls, I mean, JP was off by like half a million. Yeah. <laughs> One of it, like eleven is crazy. That's insane. Yeah. So, so Moods is at six points. Jeremy now is at five uh, in Jeremy versus Moods, and then me versus Jeremy. Jeremy eighteen. I picked fifteen point five, so I was way off. And Jeremy comes up a point, so it's now ten to four. <laughs> and then Moods versus me. Um, Moods had sixteen point five. I had fifteen point five. Moods gets the point, so it's tied at six to six. Well, well, that's all right. So, do we have anything else? Yeah. Yeah. So next week, February second, twenty eighteen, we have. Winchester distributed by Lionsgate with Helen Marin, which is interesting choice for a horror film. I can't remember any other horror movies she's been in. She's probably been in something, but uh, Super Bowl weekend, PG thirteen. This movie has a lot has had quite a bit of press behind it. So, you know, it, I, I've been seeing trailers for a while. So, I I really don't think it's going to do well. To be completely honest with you, even with Helen Marin, and I think Super Bowl weekend's going to effect it quite a bit so i'm gonna come in with 12 million so uh hold up let me flip pages all right so what's it called again winchester the house to ghost built yep all right in how many theaters is it in it is in standby loading loading 2300 no, it's <clears throat> major wide. Hmm. 23 is pretty good. All right. And what did you say, Jeremy? What? 12 million. 12 million for Jeremy. Oops, what do you got? Well, I don't really know <clears throat> how to do this one. This is a weird one. <laughs> um, yeah, because you didn't even look up really anything about the movie. No, I don't, I don't really know much about it. I do know who directed it. The uh, Howard. I told you, you fuckers. Well, no, no. I know the guys after you told me. Uh, the Spearig brothers or whatever. They're the guys that directed Undead and, of course, latestly uh, Jigsaw, which I did not care for that much. Um, so what's it open up against, did you say? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. Well, that's fucked. And Jumanji's cooling off. Mm-hmm. Even though that's completely different. So twenty three hundred theaters not opening up against anything. You know that that might work for it though. That it's got nothing to go against. People are in the mood to see a horror film. Supernatural. Um, it's an old person horror film, though. To be completely honest. Yeah, and it's PG thirteen, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's going to help out its cause also. So you went in with twelve, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna go with sixteen, sixteen. <laughs> I think it's got some things going for it, man. The PG thirteen, which helps, opening up against nothing helps. 
Yeah, I think that partially the Super Bowl weekend doesn't factor in that much because um, it's a Super Bowl is usually at night on a Sunday, which by that time you've made all your money. So I don't, I'm not going to factor it in too much. However, when people have something planned, they often don't do other things on the same weekend, you know, because they're they're just focusing all their energy on something else. Oh, those are some lazy-ass cunts right there. Jesus. Yeah, I know. I like <laughs> to try to pack in as much stuff into one event as I – like, if I have one thing on Sunday, I'm like, well, what can I do on Friday and Saturday to make this epic, you know? I know, right? Um, but so, you know, I think that the movie itself is going to benefit from having the, I guess, based on true events – tag that it does i think people are a sucker for that stuff um i thought the trailer played pretty well not as well as that other movie that they keep showing the trailer to like right after this one the uh the quiet place or whatever that actually looks really good yeah i know i thought um, that movie looked really cool actually mm-hmm. yeah so um i think that this i think ghosts are pretty popular right now we just seen insidious do pretty well um I think that I think I'm gonna go above Jeremy, but below Moods. I think that's the spot to go. Um, let's go with fourteen point five. Right smack dead in the middle. I, I think Moods is gonna win this, though. I think it's gonna do above sixty. You know what? I, I it's a toss up, man. I mean, could it, shit it, the bed. This is a hard. Yeah, it could totally shit too. Given I think that. After the success of Insidious, like making that much on a dead week as well. Yeah, but that's I a just, franchise. I just it think, is. I just think though the PG thirteen label might actually help it out because a lot no, of young because ki- you haven't seen the trailers. It doesn't look like a hip horror movie. It, you're right. That's actually a fair point. I didn't even consider that. This is not a movie that a teenage audience would be interested in seeing. Honestly, yeah. you're kind of right about that. That's actually it has, a very like, it's valid a period point. piece and yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Who knows? I mean, that, I mean, that could be right. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I mean, if I see a period piece, I'm like, oh, that looks pretty. Yeah, because cool. you're old. Yeah, but you're old. No, but, but even you do, when I was, when young, you say that, no, when, when I was 13, you'd be like, oh, I love period pieces because I love. I was a big Western fan when I was a kid. Too. Yeah, I, still I did am. too. But I mean, dude, this the, this generation, come yeah. on, they're completely different. <laughs> they want to see Happy Death Day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Happy Death Day makes number ones on people's lists and shit. So, that's, well, yeah. just one person. <laughs> we all know his track record. So, okay, so that that I guess that's our our predictions here. Is that the only thing that comes out this week? Yeah. All right. I'm. You guys are gonna go see that? Yeah. You know what, yeah, man? If if it. it actually comes to town, I might. If you get that, you'll get the strangers. You're gonna get the strangers. I mean, twenty three hundred theaters is actually quite a bit. So I think that, we'll see. I think I read the strangers is opening in like. 3000 plus so i I bet you you get that man there was some shifting going on with release dates lately kind of made me a little annoyed because i had something every month that's like kind of horror based and then now like some things got shifted around um but yeah uh i'm i'm curious to see this one it looks all right you know um but yeah so i guess that's it for box office bro ding ding (laughs) yeah Alrighty, so 
we are going to change up things a little bit this week. Usually we start with news after the intro, but as you have noticed, we have done box office brawl. But we're going to do like a little bit of a minor news recap of the last week or two here. Uh, we're just going to kind of throw out some ideas of things that have happened, uh, things that we've noticed. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Jeremy, you want to start us off here? For the first time in my lifetime, and JP's lifetime, because fuck Black Swan, I don't really... It's not really a hardcore horror movie. Get Out gets nominated for an Academy Award, finally. Finally see horror movies get recognition from the mainstream, white, old people audience, which is nice. It's kind of big news. Yeah, I think that it is. I, I definitely think that for a year that horror was so successful to see it acknowledged, even if even if you don't believe in that type of acknowledgement, it's still important that to see it acknowledged in every avenue possible. It does not only happen twice. I don't this even is only re- the fourth time it's ever happened. I just I just don't respect the Academy at all, so I don't really give a flying fuck that they're willing to I mean, I feel I personally feel like they're that they're almost obligated to do it because the film did so fucking well this year. I mean it's like, okay, so if you have a non horror film and it does exceptionally well, they're mm-hmm. probably gonna noted at one point during the the awards it's going to get nominated for something so but the I problem th- is, is that it hasn't you know what i mean in the look at any like look at stuff like the conjuring or anything that's done huge numbers well and they i think it's the overall effect it. i think it's the overall effect though because this year just had an exceptional explosion of like horror in the mainstream was huge i, I don't think they could ignore that and this film- uh, you know what it's also the fact that it's socially conscious mm-hmm. material you know, yeah. it's 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 and, socially relevant. That's what I so it's almost like it's almost pretentious that they have it's it's like because it's dealing with real issues that it's like it's well, like gotta oh, have this it. is pretentious material. We I, have to have I it. I think it's that time <laughs> again though, and that's what it is. It's it's definitely the content and having to do with you know, with those type of issues and things like that. It it kinda reminds me of the year that um you know, all the big talk going into the one I don't know what year it is, I'm sure Jeremy can remember the year that training day Washington won and uh, Holly Berry won. I think in the same year they're calling it like the year of the black winner, whatever the fuck it was. Um, but that, that Fucking, to me, but a shitload of black movies went in best picture these last few years. Not, like they have nothing to bitch about. No, no, no. I'm talking about best actor and actor and stuff. But I know, remember, I know. remember that one specific year where like leading up to it, it was all this talk about like, Oh, we haven't, you know, had these winners and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, these two win and it just felt, it felt so forced to me. It felt obvious that this was going to happen. And at the end of the day, I didn't agree with the winning. It's not, it had nothing to do with color or anything. I'm, I like, I love Denzel Washington. I didn't think his performance in training day deserved to win best actor. I, I truly didn't. So I feel like it's staged a lot, you know, and mm-hmm. I felt that they were a little bit obligated this year, considering the success of get out, given the content, they couldn't help but ignore it. You know, well, and I feel it's, the, I, it's fitting their pretentious criteria to put it into the into the mix. And the one thing I hate about the Get Out talk that drives me literally crazy is I've heard people 
who are more movie fans, but not necessarily horror fans, talk about this movie. And it drives me crazy that people talk about it as if it's like, and it, and it's hard to say this with that because it sounds like I'm 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 taking away from Get Out because it is important and it is a film that I am highly in love with. But I hear people say that it's like breaking all this new ground. Yes, in a sense, it is in terms of like mainstream, but it is not the first movie to tell on these Tales from the Hood, bro. 19, yeah, 1995's Tales from the Hood is a major player in this game. 1991's People Under the Stairs also had a lot of elements like this. A mm-hmm. lot of them. Yeah, that's true. Tons of them. So this is not like horror has always been socially relevant, you know what I mean? And it's always touched on these type of topics, you know, directly the same type of topics that get out is talking about has been talked about for 26 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Literally, literally 26 years, but in a sense, (laughs) but in a sense, films have to do very, very well in the mainstream to be noticed and get those nods. Because, I mean, if they were digging in the crates and trying to find these socially relevant films and trying to find the best films for that particular year to put into the Academy, you know, but they don't. They don't. It's all about success and things like that. I mean, People in the Stairs, under the radar. Tales from the Hood. I mean, these type of films, I mean, we know aren't going to get, you know, the respect that they deserved. But, you know, if they had done the same numbers as Get Out did, do you think that they would, maybe not in those days, Probably not. I think yeah. times have changed, and I think they're trying to lean towards a little bit more and trying to kind of trying well, to respect well, these type of films. Well, horror was literally not respected until Scream, Silence of the Lambs, which well, is interesting no, because Silence of the they Lambs don't is... even call that horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Silence... it was considered a horror movie. No, it wasn't. I don't think yeah, it was dubbed. Watch as every a interview ever, and they they call it as a they title it as a thriller. Yeah. See, it's I was only considered, considered horror by horror fans. When it was nominated, or when Anthony Hopkins, he was nominated, what, for Best Actor that year? Yeah. Was he not? So was he nominated, you know, as in, you know, for the horror film, Sounds of the Lambs? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you tell me The Exorcist in your eyes is the only other horror film to be ever nominated for an Oscar. That's been well, fully dubbed as a horror film. That has been dubbed as a horror film. I consider Silence of the Lambs horror, but nobody else in the mainstream did. They called it a thriller. So I think that, yeah, The Exorcist is the one true horror film that was acknowledged as a horror film. You know what I mean? It's so Such a huge spread in time, too. I know, dude. That's insane, man. But... Yep. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I think this is cool, but if it wins one award, I think I think it would be cool to see Jason Blum on the fucking mainstream stage. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. He's he's turned no money movies. He's turned no money movies into fucking gold. So yeah, Blumhouse is is the shit. Like it just is. Like Blumhouse is a major player, and and they're awesome, and I can't hate them at all. So yeah, Uh, a little bit of other. Other news that came out, a little bit of disappointing news. Um, uh, horror author Jack Ketchum passed away. Yeah. Rest in peace, Jack Ketchum. What exactly was the cause of death there? I never. I just heard that he passed away. I don't know. He's in his seventies, so yeah. Probably just old. Yeah. Well, the seventies is like the new forties, man. Come on. And that's what Vince Vaughn says. That's what old people do. They die. You know what? To be <laughs> well, fair, I, mean, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know he was that old. Like he didn't even look that old to me. So. Yeah, but 
Yeah, um, he was also a you know screenwriter. He wrote a lot of the um, screenplays for his adaptations to be took to screen, such as The Lost, um, The Woman, Girl Next Door. You know, yep, some all the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so another thing that I thought was interesting, I, I definitely want to spread this news. Uh, Shutter is interested in reviving uh, Joe Bob's break. Briggs horror hosting type show you know I'm doubt it'll be called monster vision yeah um, but you know basically the same premise and to get that done um, basically they want video submissions um, to say hey we want this stuff uh, I made one I emailed it to him um, I know that James the angry video game nerd made one as well which is good because that's, 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 that's the that's the guy that we need on our side to yeah. to get this to happen I was hoping he would make one that's the first person I thought of when they announced this uh, and yeah so if you're interested in monster vision coming back please email uh, shutter because actually it's not shutter it's for like some joe reason bob's. joe bob's email so i don't yeah. know how this is working or whatever but yeah, uh, joe bob <laughs> at joebobbriggs.com yeah it's fucking sweet man that's pretty awesome shit they probably can't use the name monster vision it's probably copyrighted turner right? owns it yeah, well, yeah owns shit, which sucks man because monster vision is such a it's such an iconic name you know yeah you just Although, they'll everybody. call it monster something yeah monster eyeglasses there you go but what was funny did you guys know did you guys see what i posted about what about um no i don't watch your videos no it's not in my well it is in my video but i posted on facebook group too uh essentially almost one year ago to the date i tweeted at shutter hey you guys should get a horror host i suggest the wonderful and great joe bob briggs uh all the credit to JP for this. So I'm just saying, you know, I'm not saying that I caused this to be put Get in motion. But <laughs> yeah, you are. If you He's guys remember that one dude who got the Shutter app on the Xbox One, which oh, was Oh, yeah, because you were the only ones asking for it. You know? Well, I'm just saying I put that into motion in literally the same week. What happened? The same. They ain't developing that shit in a week, and you know it. <laughs> well, they might not have been developing it, but maybe they finished it because of the hot oh, water get the, that they were in. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here! How come it isn't on the PS4? You think all the homos? How on the come it isn't on the PS4? Let me ask you that. Why is it not on the, the PS4? The PS4 doesn't have that many fucking third-party apps like Xbox. Exactly, because it's garbage. No, it's not, dude. Xbox is garbage. Why? We have Shutter. No exclusives. What do you mean? No, Shutter should be literally. Shutter should be expanding their horizons with that. I mean, it's a little bit tough to watch. Come what? On. Shutter? Yeah, yeah, but not if you have an Xbox One. I'm just saying, I mean, but a lot I mean, the majority of people I know have PS4s. So, I, I mean just, you yeah, know, even for your smart even for your smart TVs and shit like that and I mean, I think you can get it on Well, an Apple? Uh, it's on I, the Fire Stick now. Yeah, it's the, on the Roku. Like it's getting better. It's getting yeah. better. Um, but I agree that it still needs to be on some other platforms. If you want it For on sure. the PS4, just ask me. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I'll make this oh fucking turd. Uh, here we go. Listen, we go. is it? I'm just saying, guys. Who gave them that idea? Did they come up with it themselves? If 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 you were fucking moods, we'd had fucking the cure for world hunger with everybody listening to him. So fucking, we should get him to do shit. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
The, Watch this. He's going to fucking post wh- Hellraiser. Where would Boom. they have got Two that minutes idea? Later. <laughs> Two minutes later, it's going to get filled. So we should get fucking moved to solve world hunger and we'll all be fucking happy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I'm, think I'm that's clearly work, joking, man. but I'm just saying it's pretty cool that two times something that, that I've been a part of in terms of asking for had gotten announced or something shortly afterwards it's neat because it makes it makes me feel like if anything you did it a fucking year ago well dude things don't just get in development right away oh, you know get how this the shit fuck works out of here. oh because i said it eight years ago now that means that it's actually happening eight years mean. ago is way different than like a year ago a year in the terms of filmmaking and and tv shows and stuff is not that long you know that i know as argento so, do you think that they never seen that tweet, and then they're just like, all of a sudden today, they're like, oh, we should do yeah, a because, horror hosting huh, thing. We should have a new horror host because that fucking homo double shot Jay asked for it. Yeah, let's do that. No, you don't think that they saw that, and they're like, oh, that's kind of interesting idea, and then they return to the idea later when they were You don't think the they've actually content? heard that before? No. I Get searched it on Twitter. I couldn't find anybody asking for it. <laughs> Look at this fucking cock knocker. <laughs> what do you mean? That's a pretty original idea for somebody to think uh, to 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 have a horror host on a non. It's not a TV network, you know. Because I mean? you know James Rolfe only asked for it about seven years ago in his video. He asked Shutter to do it. No, nobody wanted it to return. They're not the so only. So what? Everybody to... wants it to return. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna love. I- I'm going to laugh at this whole shit, man. So we go through all this trouble, fucking tons of people make videos, and, you know, Joe, no, Joe Bob Briggs they're gonna gets... Make it, and they're going to film it, and then the, before it airs every week, there's going to be a fucking dedication card that says, to Double Shot J, and then it's going <laughs> to fucking play. And then JP's going to feel so good about himself, and it's going to be a whole bunch of nothing bullshit. No, you just don't no, want to so give Shutter, credit. So Shutter's going to finally come to... Make a decision. Be like, okay, yeah, we should probably accept this. Uh, you know, this Joe Bob Briggs thing, and uh, so <laughs> they're gonna ask him. Like, yo, man, you want to be the host of of Shutter? And then he's gonna ask for way too much money, and then it's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> really, is Joe Bob in that much of demand? I don't think he would ask for that much money. Nah, I don't think so. I think he's like. More I wonder how that would work. There, actually, like, like how Shutter does for for cat. I mean, I you know Netflix is just fucking rolling now with all their. No, I don't think Shutter's that big. Honestly, dude, Netflix dude. is in two billion dollars debt, dude. Yeah, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, considering how no, much... because they keep they making. They just went too hard with their originals. Yeah, they, they keep making all these originals, and now they're in two billion dollars. Well, that, that's in what debt. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's like every time I click on Netflix, there's a new original TV show or movie or some shit, and they're two hundred billion. <laughs> two billion dollars. Two debt. billion. Like, how do you how do you debt yourself that much? I don't get it. Because they keep making originals and they're fucking spending more than what but they're making. But at what point, like when you're like, you know, half a billion dollar, million, whatever. That's probably nothing to them. They'll, they'll climb their way out. Netflix is huge. They're seems, not going anywhere. That seems insane to me. I'm not saying but, they're going anywhere, but people think they're so successful, but they're actually in debt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it might turn around. Who knows? That would be pretty fucked up, though, man, if they got so far in debt that they actually shut it down. There's no way. No, that there's no way. But yeah, but Shutter is Shutter is such a smaller level. I mean, it'd be interesting to see somebody like Joe Bob Briggs. Like, what they would even pay that guy? Like, what 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 kind of cash flow do you think they're gonna be? I don't know. What do you think Mickey Keating Keating or whatever his name is is making? SAG on the core, probably SAG. Probably (laughs) like just standard. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, actually, okay. Good. Anything else on that note? 
Oh, no, no actually, I just I just want people uh, to do it. Make a video, Los damn An- it. Los Angeles Times reported in October that Netflix is now in debt by uh, $15.7 billion in streaming content and $4.8 billion in total gross See, now, debt. those numbers are, are, are screaming to me that they're going to fucking 20, fold, man. Like, when, 20 you're, billion. when you're $20 billion in debt, dude... Yeah, like, but that Netflix is, is too big. They would easily they would get investors to bet, bail them out so fast because everybody they, would be like, "But they haven't though." That's the thing. I was, you know, this is like rel- this is relatively new shit. You know, they're still to this day. Well, I'll tell thing. you right now, they just upped their prices again. I think well, so. Of course, they uh, because they're, they're fucking they're twenty billion. They have to up. They ha- They should probably up them. You know, uh, they probably can't though by you know, the laws and shit, they can only do a certain percentage at a time over a certain no. amount of time too. Nope. So these, no law on that. These mofos love going in debt. There's fucking no, movie passes in debt. You mean Netflix to tell me is in debt. Everybody to, who's connected with Netflix in debt. You mean to tell me that they could just double their prices like that? I don't well, think it works like that. They I, could, but they would lose everybody because nobody would fucking pay that. It's double a, like that. I swear, I'm grandfather. There's no law against how much you can charge for something. There's still 104 yeah, million. Yeah, well, no, there is. It's just like rent, it's just like the renters' laws and shit like that. You can only rent. You can only um, like up your rent a certain percentage over time. Like you can't just you can't just have somebody in there and be like, "Okay, I'm raising the rents." You know, fucking. Yeah, but like, you're also talking about a sign like lease agreement where you're you're. Uh, you know, this is this is an opt in, opt out any time agreement. That means they, th- you know, that's the difference between that and and rent. You know what I mean? Well, um, let me. The, let me the, well, it is industry stuff, though, man. I don't think you can just. I, if Netflix knows? wants to charge twenty two dollars right now, they legally can do it. Yeah, I would like. To, well, let me read. I would let like me read to this. see the facts on that because I, that just seems ludicrous to me. I mean, obviously they would never do because you're right. Because you would lose because here's but. the reason, moods. Because you're not. You're not. It's not a. You're not like required to have Netflix. It's a hundred percent a decision. Like you're like renting is renting has so many laws and things like that because it's like a basic human need. Netflix is not. Well. Let me read this. Uh, Netflix has accumulated a hefty $20.4 billion in long-term debt and obligation in its efforts to produce more original content. The California-based company hopes more new shows will capture more subscribers, its primary revenue driver. It's also under pressure to keep expanding, spending new shows as streaming rivals such as Amazon and Hulu expand their own slates of original programming. The result is that Netflix is burning through cash flow at a glowing clip. The company is pouring money into expensive prestige projects and expects to spend at least $6 billion in content this year. Its net cash outflow this year is forecast to grow to as much as $2.5 billion, up from $1.7 billion last year. Reflecting its growth, Netflix recently moved its Southern California headquarters into a 14-story building in Hollywood. So they only make in $2.5 billion a year, but they're spending $6 billion a year just on content alone. I mean... Okay, so... What is okay? So, if you <laughs> upped is, your price by two dollars, right? And there's um, 104 million subscribers. I'm seeing 117 as of the fourth quarter of 2017. Like I, okay. so I think I'm 117 like, million. Like 9.99. Like I mean, obviously when it first started it was 7.99, but I think I'm at 9.99. I guess. Like you could still get DVDs from Netflix. People don't realize. Oh yeah, that. I, I I do it every time we uh, do a new top ten show. Like yeah. Yeah, because some things I, I just 
it's easier. I wonder how that- I haven't done it this t- year, but last year for uh, 2002 or uh, 1986, I did it. I wonder how many people are still using that service. To well, get the well, five days ago, CNBC just wrote an article. Netflix DVD business is still alive, and um, they're still. It's lost 4.8 million users in the last five years. And uh, well, it's because yeah, it's, I mean, because it's technically after all, it still pumps out profit, and it made 62.7 million dollars last quarter, which the company can inject into its fast-growing business. Mm-hmm. So Netflix will be fine, dude. They, they'll turn it around. It they put a little bit too much into the original content too fast, thinking that it would do bigger numbers than it actually did. It doesn't matter how many people watch it. The idea is that how many people will subscribe to Netflix because they want to see something that's only on Netflix. Now, what right? they're going to do? They're they're so far in debt right now. They're gonna they're just gonna file for bankruptcy and then change the name of the oh. company to Netflix. They're not that far in debt though, dude. To Netflix like, they're, they're, because they're one of the biggest damn things in the world. They can go in debt further than other companies can and still pull themselves out pretty easily. But twenty billion at this stage, like that's. I mean. You know, you know, a year or two ago, I mean, their debt wasn't even close to that. I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like they're burying themselves at a <laughs> rapid pace. You know, over the last couple we'll of years, uh, they uh, look right now. If they put ads on their shit, they would be out of debt in two seconds. You want to know what's <laughs> even more fucked up? Yeah. That Blockbuster could have bought Netflix for two million dollars oh, yeah, back know. in the day, and they said no. That's like a classic industry story. Oh, what a bunch of dumbasses! Yeah. Yep, and look what look where Blockbuster is now, man. That's fucking insane. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, I have no problem though. I mean, if Netflix is willing to, or if they're going to raise the prices again, you know, whatever, ten, twelve percent, or ten or twenty percent, that's fine. You know, because I, I like no, this, fuck that. I, I like the service, though. I mean, but the thing is, JP, it's going to have to happen. I mean, it, they're not going to get themselves out of debt by just staying with these prices. They have to do something to to generate. Yeah, that they revenue. need to stop making original content. Well, for a while, putting yeah, so much sure. money into it. But I don't, you know, I mean, you know, it's going to happen, man. They're going to finish uh, filming season three of Stranger Things, and then they're going to fucking crumble. <laughs> they're going to see the light of day on Netflix. I, I, Netflix will never go away in this current industry. But do, Something would need, need to change, change it completely. They do need to change their business plan right now because they are expanding way too fast. I mean, this this isn't the fucking, you know... Um, I've seen this happen in so many industries, especially in the airline. They, you know, they try to fucking expand too fast, you know, to go to different def- destinations, and it just crumbles them. I mean, they have really put themselves in the debt in the last two years, like, that's some immense shit right there. That's crazy. Those numbers are alarming. So they need to change their business plan and stop I producing these shows. I don't think they're as bad as you do personally, but it's definitely not good. But that is staggering, though, to go in that debt in like that you know minor short of time. But mm-hmm. you know, just I kinda, just don't think you know, just yeah. kind of you know, look at their original content and maybe maybe that's not what maybe. Do we get a season two of that Santa Clarita Dizzer? Yep. Okay, yeah, it's crazy. It's not out yet. Yeah, it's not out season two. It's insane. Um, I actually did have one thing to note uh, that I just thought of right now. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the Mike Flanagan directing the Shining sequel, Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I yeah. Actually, I heard that Flanagan's my dude too, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, and it was you know it's funny because I was having a conversation with one of my friends not too long ago about this, and I was like, I don't know, man, if it's ever going to materialize, I'm not sure. And it got fucking, like, I think officially announced that Flanagan <laughs> yep. is actually going to be directing Dr. Sleep. Because um, he was asked about it a long time ago, I guess, what, a year or two ago or something like that? 
um, which film that he would like to adapt. And he had mentioned, you know, a sequel, the sequel to The Shining, which is um, mm-hmm. Doctor Sleep. And apparently it's on the fast track right now. So they're going to be doing that. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool because, I mean, I like to see a sequel to The Shining. Um, and directed by Mike Flanagan. I mean, yeah, cause the guy's Flanagan, pretty damn hot. One Flanagan has killed Stephen King's adaptation of, uh, you know, the, Gerald's Game. Gerald's Game. So he got chops to to do that. And two, he's done nothing but good work. So Hush, I think fucking I, and he Oculus. definitely knows like how to do Spence and and all kind of all kind of awesome stuff that horror needs to succeed. I'm pretty sure yeah. once someone had mentioned we were, it was in the Facebook group a while ago. And someone had even mentioned, they're like, oh, that shit's never going to materialize. It's ne- they're never going to make that sequel to The Shining, blah, blah, blah. Well, here you go. It's coming. <laughs> it's so, coming. I'm excited. All over your face. Yeah. <laughs> what, so, JP, it? think Ronda's going to show up tonight? Uh, it, What's tonight? The Rumble. Oh, is it? You ain't watching? You didn't cancel the show to do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <that's- laughs> oh, bam. Yeah, script, bro. Um... I think that I think that was all I wanted to talk about um, in terms of news. Do you have anything else, Jeremy? Devil's Rejects too. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Um, yeah, Devil's Rejects two. Um, I said in my video that I made on it that I thought they're called that. This is a rumor, but uh, allegedly it's called the Devil's Rejects two, the three from hell. And I was like, dude, they should totally drop the two, call it the Devil's Rejects. Three, the three from hell, because it's the third movie and it's mm. a double entendre. You know, it can mean the third movie, the number three for the third movie in the series, and the three from hell being the three lead characters: Otis, Baby, and Spalding. Um, apparently, this is a f- officially happening, but it's only a rumor that it's filming in March. What do you guys think of this? I mean, I don't I'm, know. I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. I, I always said that I wanted to see another film and make that a trilogy. So, I mean, I, there's obviously a lot of people shutting off the podcast right now. Fucking Rob Zombie talk always on that 22 shits of moods and horror podcast. Him and Eli Roth, bro. Yeah. So every time, you know, Rob Zombie's name gets brought up, it's uh, it's fucking mayhem. I lost um, two subscribers on my video I made. <laughs> Dude, it happens. I'm not like, even people joking. People are so offended when you bring up Rob Zombie's name. but and, and in the video, I said, listen, I think Rob Zombie is great, but in this video, I'm not trying to convince anybody. I'm just specifically talking about the news. And <laughs> I still lost two <laughs> <these> subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Rob Zombie. I mean, really, so, I mean, why wouldn't you be? I mean, <clears throat> House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, I mean, I, I really just don't understand the hate, to be honest, but why not make a third one? Why not? Well, I think that the people that even hate Rob Zombie actually like both of those movies. I think those are the ones that people are like, oh, yeah, those are actually good. So let me ask you guys this. You guys didn't watch my video. I know Jeremy didn't. You didn't either, Mids? I actually didn't even see that you posted that, to be honest. Okay. Well, good to know that my subscriber feed's working. Um, But anyway. (laughs) Oh, it's uh, working. I just... Don't want to watch the videos. I think the only um, videos I watched last week. You should just click week, on them anyway and give them the thumbs down. I only watched no, that's probably. Only cool, 
I only watched like a handful of videos last week, and they were all Randy Santel eating videos. So. <laughs> that guy's funny. Um, but I watch a lot of eating videos too, so I'm not. I'm, not too. I'm, I'm astounded. I cannot get over the wife. She fucking hates it. She's like, "Are you watching those stupid fucking eating videos?" She gets all if, busy. With look, me. I'll go to Taco Bell and I'll <laughs> eat Taco Bell and watch other people eat Taco Bell while <laughs> while I'm in Taco Bell. <laughs> I'm not even joking, and I don't care. I don't give a damn. Yep. <laughs> but um, so I, I in the video I talked like, okay, what can this be? Um, one, it could be a prequel. But if it is a prequel, a hundred percent you have to recast. Sid Haig is old as fuck right now. No way he can play a younger version of himself. No. You know, in in a prequel. And maybe Sherry could, but even she's pushing it at this point. So um, you would have to recast, which I don't think you want to do because those characters and specifically those actors are such an integral part to that film series and what people love about it. So I think prequel recasting, that's a bad idea. Two, you could do a direct sequel taking place right after the devil's rejects and you could make it supernatural because we all know what happens at the end of the devil's rejects and to the title, the three from hell kind of makes it almost sounds. Okay. Now if you go the supernatural, doesn't that kind of take away a little bit of steam from it though? It, it, it okay, almost, it almost so, comes up a little bit cheesy. I mean, okay. So if you don't go the supernatural route, so you know, this little scenario, so you don't go the su- supernatural route and they actually survive the okay, end of well, Devil's Rejects. Now, does that kind of diminish the ending of the Devil's Rejects? Because there's yes, always that little does, bit actually. of there's always yeah, it totally does. There's always that little bit of you know in the back of your mind, you're like, did they live or did they die? But you know, they fucking died. Okay, on, so right, like yeah, I mean, okay, l- let's back up because you just gave me a ton of stuff right there. So one, the supernatural angle. Some people are pushing for it. I don't like it, even no, though the like original that. had like almost supernatural elements in House of a Thousand Corpses. There's a deleted scene in The Devil's Rejects with uh, Doctor Satan alive and and him being potentially a little bit supernatural. I don't like that angle because the Devil's Rejects was so grounded in just gritty realism that I think that taking it supernatural totally goes in a direction that I don't want it to. Now, the third option is that you can do what you said and they just survived. Maybe they were in a coma. Maybe they were in prison. Maybe they were in a mental institution for all these years. And maybe they break out. Is it unlikely that they would survive that barrage of bullets? I don't buy that. Of Especially course it's unlikely. It's super unlikely. Is it possible that a human can withstand getting shot multiple times? Absolutely. We see it all the time in history. Is it likely that three people would survive? No, absolutely unlike Yo, old as fuck. Yeah, the Firefly yeah, Flam is just a bunch of fifty cents. <laughs> yeah, like the Firefly shot Flam up. is fifty cents. So, so okay, <laughs> the, the third one starts out, man. They're getting fucking bombarded with bullets, man, and a it's just pure mayhem, and it's all slow mo and shit. And then the movie starts, and it's it, it's in slow mo for a second, and then just goes into real time, and they just bust through the fucking police barricade, and they're just yeah, they're home free. I mean, really? Like, what do you do with this, man? Or it's a, or it's a fucking dream sequence, and they ruin the greatest ending. No, 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 no! You cannot do that. See, that that's is the thing. hurting it too See, bad. See, that's the thing. Okay, dream let me ask you this it. though. Okay, 
Okay, Super so Rob does. Zombie even has said that he doesn't want to make a sequel uh, for for a few times because you know they're dead. You know, and so he's yeah. kind of admitted that they're probably dead. Does that mean that you can't rewrite history because you never officially see them dead? Yeah, you can a little bit. You still let them get shot. Maybe you um, maybe two like you could even have the possibility where two of them die, one of them lives. More likely than all three living. But let me ask you this: If I said you can have another badass Devil's Rejects movie, but the only caveat is you have to somehow believe or just accept that they all lived at the end of that movie. Don't Isn't buy it. that trade-off worth it, though? No. Even if it's completely unlikely. It's Captain Spaulding's an old fucker. See, how okay, the hell is he going to live from first that? Of all, I first think- of all, is it impossible that somebody could live from being shot, you know, seven eight times it, yeah it, but not fucking it is. why Spalding. why does that matter it, it, no that, actually that some me. people some people who get shot when they're bigger actually have a better chance of living but because they have more blood it would be believable i think I one of the mo- that made more that up. those likely, are made up facts <laughs> i think one of the more likely scenarios for myself in that situation if they are going to play the card of that they you know that they kind of live through that you know the end of the devil's rejects Maybe mm-hmm. Spalding is the one that does die because he is the older one. He's a little bit more mm-hmm. fragile, even though he's the bigger one. It I could buy into it if Spalding lived, or I mean died, and you know the other two lived because mm-hmm. they're younger. Maybe they just didn't get hit as much. I don't know. We don't really yeah. know the whole, full scenario, but it is more likely that he would die just because you know okay. of his of his uh, state. Let's let's set aside the 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 question of could they live for a second. Right? I mean, anything possible. Just let me right? and just answer the first question I brought to you. Are you guys willing to ignore the fact that it's unlikely for them to live, maybe even impossible, in order to just get another sequel? We used to buy it all the time, right? Chucky's soul gets transformed into a fucking another doll because of uh, equipment malfunction and electric flies through there. But the Jason inter- gets struck by a doll. Lightning. But those are also like, supernatural. You see, you're going the okay, supernatural route, okay. which I would like to stay away from that and keep the realism okay, fucking in Chrome the Skull gets his face melted off. You know what I mean? Well, that's or like. Yeah, but Chrome Skull is kind of dumb, though. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, that's fair, that's fair. Okay, but I, I swear to God, there's probably... A, okay, what about when it wasn't Supernatural? The, all the Friday the 13th sequels. Uh, I shot him six times! You know, Dr. Loomis returns in part four after his... Uh, come on, Loomis was dead as fucking part two, right? And he returns for part four. We used to accept it all the time. Why is it in today that we won't? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is I think, it because I think films have got less cheesy? Because I just think that those films are like so serious. Like I wouldn't buy it in that sense. But See, Halloween I, I, one and two are serious as well. Yeah, in, in, but in I don't sense, think like as gritty and dirty and those movies. I think it's. It, I think it's just people accept it a lot more in slasher films for some odd reason. I think that's just the mentality that fans have. I mean, it's the slasher film. Mm-hmm. We've seen it so many times over time that we're, our brains are just programmed to expect that the yeah. shit's coming back, man. But if you take a gritty film like The Devil's Rejects, where it's so... it's it's I mean, in a sense, it's not realistic, but it is realistic. It's set in a real world with these maniacs and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... I guess the reason why I like the de- like why I dislike the House of a Thousand Corpses as well not dislike but don't like it as much yeah is the Devil's Rejects is because House of a Thousand Corpses is a lot more unrealistic. 
So it's kind of a weird dynamic because the series mm-hmm. started kind of unrealistic and then it got super real. So I, I'm kind of with you on that. And, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person, I'm more in the camp where I don't believe that they could have survived. It's very unlikely. Is it impossible? Probably yes. not. Because I, I, we've seen crazier things happen in real life. It's not impossible. Is it very extreme, like a 99.9% chance that they died? Absolutely. But am I willing to let it go in order to see another movie with them? Yes, I am. Because I just don't care that much. That movie still exists. I can still watch that ending. And I can still love that ending. Now, there's another possibility here. We can go in a mid quill territory, which would still have them looking a little bit older, but it wouldn't be prequel older. You know what I mean? You could go in between House of a Thousand and Devil's Rejects. I think that's kind of unlikely, but yeah, it is possible. She couldn't recast at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I would rather just see the actual third film. You know, just come up with yeah. something, but yeah, the prequel I think is. The, out of- I think honestly, the best way to do it would d- have two of the three characters die, one survive, um, and and kind of go from there with mm. with new people. They you know? find they that. find more family members. Exactly. That, that's yeah. where I was kind of leaning to too. Like you know, Spalding dies, or whatever, and then you know, it, one or two survives, and they go and find. I mean, that's where you would probably have to take it to continue the story. I, find f- more family members. I would Who just knows? love. Or you could go completely different and have it a spinoff with other members of the family. God, we know there were a few people that never were even shown in Devil's Rejects that existed in House of a Thousand Corpses, such as Dr. Satan. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Find that. the other members and just go from there and then start some more carnage. Yeah. You know? Bigfoot so, doesn't the, die, right? Who? Bigfoot. Tiny? Yeah. Well, um, he's, he's dead in real life. I was gonna say he's dead. I know in real he's life. dead in real life because he's fucking Howard Stern's guy. Yeah, he he. Well, we see him walk into the house. Yeah, yeah. So that was burning. So we assume that he's dead. Uh-huh. But I mean, we'll see how Rob Zombie plays this. I hope to God it's not like a dream sequence. That would be off. That well, would just be awful. You know, a Halloween too. But so but Rob Zombie it. needs to redeem himself after the mediocre thirty-one. I think this is the best way to do it with the fans. He knows these characters. He knows how they tick. He has probably thought about this sequel for years every day longer than us like how would i bring him back if i did so i'm sure he's yeah. probably come up with an interesting idea or at least an acceptable idea by now so that's kind of my two cents on the topic uh i think it's super interesting though i mean at the end of the day i hope it materializes and i hope it's good no supernatural i i agree i agree um now, the the last thing I wanted to throw out there, guys, is um, Moods, are you doing an extended list for the top 10 2017 films? Uh, yes, I should probably start organizing that. <laughs> uh, I have like, you know, I just got to put kind of put it in order. I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to do the actual video, but it is coming, though. All right, cool, because I'm probably going to do one, too. And I just wanted to throw out there if you guys um, are interested in seeing me at least me and moods is extended 2017 list we're gonna post them on our youtube channel so that's mood 616 and double shot j um so check those out and uh, also check out my channel yeah also check out moods top um releases of the of 2017 if you're a collector um he posted that already i believe yeah and you know who fucking commented on that shit the whore man Horror man, Joe. That's crazy, Joe. Where the fuck has Joe been for like the last four years? Like, 
out of the blue. That's crazy. That's cool. That's cool, man, if he's coming back. And he posted a video. Horman coming soon back. in March or something? Or yeah. That's yeah. I didn't even notice that, but yeah. yeah, Jeremy asked about him because that was like the first guy to ever show me love when I first started YouTube. I think that's actually how we ended up meeting was through Joe, right? It was. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of Aww, interesting. Link how there. sweet. Well, I mean, you it has to get a fucking room. <laughs> there has to be a link there somewhere, but but yeah, yeah. man. Oh, that's cool. I wanted to say this. This was also some kind of news. Um, did you guys hear that Tarantino cried during the screening of the yeah. new Suspiria? <laughs> okay, now was that actually a real thing? Was he crying huh. because it was good, or was he crying because it was bad? <laughs> it was bad. If it was because it was bad, I doubt this would be news. Cannot, <laughs> like, Can you like, imagine? Shit. Um. I'm excited, man. I think this is going to be good. You know what? I'm looking we'll forward. I'm looking forward to seeing it too. I mean, I've been asked a million times, "Am I excited about the new Spirit remake?" Well, we all know Andrew's looking forward to it. You yeah, know, got Chloe in it. I'm curious. I mean, it's there's been so much talk and so much hype about it, and it's obviously materializing. Um, you know, it, we're eventually going to see it. So, I I I can't deny it. I want to see it. You know, I'm not going to put myself yeah. out there and say I'm not excited. I mean, I'm not going to have one of those maniac moments again. <laughs> <laughs> it would be crazy if that happened. But yeah, um, I mean, I think I'm, it would be a little bit different for me to see it because um, I, I don't I don't love Suspiria. Like, it's not like my number 10 favorite horror film or anything. Speaking of Suspiria, I watched it last night. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. <laughs> Why do like my my number ten favorite horror film? That's just the rest. It's not like it's my favorite number seventeen on my list. You know, it's like <laughs> well, that's keeping calm. I, I meant to say it's not like it's in my top ten. Yeah. I think yeah, keeping yeah, calm sixteen. Um, I seen Suspiria last night, so this is the third time I've seen Suspiria. I you saw seen Suspiria it in the theater. What's that? You saw Suspiria last. Oh, night. you seen it too. Not seen. Saw. You saw Saw? Fuck you, JP. Did you watch Saw again? Why? We just did the franchise. <laughs> uh, so, I saw Suspiria last night. There you go. It's just too many S's. Damn it. Um, but it was on 35 millimeter. Yeah. It's the, it it the new print, right? Or the... The new found International print. print. Yeah. I think there was... I don't know. Is there new scenes in that? international uh, print what the fuck is I've, that mean? i've only seen suspiria twice it so was, I, I think it's the fully uncut yeah version. so i don't know what was new in it but austin who's seen it more times than me says that he think there was some extended scenes in there um so me carly and austin went last night chicago Dude, i'll Film tell Society you right now did that shit. it was the most packed i've ever seen that building there was there was literally like no it was it was almost full capacity like there was some seats here and there but it was packed dude that, that's awesome and to it hear was that. so awesome because right now the hollywood is going through some trouble which the hollywood theater it's in pittsburgh and basically there's a company that wants to buy the hollywood and apparently wants to change it to a second run theater which is just terrible right that would be mm -hmm. so awful well the so only they, good thing about that is that you get it'll be cheaper to see films 
two bucks. Yeah. Which, but it'll be films I've already seen. You could just go to AMC for that. It's already a fucking second run theater and a first run. I wish we had a second run theater here, man. I I, I do, but I don't want it to be the Hollywood. Like the Hollywood shows cool stuff like Suspiria. Damn it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know what I mean? And apparently last year was the most successful year for the Hollywood theater in a long time. They of course had the Adam green thing. Um, They had tons of, cool screenings oh, that every weekend band has them and stuff what's that i have that every weekend i just what? don't have any friends oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well yeah i mean so it, to see everybody step up and like come and see suspiria and and show that like hey you know this is important to us was really neat and they had a big speech at the beginning and stuff like that uh, gave away some some how to rap. Chicago Film Society, bro. They gave away fucking the uh, Goblin soundtrack on vinyl. Oh, that's which was pretty cool. That's cool, man. Uh, yeah, they. It was it was a really neat experience. I will say the only problem I had with it, the subtitles were off a little bit. Yeah, because they were they weren't burned in. They had to do that. I know themselves. they have to put them over top of it. Yeah, so they're out of sync, and it's annoying. Um, I much prefer Suspiria in its dub, hundred hmm. percent. Yeah, th- there's nothing worse than watching a film where the subtitles are off, man. It's just, yeah, it's so agitating. Well, like that must have happened when they're moving the print around and shit like that. Um, I really that like or the, the Hollywood projection is the shit. That um, it, it could be, but I, the, the guy kind of praised him, so I don't okay. know. Okay, all right. Um, but I will say this. The print was really good looking for, you know, being old. I've seen much worse prints. Uh, it was a li- yeah, Halloween was the one. I was yeah, actually telling Austin about, I was telling Austin about the Halloween print, how it's and like funny cuz it's orange tinted. Me and JP seen the same print. Um th- this print is beautiful. It's obviously a little faded looking because it's so old. Um but it's a beautiful print. It's not too scratchy. Uh it- it's, you know, awesome the the soundtrack is good it was it's quite an experience seeing Suspiria on 35 millimeter um in a packed house um people were pretty awesome there everybody clearly respected the film and and were fans of it who showed up um just a just a cool experience but it got me even more excited for the remake so we'll see how that goes nice Nice man, I wish I had those opportunities to see I films like those, Suspiria on the big screen. That'd be- I always win those contests because I always know the fucking answers to those stupid ass questions. Like, oh, what was, does this? What does the zombie <laughs> fight in zombie? It's like really? it was uh, a raffle. Like I could win that shit. Fucking shark, give me my fucking Severn blue. But what happens Thanks. if they asked you what kind of shark? Would you know the uh, species of it? No. <laughs> Nobody. Oh, just make it a little bit tougher. Come on, everybody knows that shit. Well, not, I fucking won. I raised my hand and they fucking called on me. So I guess not too many people. It, really? <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's like one of the most iconic things, man. I know. That's crazy. Talk. Yeah. So, um, I, 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 dude, it was so cool. Like, I, I, one thing though, dude, I don't know if we talked about this and I noticed more inconsistencies with Suspiria this time watching it in the beginning murder, the, the classic stained glass window murder. Are they not in like the the one girl who comes there is in the room. And we have she enough Italian two months ago. She sees the, the eyes outside the window. The other girl is locked out of the room. And that guy attacks her and stabs her. And then they're on the roof somehow. Because they show an establishing shot of that stained glass window on the ceiling when they first arrive. How does that work? I think they were already up there, man. 
but she's no because she's in that girl's apartment she's like you can yeah as long as you don't mind sleeping on the thing but it's like on the top floor right because that's where all the no, rooms are. No, because you see the girl outside of the door pounding on it trying to get in. It's like, it's not the top floor. But how do you know it's not, though? Because you can see there's a shot of the outside of the door in the hall. Ho- uh, but but you can see outside her. on the ground level, then? Because I don't think well, they ever well, show that. Well, you see it at the beginning. You see a shot of where the stained glass window is. The stained glass ceiling is. Yeah. And then the, it's a different spot that that girl's outside of the door. It's not all the way up. And the fact that she comes from above her. Yeah, I, th- those real minute <laughs> details. I'd have to you well, know, watch I'm happy it I wanted to talk about Get Out. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, that's it. That's that's it for crazy long intros and newses and stuff. What an yeah. amazing short news segment. All righty. <laughs> All right, so before we get into the dub 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 portion of the show, we are going to do a quick little bonus review here with all three of us on this uh, What We Watch Volume 5 episode. Um, This is actually a Patreon pick, and I believe it's coming from... Is it Debo J? It is uh, Boston Brando, the one and only Boston Brando. The AKA Bougie 33. The Boston Cream Pie Donut Boy. <laughs> so, yes. So, we just thought, you know, we kind of slipped this one in the mix. It uh, was kind of a last-minute thing, but we figured, why not? But we kind of had to do it because this is the last show of the month, so. Oh, no, because you had to be pooping out your butthole. Hey, man, it happens. It <laughs> happens. All right. So, from 2010, we have a film called Julia's Eyes. This is a Spanish film directed by Gilliam Morales, uh, who also directed a film called The Uninvited Guest. Um, and it's pretty much what his... He's done a bunch of shorts. He hasn't really done a whole lot of full-length films. He's done that one in Julia's Eyes, and he's been doing some TV and shit like that. So not I'm surprised most... to see this was Universal, bro. Yeah, I know. Right? I was watching, and the Universal logo came out. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I know. I thought it was like... <laughs> I was like, what? Is it? I thought I clicked on the wrong movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually a little bit shocking to see that. But um, yeah, this is a Spanish film. Uh, quick little synopsis here. The story of a woman who is slowly losing her sight while trying to investigate the mysterious death of her twin sister. Who also lost her sight. Yes. So basically what we get in the beginning of this film... Uh, her sister is in some kind of trouble and ends up getting hung where Julie, who hasn't actually seen her sister, I think in, I think they say in the storyline, like three it's what, months. Yeah. Or no, it's six months. Six it's months. Actually, so she's actually been kind of detached from her sister for six months. Uh, ultimately, gets she got this, a surgery that didn't work. So I think she was well, depressed. She, did, she didn't actually even know. She that. didn't tell Julia, but. Yeah, her husband knew. So basically, yeah. Well, that's that's something that comes out in in the film. But essentially, what happens is Julie um, and her sister Sarah, being twins, she kind of feels something. So she goes to see if her sister's okay, and of course, she finds her dead, hanging in her basement. Um, Julie is not convinced that it's suicide because she was, uh, you know, very happy and she was awaiting her operation. Which you know, at this time, Julia thinks that she's just awaiting her operation. So she has. 
Julia's convinced that there's some type of foul play here because, you know, she was not a depressed person. She was, you know, like I said, waiting for her surgery and stuff. And there was no reason for herself to kill herself. So, of course, an investigation starts with Julie, who is also a victim of um, deteriorating eyesight and shit like that. So that's where that kind of plays into the into the mix here. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me ask you this. Why? Why did she put the noose around her neck? That's a good question. That's actually a really, really good question. That's a very because if she's not depressed and doesn't want to kill herself, that's kind of a strange thing to do. You know what? It's I I've watched this movie twice, and there's actually no explanation for that. There there's a couple odd things in this film like that. Mm-hmm. That's one of them. Because like, she, how does nobody sees the fucking killer? Like, how does nobody see him? Well, they do like, allude to it. Nobody, at least in at least in the dialogue in this film. Like, how does the how does the hotel keepers not remember who he is, but the old guy does? It's like, well, no, because does it make because it's just a normal guy. They, they like allude to it. They allude to it, and they actually call the caretaker the invisible man because everyone is not seeing his face fully. So they do allude to the fact that. You know, it's not like they just oh they don't, they never saw him they never saw him but uh-huh. they actually are stating that he is have, he is him. actually dubbed the invisible man because he's just hiding his his presence obviously because of what he's doing right so it, that does kind of make sense a little bit. Um, There's the first Giallo fucking trope. So this movie right here is essentially like Jeremy just mentioned a Spanish version of of a Giallo. I mean it's it's more or less Julian doing the investigating. Uh, it's not so much a detective too. I mean, a little bit. The police in this movie are so frustrating because they're so fucking stupid. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just like the fact that, like, right off the beginning of the film, you know, Julie is convinced that there's foul play here, and the cops are like, no, no, th- this <laughs> looks pretty, pretty dry and cut. She uh, was depressed, and you know, she killed herself. <laughs> yeah, know, because just- normally, when you have um, police who are investigating, if a family member would come out and say that. You know, this this is weird. You know, I, I feel like they would like even if they thought it was a, a suicide, they would still investigate into it. Exactly. Being something else, because, yeah. hey, that's that's an important. It's definitely key, like they, they wouldn't just ignore that. No, it's definitely one thing that bugs me about this film is that the that they're willing to just write it right off when she's clearly stating that her sister was not depressed. There's no reason. Like, why wouldn't you look into that? Right. So it kind of mm-hmm. forces Julie to go on to this you know do this investigation stuff so with her and her husband um and uh and you know pretty much at the same time she's waiting herself to go into the surgery and um but yeah there's a whole pile of kind of reveals in this film that are pretty interesting also along the lines and shit um so what are your guys overall thoughts on this one well i i i like this movie i just interesting i I feel like it's a little convoluted Mm -hmm. it okay I think there I think there is moments too. Um <laughs> okay. So the one major problem I have with this. So Julie is convinced that her sister was murdered. And now mm. she and she, okay, so she's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. She figures out right away that there is actually somebody kind of watching her. See, but no but the police aren't willing to believe her. I just think, had a problem that they didn't show Isaac's that was that was his name right or Ivan's face when he was fucking taking care of her because it's like no. oh you know he's who the killer is it's like that kind of takes away all the mystery because you know it's him because they never show his See, face the re- until they you know, reveal it's I, th- like, I think it's actually 
an interesting technique used because the reason mm. why the reason why they didn't show his face, even though we because know she couldn't see, either. we know, but yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it is. We're seeing, we're getting the visual from her perspective, right? It, it, it's a stylistic choice that lends yes. itself to the actual narrative, which and is good. It, you know, it, mm. it's kind of it's kind of a cool. Um, option that they that they went that way. I think that's interesting. We know for a fact that the dude, you know, this Ivan character that's you know the caretaker for Julie is obviously the Invisible Man, aka the killer. We just don't know who he is. But he's not actually Ivan either, right? No. Well, no. That's that's one of the other reveals in the film because which is actually quite a shockingly um, well executed moment because remember, you know, later on in the film when she's convinced that, you know, this guy is the invisible guy, this is the dude that killed her sister and stuff. He tests her. He actually tests her eyesight by making Mm -hmm. her open up the freezer and revealing the real caretaker. And because he figures it out that she is lying about her eyesight, right? Because she's claiming that, oh, she's blind, but she's actually got her eyesight back. And the way that she... never put together, that was really the caregiver. Yes. So the the way that he tests her, because uh, he tests her and and then she... Well, because she finds out that he's the guy. Yeah. And then she fakes being blind still. Yeah. Because... Mm -hmm. But then he's like, wait a minute. And he, because she sees all those pictures, which indicates that she, that he is the guy. And then to kind of protect, she acts like she's like disappointed that she's because her eyesight wasn't fixed. But in fact, it is. Yes. And so he figures it out too. So he tests her by making her open up the freezer and revealing the real caretaker in there. And by Mm. getting her reaction, he knows that she's got her eyesight back, which is actually kind of a cool premise because Mm. the whole motives for the killer in this film are based on the eyesight, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I, you know, I, you know, when I first watched this movie, I wasn't a hundred percent convinced on the, the motives of the killer. I was like, that just seems like such a weird thing, but you know, through dialogue in the film, they dub this guy as the invisible man. He's the guy that is, you know, that's not noticed by anybody in society. And, you know, blind people are the only people that can kind of appreciate the, the person that lives that. in the shadows, right? And that's what his well, motive is for keeping I knew, her blind. I knew something was up with the mother the moment we saw her because her fucking eyes weren't glassed over. If she's been <laughs> blind for a while, why the fuck do her eyes look normal? That's some bullshit right I think there. that's the biggest downfall with the film, though, is the whole mother uh son relationship you know with her Mm -hmm. the reveal of her and what happens with her and her son and stuff i mean that i I think that that kind of hurt the yeah i I think that reveal was kind of stupid and i wish they hadn't done that wouldn't it be better if she wore glasses maybe i mean they do show the glasses blackout glasses Mm -hmm. yeah probably yeah but i just didn't like the actual whole reveal and i think it was i don't know you know with the neighbor and, and and that's another oddball moment in this film with uh, the actual neighbor, right? Mm. The dude that like actually tries to molest Julie when she's escaping, you know, the caretaker, <laughs> you know, which I'm like, what the fuck's up with that? And then you got this really oddball moment where he has this kind of chunky daughter and shit, and she's trying <clears throat> to lead Julie in the right direction, which is kind of interesting filmmaking too, because you're not sure if she knows what's going on exactly. And but then something vile happens to her. <laughs> it's just actually kind of interesting in itself too. But I don't know, man. There's there's a little bit of twists and turns in this one. Um, you know, it, it's it's a decent Spanish giallo, I guess, in a sense. Um, I think that's the most interesting part. It's the giallo. It, it doesn't have the glorified kills, but it has everything else pretty much. Well, I think and there's one kill that's pretty fucking 
brutal, but well, I mean, this movie really wasn't. It was more about kind of keep withholding it was more all of the, the murder. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was more about withholding everything and and just those shocking reveals when you know with the deaths and stuff like that. I, I do like the way this film was executed, um, but you know, I didn't like the reveal with the with the mother and the son, and I don't like. The fact that this movie ran like two hours long, I think this one over kind of it, it should welcome. have been tightened up for I, sure. I felt like the third act there was just a lot of Julie running around and a lot of tits being shown. I mean, the, the director. Oh, there wasn't that many tits being shown. There was only one scene with tits being like shown. The cleavage. No, no, no. The, oh, no, gotcha. he's just focusing in on. Obviously, she's an attractive woman, but I felt like there mm-hmm. was so much of that going on, and you know, you're kind of yeah. Losing. There's like one shot where she like bends down and it's like a camera shot outside a window that you could just see, <laughs> you just see it, you yeah, know, yeah. her bent over with her shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there are minor problems with this one, but I think it does come together quite interesting. And, you mm-hmm. know, after my second watch, I really did kind of appreciate the motive for the killer. Um, just with, you know, the whole invisible man being in the shadows and how he can only appreciate, um, you know, blind. Yeah, and, can only appreciate. And, and the ending flash. kind that of like, cool. yeah, forces him out of the shadows, which is kind of a mm-hmm. pre- little pretentious, but kind of cool at the same time. Well, it's something you don't see a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, it's kind of cool that they went the Jala route with blind people. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of blind people in this film too, because let's face <laughs> it, man, we know in Italian blind films, people in Giallo's, John. <laughs> I know, like in Italian cinema, we all we get tons and tons of blind people all the time, and in this one, there's yeah. like nothing but blind people. <laughs> right? And eye shots, a lot of eye shots in this fucking movie. There's, we got a needle penetrating an eye, which was that's a good fucking effect. brutal. That's def- I've seen that a better one. Brutal. I've seen a better one, but that one's pretty good. Yeah. That's definitely a nod to probably full to your Italian the, uh, theater bizarre vision stains has like the best eye horror ever yeah but i you know i thought this movie was shot pretty well i thought the cinematography was yeah it's really a higher good. budget movie. yeah it's yeah got- it almost feels weird that it's so pristine and clean mm-hmm. acting was good too. It, it feels like a straight american like well del toro helped was producing oh it. did he i didn't even know yeah that. del toro yeah Produced this produced one, it. distributed by Universal, so it had the production value behind it, which, which was cool. You know, it had a really interesting atmosphere. the The music was was decent, and I didn't think it was like over the top and shit. I think it was perfect for what it was. Um, mm-hmm. But I was impressed by the acting, though. I was really, really impressed because when you're watching films that are dealing with blind people when they don't have bandages on their eyes, sometimes people pull it off, and sometimes they don't. I mean, nobody yeah. here was Al Pacino instead of a woman, but let's face it they some of these characters pulled it off pretty well you know like i i was it was believable that you know they were not able to see it well they should have just got blind people who were willing to show their tits should have just went the real route that's an odd scene isn't it where there's just so many like kind of average to bigger people naked and you're just like oh my (laughs) god get out of the bathroom seriously (laughs) (laughs) um and then like the guy's running down a tunnel i'm like where the fuck is this shower at (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a shower that has like a fucking access tunnel (laughs) what you know overall i thought i thought the whole story was actually pretty well put together i mean you know it's funny the first time i watched this film i knew there was something up with the husband and the sister and of course it got revealed i don't know but if do you got... believe that's real i don't believe that was really happening but it i know it just seems it, it seems like it was seem, thrown i in... just think that they were trying to it seems like it was thrown in the mix up. yeah it seems like it was thrown in the mix and actually, i actually have one little minor gripe too i don't know if you guys noticed this at all but why okay explain this to me why in the fuck after Julie gets her <laughs> gets her fucking eye surgery? Why would she return to her sister's house for the care 
why wouldn't she just go back home? I know, right? Yeah. Right? Because well, how I mean, far is her house in coordination to her sister's house? Well, well, I guess it doesn't but, matter. We don't know, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, just put it this way, Jeremy: Would you want to go and get cared for? at the place where your sister was in her mind murdered. was murdered yeah no yeah. fucking way because you're waiting for your eyesight to come back after like you know a couple weeks like four fuck days. that shit man i think fuck it's that. like four days yeah fuck that shit there's no yeah. plausible way that you would ever make that conscious decision decision to make to go and stay there so i thought that was a little bit silly but i don't know all in all still pretty good <laughs> yeah it's a good movie yeah I-, I wasn't like my balls weren't blown away but <laughs> still like it was pretty good yeah i mean i think like that whole like scene with the security footage could have went away too that was kind of filler had no purpose in my opinion really well it, it kind of did because he was her husband was caught on tape there i think that's what it was alluding yeah. to i mean he was kind of trying to cover his tracks and so, i don't know but you're yeah, right you're like right 10 minutes you're right i mean Shit. it is a long scene because there ends up being a whole chase scene i feel which, like there's so many scenes that are long in this one well that scene particularly is quite long because it starts off at the uh you know at that booth there you know the yep. security center and then there's that huge chase and i'm thinking to myself going damn fucking julie can run really well in those high heels man <laughs> In the dark, and her, she's losing her eyesight. But you know, they have a lot of really cool things in the film too, wow. where where stress was actually causing her to go blind at times, where she'd have these attacks and shit. Yeah, is that real though? I don't. I would assume maybe. <laughs> I, I mean, I could see it happening for sure. I mean, stress does pretty fucked up things to people. Mm-hmm. Um, why not? Why not? I mean, if you have a, a deteriorating eyes sight, some type of di- crazy disease or shit, why not? Why not? Maybe stress is a yeah. trigger for it. Who knows? But. Um, but you know, there, there was a point though, where, you know, she has her bandages is on in this film and then she takes them off and her eyesight is just like, she got, she gets it back within like two seconds. And I'm like, that's bullshit because we all know, <laughs> even when you wake up in the morning, you still takes you 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes to, you know, for your eyes to kind of clear up and shit, man. So, there, you know, there's little things like that that are, I wasn't believing, but mm-hmm. yeah. So, but yeah, ratings. I had a 7.5, but I'm going to drop it to a 7 after our discussions. Yeah, uh, I came in at a 7 as well. Yeah, I'm I'm right there. I'm at a 7 also on this one. Um, it's pretty good. It's yeah, just, it's not, it is. It's, 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 it's a 7. <laughs> the Orphanage is a much better produced on Toro movie, but yeah. it's still good. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's nothing wrong with this one at all. Yeah, it's cool. Not something I'd really want to revisit. It's just, I think the biggest downfall is it's too long. I think if you cut down some of the scenes and tighten it up, it would probably feel like it had a better flow to it. But I felt like the third act just kind of goes on and on and on. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So, but, but you know, sometimes that's ha- that happens, you know, like you get these filmmakers and they just, we've talked about this many times, you know, you film a bunch of shit and you're like, nah, I'm keeping that in. I'm keeping that shit. I'm keeping that fucking shit in. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's what happened here. So. But yeah, Julia's Eyes from 2010. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? Children. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Oh, God. 
All right, guys, let's get into the WWW portion of the show. That is what we watch. This is going to be what we watch, Volume 5. Volume yeah. 5. And we did say it's been 13 months since we've done one of these, since we did one of these. And uh, I didn't realize it'd been that I, I That actually blew my mind. It'd been that long. Mm-hmm. It just seems like we did one, but I guess we didn't. Yeah, it, th- <laughs> this was back in Derek's run when we did the, when we did uh, what we watched. Yeah, that's crazy, man. So... Uh, who wants to start? Who wants to start us off today? Um, Jeremy. Always me. Okay, I'll start first. Um, I guess let's just get the sh- piece of shit out of the way. Uh, let's talk about City of Rot from the year what two thousand six. Now, let me say right now, I grew up in the era of E Bombs World and Newgrounds and and <laughs> yeah. websites like that where uh, shitty Flash uh, animation was prominent in my youth so i'm used to watching shitty flash uh videos and things like that you know but i'm tired both fire missile then you know all that end of the world was fucking the best flash video but this is really horrible 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 fucking animation and from what i've heard the sequel is even worse than this i told you (laughs) bloggles my mind that uh, animation could get worse than what i could see on Newgrounds and circa 2005 but this is just a zombie film we follow this old guy i watched this like three weeks ago so we follow this old guy um who's in this world where zombies are uh get into people it's like worms that enter people's brains in the water and uh it infests people and that's how the zombie outbreak happened and we follow this old guy who walks around with this walker we basically follow his adventures as he meet all these people, and he's trying to find a pair of shoes, and he finds this broad who is trying to help him find a pair of shoes. And that's about it. It's a pretty fucking basic movie with some horrible Flash animation. I mean, the story isn't horrible for what it is, let me say. You know, it, it's it's not like, oh my god, I, uh, the story definitely is better than the animation. But it's just a b- b- basic, low-budget, cut-and-dry fucking zombie movie, and yeah. I gave it a four out of ten. It's not good at all. Sorry, Mikey. Sorry to bust your <laughs> bubbles. Yeah, man. Isn't the animation just atrocious in that? Really horrible. Yeah, I, I remember when I when I saw you get that pick, I was like, oh dude, the animation sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not as bad as that Santa movie fucking JP had a review a few weeks ago, but probably not. Slaughter I mean, Class? Nothing nothing's as, as bad as that one, man. <laughs> the, the animations. I, I I don't have you seen the sequel moods? What is that again? City of Rot 2. <laughs> oh, it's actually called City of Rot. No. No. Go look up the trailer. You will laugh your head off when you see the fucking animation. Is it out? Like, is it Yeah, it's avail- on DVD. Oh, shit, man. Didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. It looks fucking... I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a stylized choice because it's like, how could anybody think this looks good? But who knows? It's shit, so it's, I wouldn't watch it. So it's, it's don't product, see for yourself. It's the product of low-budget animation right Like, how does right this there? get released by Unearth, Unearth Films? Like, why <laughs> do they think that that's a good movie for them to release? I don't like, know. Oh, my Jesus. It's not Would the worst thing that? I've had. Yeah, 4 out of 10. Uh, yeah, that's not, like, a terrible It's not the worst movie. thing. It's not, like, Hellwinger or anything like that, but <laughs> still not good. Uh. <laughs> All right, I'll go next. Uh, so uh, the first film I wanted to talk about was one that I, I watched like a while ago, but um, it's actually one of the fresher ones in my head because I, I liked it so much, and and that's Dario Argento's opera. 
I uh, got a screener in from, I guess, Scorpion? It's funny because it's re- released through Doppelganger, but it says Scorpion on it, and then the disc says Code Red. So, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yep. I, I guess Scorpion. Does it say Music Box on there? It's actually put out by uh, Scorpion. I think it, uh, it might. But see, Bill at Code Red, he had acquired the rights to that film, but then he obviously let his brother put it out. Um, underscore. I don't know what's up with the doppelganger. <laughs> They're the ones that are actually like it's distributing it. Yeah, it's weird because it's like 100% looks like a Scorpion release. Like that's yeah. the full yeah. Scorpion. I don't. Thing. I actually don't think Music Box is even in the bat on the back, like where the logos are and stuff. Well, that's so. just doppelganger. That's their label. Yeah. yeah, or doppelganger. I don't think they are either. I think it's oh, only yeah? no. It's just straight up Scorpion with the with the code red on the disc, I believe. Yeah. Hmm. So. Um, interesting, but Dario Argento's opera, um, some people consider this Dario Argento's last great film, came out in the year 1987. Uh, it basically follows a young opera singer who gets the ro- the leading role in the production of Macbeth, which is supposed to be like sort of a plagued play, you know, that ca- ha- kind of has bad things that happen when people put it on, and I guess it's kind of like an urban legend or something. Um, and basically, one day she's attacked uh, while staying at her boyfriend's, and this killer guy ties her up and puts needles, like she, he tapes needles under her eyes, and then kills her boyfriend in front of her, which essentially she can't close her eyes or blink because the needles will poke the top of her eyelids. It doesn't work perfectly, but the concept is frightening enough to where you kind of just accept it. And it's very interesting. It's it's super creepy. And then he lets her go. And then she, you know, gets in touch with the police and stuff. She thinks and begins to su- suspect that this killer might actually have something to do with the death of, I believe, her mother uh, when she was younger. And thinks that the killer somehow has a connection to her or at least is involved in her past. Uh, he eventually gets her again, ties her up again, puts needles under her eyes again, and uh, kills somebody else in front of her. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting concept where he wants her to watch these these murders. And I believe Dario Argento said he got the idea from this because he was talking at a screening one time of one of his films or, or another film and said, man, I wish I could just take the audience's eyes and tape needles under them so they can't close their eyes. <laughs> and then that, that's where he got the idea for this. Um, this movie is awesome, dude. This is one of my favorite Argentos for sure. It, the setting is great. <laughs> what, what was that? What was that? My chair's making funny noises right now. Oh, I thought you were hating on the movie. Mooch, I was Mooch like, wait a one, minute. Mooch's love one. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was one of Jeremy's like fake. No, that was Mooch's. <laughs> um, so this one... Uh. It's shot so well. Like even the opening scenes with um like the opera house and all these crows and it's just beautifully shot. It's probably one of Argento's best shot movies in my opinion. Um I love the concept of it. It kind of gets a little bit wonky in the third act with like reveals and stuff like that. But at the same time, like I just thought this one was a, a beautiful array of violence. There's an amazing like keyhole bullet to the head shot with it like the shot is so amazing that, that he does in this film um with the character in the background and, and this bullet and it's just 
the deaths are awesome. The How the fuck are you refueling this? Aren't we doing this on Italian Horror Month? Yeah, we could do it again. <laughs> That's a year from now, homie. Um, but uh, it's actually ten months. Okay. Okay. Fucker. <laughs> to get technical. Uh, ah. mu- music by Claudio Simonetti. Um, good music in this one. Uh, kind of interesting music in this one. It's almost like, kind of like I guess like metally almost what would you call it man i'm not really good at describing what kind of music it is yeah they they, they use that type of music in the more industrial type metal yeah like, yeah because they were really trying it was kind of like the same idea they had with demons using that metal music and stuff yeah. they wanted to appeal to the american audience a little bit more so yeah but i think that the violence in this one is very good that's one of the strongest points of this film is the violence is really good lots of lots of good violent kills and stuff like that um, I came in at a 9 out of 10 on this one. I really liked it. 9? Man, this movie, I always have a hard time watching because I have a tough time with, like, eye horror. You know, like, <laughs> Julie's, I, like, with the needles going in eyes. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of ironic a little bit because Fulci. Should I take it you don't like Clockwork Orange? That, it's tough to watch. Yeah, that shit, dude, it fucks with me, man. It's like, I don't know. I just, I always have this weird phobia of getting poked in the eye and losing my eye and shit. So when I see it happening, I'm just like, oh, it's cringeworthy kind of thing. Um, yeah, I was watching Julia's eyes with the wife and the needle went in the eye. And she's like, I don't have a problem with that. I'm like, what the fuck? Who doesn't have a problem with that shit, man? It's crazy. But yeah, Fulci being my favorite director, you know, he kind of exploits that a lot in his films with eyes and shit. And yeah, th- this one right here, I always have a hard time watching. I actually got the Blu-ray for opera recently, and I still haven't checked it out. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't know. It just makes me uneasy watching it, but but it's a good one. Do you like Do you like that one? Opera? I love opera. Yeah, I think it's one of my favorite Argentos. In fact, Argento. It's one of Argento's favorite Argentos. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, th- I think he said it's like you know probably top three favorite favorite films of his. Um, but. It's good stuff, man. Check it really, out if you haven't ever really seen it. One, what, yeah, you know, I always find it so interesting when directors talk about their personal favorite films. I know. I would like them to rank their movies. I always yeah. thought that would be cool. <laughs> because you'd be surprised at how many directors would totally have, like, I have a, a film, you know, their favorite film is probably not even close to yours, you know, and it's probably yeah, their like, experience. Like, making George it Romero is like a prime example. Like, like, I doubt the dead films are even his top three. You know what I mean? Oh, mm-hmm. what is Romero's favorite film that he's he um he said it before? I know he said I, I have a hard time thinking of it though. I can't remember. Martin. Martin. I think it's Martin. Yeah. Yeah, it probably Martin. is Martin. Yeah. All right. So first one up for me tonight is a Patreon pick coming from Mark Let Letum, and mm-hmm. he chose from 2016 the Untamed. Uh, this is a film I did know about. I never got around to watching last year, so which is kind of good because you know he picked it, and now I had to watch it. So uh, I knew about the film. I didn't know anything about it though. I just knew the name. <laughs> I think that's kind of the way to go into this one too, because right from the opening scene, it was like shocking to me. I was like, "What the fuck? Am, what am I watching here?" But basically, what we get here, we have um, our main characters. We follow Alejandra and uh, Angel married couple um who are kind of on the fritz you know they're in a very not stable relationship uh you can tell there's a lot of sexual frustration going on there she's not happy he's not happy and ultimately what we get here we get a bunch of reveals like in the beginning of the film um angel is actually cheating on his wife with (laughs) with her brother yeah 
so <laughs> we have this like gay kind of relationship <laughs> thing going on right off the bat too. So we get this whole family being broken apart, you know, and they've got kids and things like that. And then we're introduced to like this relationship that's going on and things like that. And uh, so we're kind of following the destruction and, you know, all these characters in their situations. So, um, but my thoughts on the film here. So basically this one, <laughs> this one starts out with a girl basically having sex with a huge kind of alien tentacle. Right. That's the hmm. first thing. Was it in her pooter or cooter? Pretty much. It's like, it's in her. Yeah. That was, you didn't answer the question. It's in her cooter. I'm assuming. I'm assuming, but yeah, she's basically. She's not like Jerry and likes it in her pruder. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. But anyways, the opening scene. This is the first thing we see in the film, and then we get introduced to our characters, and then it kind of follows them through the majority of the film. And I really like. You know, it took me a second to figure out how the director was telling the story here, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting because they left this whole kind of sci-fi alien thing alone and we get introduced and we really get in depth in these characters and stuff. And I thought that was kind of a cool way of, of showcase and telling the story and stuff. Um, yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns and shit in this one that are really just out there and shit. And I like how it deals with a lot of themes, you know, because like in Mexican lifestyle and stuff, they're very, their family values are very high on their list. Right. So showcasing, you know, the home of, you know, there's a lot of homophobic talk in this and having homo, um, having gay relations and stuff is is kind of very taboo stuff for uh, Mexican filmmakers and shit like that. So I, I liked how they really kind of touched on this. Um, it's uh, definitely an oddball film. So what happens in this film? Something happens with you know the husband and the brother. Uh, he ends up you know kind of beating the shit out of him and stuff like that. And what happens is um, about that time. So her brother, <laughs> actually, I should back it up. So the brother ends up meeting this girl. I think her name is Veronica. And that's what kind of triggers the husband to, you know, to go and do something about their relationship because he's pissed off now because he's not having a sexual relationship with her, with his uh, wife's brother anymore. And this girl, Veronica, lives like in this isolated kind of field way out and, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And there's like this weird alien creature out there that kind of solves problems by sex but what comes with sex is a little bit of destruction. So she recognizes all these problems that, you know, Angel and, you know, Alejandro are having and stuff. So she suggests that, you know, they come to her place to go get sexual pleasures from this thing. And, you know, it'll kind of solve all the problems and stuff. It's a really, really fucking strange film. Really out there and strange. I've never seen anything like this. There's a lot of subtext, a lot of social commentary going on in this in this film, uh, which I won't totally reveal. But I really do like the way this thing plays itself out. It's pretty interesting because right from the opening scene where you get to see this tentacle sex, um, I wasn't expecting it to go into a major major character study and kind of get real in depth into these characters as much as it did, and it really sways away from. Um, you know, becoming like gore kind of shock value film. And I really like that because they showcase it in the third act, but it's not over the top and stuff. You know, they kind of get into where it's going and, and then it just ends. And I will say there's quite an abrupt ending to this film. It's like, bam, it's over. Mm. So that's kind of interesting too, but I really do like the ride in this one. It kept me interested through the whole thing. I wanted to see how these characters were going to, you know, where they're going to end up and stuff. Um, 
it's an oddball one though. It de- like I said, it deals with a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, there, there's some pretty graphic stuff <clears throat> dealing with gay sex. I mean, there's a scene where it cuts to <laughs> it cuts to Angel pounding uh, Fabian. Like he's just fucking hammering him, and I'm like, oh my god! I'm like, that's the with husband his, with his stick or with his fist, dude. He's like, they're it's <laughs> not with his fist, but he's like, oh, with his stick? He's buck naked, man. Up it, like they're. Well, he's I don't really, know. He said hammering. That has a lot of meaning. I, it could it, be his fist. It could be his dick. Fair enough. Fair enough. I but say yeah. pounding when I think of you know. So he's like, wiener. he's fucking giving it to him. I'm just like, oh wow. <laughs> like I, you don't see that very often, right? And I was like, holy shit. So. But, uh, yeah, so you get a lot of that shit. But I, I really like the way this one develops. It's an interesting watch. Um, I do think it has a little bit of minor flaws in it, though. Uh, just with the sometimes the way the story is told. And I think there is a little bit of things that are not fully disclosed in it that might off-put some people, too. Um, I think it's a little ambiguous um, at times, maybe in the end of the film and shit. But, you know, if you take it for what it is, and if you do recognize the social commentary and the subtext that is going on in the film, I think that might be enough for you to respect this type of film. Um, it's definitely beautifully shot. It has um, a pretty interesting soundtrack. It's very ominous. It has this very depressing, very, very depressing feel to the film. Right? It's just very depressing throughout the whole thing, and it never really kind of picks up steam. So it's, you know, if you're not in a good mood, probably not watch this film. <laughs> but, uh, um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a pretty well done film, very well acted, and I'm going to give it about an 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10. Yeah. All right. That's one that I actually was half tempted to click on before the end of the year. I seen that it had come out because it didn't come out it? until late. I, I don't know. Is it like an indie film moods or is it? I think actually Arrow's releasing this one. Someone just, someone just put this out. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, huh. actually, it's yeah, brand new film, but it got like a really good release. So um, that's cool. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's definitely unique. And big ups for you know the Mexican horror to to make its way onto my screen because you know I'm always looking forward to that. But it's yeah, you don't see that many Spanish horror films. Well, At least funny. not anymore. It's funny. There was a few last year that actually came out and like yeah. Mexican Mexican Barbario, whatever the fuck. Yeah, I mean Atras. they they come out. They come out. Yeah. Definitely different. Definitely different. Tentacle sex, man. You don't see too many films with, like, alien tentacle sex. Possession. I will say the creature looked yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, possession. The, the creature looked cool in this, too, man. Looked pretty cool. All Wasn't right. it a rubber suit? <laughs> you gotta see it. You gotta, stop right. you gotta see it. All right. I'm gonna be talking about a film from the year 2013, and that is the horror comedy This Is The End. Now, I'm not a fan of the Seth Rogen's... Shame on you. What? Shame on you. Let me finish. I'm a fan of the earlier stuff. I like Superbad a lot. Actually, a lot, a lot. And I like Knocked Mm Up. But I'm not a big fan of, like, Pineapple Express. Love Pineapple Express. Hated Sausage Party. That movie was It's just because it has uh, weed in it. No, dude. My brother fucking sells bongs for a living. It has nothing to do with weed. I just... I I don't think I was the right era of of that kind of story. But I like the earlier stuff. But this movie is so goddamn fucking funny and then it's kind of weird that i i'm stuck reviewing this on this kind of show because it's not it's it has horror elements sure it's the end of a world post-apocalyptic kind of story but in this movie everybody plays themselves you know seth rogan is seth rogan and jonah hill is jonah and and things like that so they basically follow seth rogan 
and what the fuck is his writer's name? His friend's name? Uh, my unprofessionalism is amazing. Jay Barshall's in there? Isn't he in the movie? Yeah, too? yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Jay lives in the West Coast. I mean, the East Coast. And Seth Rogen lives in Hollywood. Jay comes to visit Seth Rogen for the weekend. And they go to Franco's house because he bought a new house. And he has throwing a huge party. And when they're there, uh, some post-apocalyptic thing starts to happen. And all these celebrities start getting picked off in a hallway. Wouldn't it be some like, apocalyptic thing begins to happen? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. you said post-apocalyptic. Yeah, but the, afterwards it turns into... God damn it, stop farting. <laughs> <laughs> That's his chair, dude. It, it, it turns into a post-apocalyptic film as the movie takes place. So at the end, it's only Franco, Seth Rogen, Jay... Uh, who else is in there? Uh, Jonah Hill. And that's it. And they're stuck inside this house as shit starts to go down and they're just trying to survive. And Jonah Hill gets processed and has one of the funniest lines as they're trying to perform an exorcism on Jonah Hill. And Jay goes, the power of Christ appels you. And Jonah Hill goes, does it, Jay? Does it compel me? And he says it in such a funny way. It's just a really funny movie. And it, it's something different from these dudes who mostly just make their fucking pot comedies and things like that. But they 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 throw some some different things into it. And I had a really good time. I saw this in the theater. And um, who's the guy that's directing Halloween? Um, Danny something. Is it Danny McBride. Yeah. Yeah, he's in this too. But um, it's it's just a fun movie. So I gave it an eight out of ten. It's fun. Okay, <clears throat> I've never seen that, but I, it looked funny to me. I, I personally love Seth Rogen. <clears throat> um, back when I used to watch like every, like all like all the big movies that came out, you know, instead of just horror movies, um, I was I geeks, loved man. that streak of uh, yeah. I I loved that streak of movies he was in. Like even um, Zach and Mary, I really like. Um, shot in really like around the area movie. here. What's that? It's not really a Rogan and. And Jonah Hill and no, Franco. but it's it's still it just funny. has it just has Seth Rogen in it. Yeah, it's a Seth Rogen movie. I'm hitting sure. miss with um, him too. I like Zach and Mary. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, I really didn't like the Pineapple Express either. Dude, what the hell is wrong with you people? I don't know. I like, one of my bro. favorite parts in any movie is when uh, I just didn't find that funny. I think oh, Danny's this movie, character is like this laying there all shut up, and it's like. It's like Bone Thugs and Harmonies in the background. It's just like, man, why they kill my dog? And man, I miss my uncle Charles. He's just like laying there. All well, since up. you're like that, they're they're holed up and they're bored and they don't know what to do, so they decide to make a trailer to Pineapple Express Two. You'll like that, JP. Oh, really? That's fucking cool. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's funny because, like I said, they're just playing themselves, and there's a lot of, of references to their personal lives and things like that <laughs> spread throughout the movie. So it's a different what, kind what of sad. What was the Adam Sandler movie he was in that was like not a comedy at all? Oh, that movie's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, funny Happy people. Funny people. Yeah, <laughs> like what good. a misleading movie. A- Adam Sandler's done that to me twice now. <laughs> yeah, Click and Funny People, man. Yeah, funny Click pe- fucked me up, man. Man, <laughs> Funny People's so not fucking it's funny, so man. Depressing. <laughs> oh boy. <clears throat> but anyway, moving on here, uh, I got a Patreon pick from James Cowks. 
and it is Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. And this is a Guillermo del Toro film, probably his most famous work, I would say. People consider this his best movie. Uh, it's set in 1940s Spain post Civil War. Uh, there's, it's definitely very much, um, I guess you would say, uh, a commentary on that era of time. Unfortunately, I don't really know a ton of about about what happened during that era. So I'm sure if I did, it would probably be a little bit more striking with me. But it's basically a fairy tale. It, it follows a young girl uh, who is. Uh, moving in with her stepfather who happens to be a, a captain in uh, the Civil War of Spain, uh, kind of a douchebag and he is, you know, with her mother. Her mother's pregnant. She's kind of sickly and basically this character, I, I believe her name is like um, o- Olaf or Olivia or something. Olivia. <laughs> Olivia. Yeah. And uh, or for Ophelia. Ophi- I, I, I think it is Ophelia, actually. Yeah. <clears throat> but she basically, like, finds this labyrinth and this goddamn... Labyrinth. Oh, my You're God, you two. You're still saying it wrong. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. You're putting labyrinth. the I after the N. Labyrinth. Better <laughs> than the way Jake Labyrinth. Labyrinth. It's not stop. better though. It's actually yes, it way is. worse because labyrinth. all I'm doing is pronouncing the L A by itself, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and Lord. you're changing the actual spelling. <laughs> but um, they they find this labyrinth or labyrinth, and uh, she she meets this. I don't know. I forget what its name is, but it's like this goddamn really good special effect. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's this, the same like, guy who plays the gill monster in Shape of Water. Oh, okay. Tom it's Jones. This, it's this, uh, um, what would you call it, honestly? It's a fawn. Fawn. Okay, it's a fawn, whatever that is. I thought uh, that was a deer. It is a deer. Man, I gotta rewatch oh. this movie, man. I can't fucking remember <laughs> it at all, man. I, I love okay. this movie so much. Well, man. I thought I had seen this movie, but it was a different movie that I was thinking of. Um, I actually I forget what own it, what it, it was. too. I, I need to rewatch this. Like, I'm so vague on it. Like, I just remember it being visually amazing, but I can't yeah. remember yeah. anything else about it. Uh, so she finds out she's a reincarnation of a princess and she must complete these three tasks in order to acquire immortality and be in like the princess world or something. And uh, during that time, there's also sort of a resistance that is formed um, and sort of a, uh, I guess, a double agent um, who's trying to help the resistance, but is living with the captain and 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 that stuff. Uh, and that kind of all comes to fruition in the end, uh, as well as these three tasks being carried out, as well as um, Ophelia's mother gets sick and, and she has to deal with that. Um, it's it's a really interesting movie. There's actually a really good scene with this. I don't even know what the hell it was, but it couldn't really see. The one-eyed and, monster. Yeah, it like eats children or something. The eyeless monster. Creepy. The one-eyed yeah, the monster. eyeless monster. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon to the podcast near you. Yeah. Um, I think that this movie has tons of, of you know, obviously um, important stuff that, that was going on at the time in it. And it, it has like a really good ending. One of the um, most fucking brutal cheek cuts ever. Yeah. Oh, Re- dude. So and all, yeah, that that's really good. And also, honestly, there's a there's a scene where he like executes this guy, 
which I thought was really brutal as well. Um, I was really happy with the, with the amount of brutality that they put in this. I believe it's PG thirteen. No, it's R. It's R. It's a hard R. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> yeah. about to say. Um, okay. Well, damn, an R fairy tale. How often do you get one of those? Right. Devil's uh, backbone. Yeah, which I don't. I can't. Re- I, I can't really remember that movie. I know we covered it a long time ago, but. Yeah, so I, th- this movie's really good. It, it's a really good movie. I don't think it's as good as some people make it out to be, personally. This isn't even probably... I, I honestly think Shape of Water is probably... Um, <laughs> but... Um, uh, well, you can't even say anything. Just be, shh, be quiet. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It, like, I guess if I, maybe I understood the actual Civil War a little bit more... And like what that meant, and like what it was, how important it was, and stuff like that. I might, if I knew the history a little bit more, maybe I would, I would feel the weight of it a little bit more. But it's good. It's a good movie. I came in at an eight point five out of ten on this one. So happy I watched it. Q. Yeah, I gotta, uh, I gotta rewatch that one, man. I just don't remember anything. Yeah. Have you seen it for sure? What's that? Have I seen it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have the Criterion, or what do you have, Mood? I think I just have, like, a standard... I can't even remember if it's a DVD or Blu-ray. Hmm. I'd have right, to actually... Thank you, James, a... for that pick. I remember watching it when it first came... What year did it come out again? 2006. 2000... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the year. I was still living in... Mm, My... Did it? Yeah. 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 I yeah, saw I was... that in theaters. I, was... I hadn't even bought this house yet. That's crazy. Yeah, so it's been so long since I've seen the fucking movie, man. But um, I probably watched it shit faced or something. <laughs> so I can't quite remember. Um, oh, but it's such a beautiful movie. Yeah, it's awesome. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, next up here is another Patreon pick, and who did it come from? Fanny Eli. Fanny Eli sent me this one here, and we are also going back to the year of two thousand and six. Whoa. With a French film called Sheetan. Oh, yeah, with my <laughs> miss friend Roxanne Mesquita. Translated into the word Satan, if for the people that don't know what Sheetan is. When I told her how much I love that movie when I worked with her last summer, she was like, you know what that movie is? It's like, hell yeah. What, Sheetan? Yeah. <laughs> she asked you if you knew what the movie Sheetan was? No, because she's in it. So I was like, oh, I was talking to her. I was like, oh, yeah, I love Sheetan. That movie's awesome. She's like, you know what that movie is? Like, yeah, no, I, know I, that movie I was shocked that she didn't realize that it's. I mean, it's not that small of a film. I mean, it's got a pretty big following. Well, she didn't know. She didn't know I fucking knew Sintucci either until she's like, "Oh, you know that movie too." It's like, <laughs> God damn, we're gonna become friends over these. Oh, Sintucci. Oh, yeah. You know that's a movie that we should do on the show. We really should, man. That's a good motherfucking movie. Okay. Yeah. I love that movie. Oh, that's a. Oof. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we'll save that. Um, but yeah, Sheetan from 2006, starring the amazing uh, Vincent Cassell. Um, <laughs> uh, man. So basically, this one follows a bunch of really obnoxious, very, 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 I can't even stress enough, very unlikable characters. Pretty much everybody in this movie sucks dick. They are the, like, the worst. <laughs> they're, they're, they're just so obnoxious. Like, the characters in this film are so obnoxious. And so douchey that you just you can't help but smile. It's almost it's almost ridiculous that these people actually exist because they do. Uh, so what happens at the beginning of the film? We got a bunch of characters, Bart and you know a few other ones. Uh, they're at this club. Something happens at the club. They end up getting kicked out, 
And they ultimately meet this girl named Eve where she says, you know, fuck, man. You know, it's still kind of early. Let's go back to my place. Um, she kind of lives out in this isolated farm area you know, somewhere in France. So they all agree. They're like, shit, man, let's do it. So they head all the way out there. It's actually Christmas Eve. Uh, apparently nobody has families to spend Christmas Eve with. <laughs> I always wondered that when I watched this film. It's like there's like six or se- six of them or something like that. And nobody has family. I don't know. Uh, so they head all the way out there where they get introduced to Vince Cassell's character who plays a character named Joseph. Uh, he's kind of like the housekeeper, the caretaker and shit like that. And he is just this odd ball, creepy, just very strange character, kind of over the top, very smiley and just kind of he's almost like over emotional to everything you say. So he's very off putting and shit like that. So so they end up going back to this place where, Yeah. He's got, you know, kind of an ulterior motive thing that's going on there. So, um, but my thoughts on this film, without giving too much away, my thoughts on this film, um, it's a very strange one. It's a very oddball film, and I really do like the core of this film. I think for a lot of people, it might be a little bit confusing because it plays itself pretty straight edge, you know, throughout the film. I mean, you've got a bunch of characters that go to this house and you're expecting it to become kind of like a slasher bloodbath type film based on Vincent Cassell's character because he's totally ludicrously off the wall. He's strange. And everybody that you meet uh, before the third act of this film is very odd and strange and very weird looking. And there's a lot of weirdness that's happening. Um, and, you know, you know something's going on by the name of the, ti- or the title of the film, which is Sheeton. His name is Joseph. We've got Eve in the film. Uh, but there's, like, <laughs> there's some very fucking oddball scenes in this film. So there's a scene where they go into this hot spring, and uh, one of the characters has a dog. And this girl just starts, like, <clears throat> jerking off the dog. You know, she's like, what? Yeah, we've seen that before, Moods. It's, but it's so. I showed random. Moods blowing a dog one time. Yeah, but. The, oh, that the, was me. The way this happens Actually, in the film. It, like, the girl's just like petting the belly, and all of a sudden she just starts getting a little more erratic, and then she starts jerking the dog. And the guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Dude, whoa, what the what fuck? The hell? Yeah, and like all these weird French characters man, around weird. and shit. That's illegal. Yeah, and then there's also another, another strange scene where Vince. Like, there's a scene where they're in this field. And there's goats everywhere and stuff like that. And Cassell, he's like, oh, you know, this one has like these huge, you know, milk sacks and shit. And Eve kind of bends down and he like squirts the milk in her mouth for real, right from the tit. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going It's like some oddball shit, right? But it's all a prelude until the third act because then it just turns even more bizarre. The turning point in the film is where they sit down for like their Christmas dinner, which they ultimately end up having a goat. Like, he kills a goat. And they go in the house and, they, you know, they eat this fucking goat. And then the turning point in the film is where they have this conversation about religion. And a couple of the characters actually find out, like, they're both Muslims and, you know, there's one that's Christian, blah, 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 and stuff. And then it kind of leads into it. And I think, the you know, the consensus is with this film. I think a lot of people don't understand what's actually going on in this film with Vincent Cassell's character. And, you know, he actually has a wife in this movie who is pregnant throughout the thing. She's mentioned a few times that she's pregnant and stuff. But, you know, you don't really know what the fuck is going on. And then it just goes haywire in the third act. Completely haywire. People start, you know, dying and crazy shit's going on and stuff. And then I think where this one kind of loses itself, which I really wish the director hadn't done this, is the very last. You know what I'm talking about, Jeremy? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think there's one scene in the end of the film where I think that they should. I haven't seen it in a while, but, but I think I, don't, I know what you're talking. About. I don't think that they should have done this because I think they should have just kind of left it the way it was because I think it makes it so. It's one of those what the fuck moments because if you were understanding what was going up to this point, they throw you this curveball, and I think it really kind of brings down the film quite a lot because it's like the director was almost confused on himself, but then I read into it a little bit. Hence why there's so many strange things and weirdness that's happening in this film. I think they wrote it while they're on drugs and, and shit like that, right? So it does kind of make sense if you know that type of story. But this one is an interesting film. You know, I don't think the story is is that easy to follow. You might have to really dig into it. But it's you definitely have to check out this film for the performance of Vince Cassell. It's fucking off the wall. It's like one of the weirdest characters ever. Another really cool thing about the film, it actually has a cameo from Monica Bellucci in it. Uh, she's only in it for a second, but you do get to see her in the film, which is pretty damn cool. Um, I I really, really enjoy this film. I think it's fantastic. But like I said, the very last shot in the film, I don't know why they did this. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I still can't even figure out why they would do that, given what they just showed you. Um, but it's an oddball one. I'm also going to come in at an 8 out of 10 on this one. So, you know, you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Sheetan, you know, this is going to be deal- dealing with, you know, probably the the devil and, you know, religion and things like that and stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's it's an entertaining watch. There's a lot of uh, racist comments in this film, which is another thing that makes me laugh, dude. Like, it's just so fucking blunt in its approach, you know, until the third act. I mean, weird characters. I mean, they're, they're just throwing around words like there's an Asian guy in the film. And... Joseph like looks up and he just says it without even hesitation. He's like, yo man, he's like, does the chink want a part of this? And he just like, I'm like, what <laughs> did he say? So you got to check. Have you, have you ever seen, you haven't seen this one before JP? No. God, no, it's, it's such a weird film, man. It's such a strange film. Um, I like to, I'd like to hear a commentary on this one. Really <laughs> like to hear a commentary on this film. This is definitely one I would like to hear, but, uh, but yeah, she's on, 2006. Right. All right. Next up in my amazing what we watched reviews, which I'm so good at, we're going to be talking about uh, Delicatessen from the year 1991. And this is directed, of course, by uh, Mark Caro and Jean Pierre Hunet, who uh, also made a film that I reviewed a month and a half ago called The City of Lost Children. Uh, they only made two films together. Before Hunet went on to make Alien Resurrection, and Caro was like, fuck you, you're sold out. So he went his own way and hasn't made any movies really since. <laughs> Is this a Patreon review? No. Oh, this is just something you watched. Yep, not going in order. And um, their, movie, their movies are very uh, David Lynch inspired. Uh, City of Lost Children was uh, as well, but this movie is really, really David Lynch inspired with a French. Uh, twist in it. This movie has a lot of influences from the French New Wave for sure. A lot of uh, longer takes and a lot of um, one location scenes where there's this characters talking for a long, 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 long time. If you guys are familiar with French New Wave movies, uh, they're pr- hugely prominent for having extremely long dialogue sequences. And this one definitely follows that case. So we follow um, uh, Lewis, and Lewis is a uh, ex- clown who is living in this society where um they can't grow any food so people trade instead of having money they trade you know beans 
and corn kernels and things like that. And the way that they get meat is is they kill people and they you know butcher them up and they sell that to uh, people who are willing to buy it for you know for grain and things like that. And yep. Lewis is out of a job, so he travels to this butcher who decides to give him a job living in this apartment upstairs. And what this butcher ultimately is going to do is he's going to kill Lewis and, of course, puts him into meat and sells it to people. But, of course, he falls in love. You have fuck you, Derek. You always have to interrupt me even on this show. <laughs> Who the fuck's listening to that fucking asshole? Who's doing it? Not, not me. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where, where that came from. I don't know where that came from, man. I have no well, idea. Well, that was the Boston Brando, so fucking dickhead always has to cut me off but um so i know yeah i know how much you love my reviews derek i know how amazing they are but you're gonna have to sit through them for a little bit longer uh so lewis falls in love with the butcher's daughter Julie, julie and ultimately it's them trying to uh not have lewis get murdered and they hire like this underground army that's trying to capture lewis so the butcher doesn't kill him very weird a whole bunch of really quirky characters live in this apartment and we learn more about who they are and their problems and it's like i said it's a very high log heavy film the film really never leaves this apartment but it's such a likable setting because of the way that it's it's set dressed and i feel like this really is a building block to what we see in the city of lost children because uh the scenery in that movie is just absolutely fucking amazing 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 and i feel like we could see a transition between this movie and that movie and how much they've learned from this movie and how much they carry it over into that movie these two movies i wish they made more movies together because they really make some really interesting and fantastic films and this movie is 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 on on that par um what's the title of this again delicatessen from the year 1991 for some reason it sounds so familiar yeah and i love that idea of you know cutting people up and and eating them but it's not really that big of a plot you know it's it's the main idea of the film but it it doesn't really like dissect into all these people getting murdered it's just really just the relationships between lewis and the people in this apartment building where he's working it's really really fucking good i highly highly recommend you check it out i give it an eight and a half out of ten it's awesome So check out that one. Cool. Nice. Sounds pretty decent. Uh, Next up for me is a film from 2014, which is definitely not a horror film in the slightest. But with this Patreon, when we announced it, we did state that it was possible for you guys to kind of squeeze in some non-horror stuff for us every once in a while. And Sam took that opportunity and he gave me a film that, that... is titled John Wick. And the reason he yeah. gave me this is because everybody and their mother loves it. And he said that it's a travesty awesome. that I haven't seen it. And I've been messing with Sam all week. I've been disliking everything that he says. Um, I'm only playing Sam. Uh, um, and apparently pissing Wick. off everybody else in that chat too. <laughs> Am I? I don't even know what's going on here. Well, I don't want to say any name. I don't want to start anything here. Jesus Christ. But somebody that does have another podcast, let's put it that way. Hmm. Can't think. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> you can't think of that huge fucking fight you had with No, somebody? I know what you're talking about. I'm playing coy. Ah, oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, so no, uh, basically... Show <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, 
John Wick, right? It's an action film starring um, Keanu Reeves, who I actually like and always have liked. Um, shout out to Hardball. Uh, and Man, Spoon. why Keanu Reeves okay? If you, you haven't seen I don't my know. Pri- y'all talk shit on him you before this my movie private ever came idol. out. Constantine's my fucking idol, awesome. Was awesome. Yeah, it was fucking great. <laughs> I, love I love my private Idaho. That movie's awesome. Yeah, I, I've always liked yeah, Point Keanu Reeves. Um, I've never seen that. Bill and Ted. <laughs> Bill and Ted. I don't really I've like Bill and Ted that much. It's okay. Oh, dude, he did not just River's say that. Edge. He just said he doesn't like Bill and Ted that much before he's ready. Before he uh, out of, out of all like the the stoner duos, you know, Cheech and Chong, Wayne's World, climb back uh, up. Bill and Ted's definitely the weakest. No oh, way, dude! Geez, it's George dumb. Carlin time travel. Oh, fuck! It's awesome, man. Genghis Kong. It's okay, it's awesome. It's okay. It's okay. Bubblegum, bubblegum, burnt bubble toast. Gum. Fuck, the movie's awesome. It's okay. <laughs> what other uh, movie do you know from that time that wants to, is allowed to say fag and be okay? Yeah, times have changed, right? <laughs> they literally say fag. I feel like PG they always said movie. fag. Anyway, John Wick. So this film follows this character named John Wick, who really? is a supposed badass. Like, you don't know much about him at first, and he, you, he his wife dies... She leaves him a dog. He's very depressed and sad. Uh, there's a couple of young punks who are kind of harassing him, wanting to buy his car. He drives this badass, what is it, like a Mustang or something? Camaro. Camaro. Um, I don't know my cars too well. But anyway, he drives this badass car, and these dudes are like, yo, let me buy this whip off of you, homie. And he's like, no, nah, it's not for sale. And then this dude like speaks in Russian and calls him a bitch, but John Wick knows Russian, so he hears him, and it's just and it like that moment was so good. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna like this movie because this like John Wick's a fucking G, dude. You know what I mean? And um, basically, these these little assholes break into his house and like beat him up, kill his dog, and steal his car. Then they try to take it to John Le- like like John Leguizamo. Just call him Luigi. <laughs> Luigi from uh, Mario Brothers, um, which I actually like a lot. And uh, and he's also in Land of the Dead, I believe. But yep. I actually like like him. He's a, he's a cool actor. And this guy knows John Wick, and he's like, "Hell no, I ain't buying this car off you, dude. You better get the hell CJP, out of here." Me and Moods weren't fucking around when we tell you this movie's awesome. Okay, well this is this is just my first impressions. Let me get to my second impressions. Um, so basically, John Wick finds out who did this. It turns out that it's like this former employer for him we learned that john wick was like the best assassin of all time he got out the game to marry his love um but he, he those aren't the games you can really get out of you know blood in blood out that type of stuff but this guy gives john wick an impossible task assassinate all these people john wick does it so he has to let him go now john wick is after this guy's son so this guy's like this guy even knows that his son fucked up like yo dude you have no idea who you just did that to um but at the end of the day it's still his son so he has to roll with the family you know and basically it's just john wick after this kid the rest of the movie um i really really like the setup to this film i really like the early stages i felt like it suffers from what every other action movie suffers from with, in, in its later stages. I was getting I was getting a little re- tireless with the action and and the gunfights and the, and the fighting and all like that. The best by part the of girl, <laughs> all the headshots, fucking headshots. To me, left it's right. just the problem with action movies. I always have is everything has to work out 
absolutely perfect to a T in order for this person not to die. And I just feel like it's well, he too has set up that he is catering. the best of the best, though, right? So yeah, and that's the it. one reason why I will give it props is because they do add a great mythology to the character to kind of lend to what happens later in the film. But then again, we see other people save him. So my, he couldn't have been that good if other people have to step in and, and give him tips and save him and stuff like that. So um, at the, at the end of the day though, fantastic movie. I really did like it and I'm not a huge action fan. I like some of them, some of the more classics like die hard. I absolutely love, but uh, I, I really like this one because they set up the John Wick character so well, and I felt like the execution of that was was really top notch. Uh, the villain was cool, um, and just just the whole concept of this this unstoppable force coming after you. You know what I mean? That just is so pissed off um, because of being wronged. And the ending really cool. Like the final scene, you know, really cool. Kind of kind of interested to see i know there's a second and potential third one happening so i am kind of curious to see that but if somebody there's wants a third to third one happening if somebody wants to let me watch the second one for patreon i'd be more than happy to um otherwise it'll be on the back burner for a long time but uh yeah i, I liked it give it a nine out of ten very solid watch I, I was surprised i didn't expect to like it as much as i did it's fucking awesome it is awesome Second, I was happy with it. I, I did not expect to like it that much. Second one's crazy, too. Good. I think the third one is going to be, given the story, the setup for it, oh, my God. It's going to be fucking nuts. <laughs> like, I don't even know what they're going to do with it, man. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> so thank you, so. Sam, for that. Yeah. All right. So back to me, another Patreon pick. And this one right here is coming from Matt Janoski. Yeah, I think Matt Janowski. Janowski. Is it not John Janowski? John <laughs> I don't know. Janowski? I, just say I don't know. Man. It looks like Janowski. We'll just go with Janowski. So. Uh, so he gave me a film from 1966 called Seconds, directed by John Frankenheimer. Which uh, we were supposed to do on this show for years. Derek all sent us a copy of this. That's right. That is, <laughs> that, that is correct. That is correct. How come we never ended up doing this? I don't know. It just got away from us and totally forgot about it. Yeah, like 100%. So, um, but yeah, seconds here. Um, basically, the film starts out following this character uh, named Arthur Hamilton. He's kind of like a middle-aged, maybe just a little bit over middle-aged. And he is not very happy with his life. His life is going absolutely nowhere. He's in a stale banker job. Um, he's felt like he's kind of on the outskirts of his marriage and things like that. And he's just not happy in life in general. Uh, one day he receives this call from his uh, longtime, which he thought was dead friend named Charlie. Um, he was like an old Harvard uh, buddy of his. And um, he gets this call and he says, uh, basically, you know, I've got this opportunity in a lifetime for you. If you want to take it, all you have to do is go to this certain address. Uh, tell him I sent you and they'll change your life. Um, and so he's kind of like, what the fuck does that mean? And I thought you were dead. <laughs> and he's like, no, trust me. I'm actually still alive here. And, uh, if you want to change your life, just go to this address, tell him I sent you and, um, kind of go through with it. So he thinks long and hard about this opportunity. He doesn't really know exactly what he's getting himself into. Of course he takes the opportunity, goes to this place in which the, it's this company. They're just known as the company. And what they specialize in is giving somebody a brand new identity and a whole new life. And what they do is they completely give you a full makeover. 
Like they literally change your whole entire look. They make you look 25 years longer, younger. You're a totally different person. And they set you up in a lifestyle, kind of like a, an established lifestyle. Movie. Yeah, they set you up in like this established lifestyle. So he goes through with it. He changes his identity. He turns into, and now actually the actor even changes too. It turns into Rock Hudson, who now yep. is playing um, uh, Anton, or Anchis Wilson. He's now a painter. He's kind of established. And uh, so that's kind of the setup to the film. Uh, my thoughts on this one, it is just a fantastic sci-fi story. It's just, it, it feels to me like it's a little bit of ahead of its time. Um, a lot of, a lot of subtext going on here and shit like that. Dealing with, you know, life and life and death. And, you know, if you were given the opportunity to actually change your given life, would you take it? And how would you react to it? I think there's a lot of things that are showcased in this film done very, very well. Um, so, you know, at first he's kind of enjoying his new lifestyle because he's not dealing with his old burdens and his old, you know, just all the problems that he had. Uh, but it becomes very evident that changing your appearance on the outside doesn't change anything on the inside. And there's a really cool scene in the film where, you know, <laughs> I kind of call it the feet wine scene. I don't really know what you call it, but this is very awkward scene where there's a bunch of younger people and they're, you know, um, they're outside doing these weird dances and shit. And it's kind of like, I guess at a winery, I guess it takes place at a winery and all these people get naked and they jump into this big vat full of grapes and they start stomping on mm -hmm. them and shit like that. And at that moment in the film, he realizes he's like, holy shit, like, cause he's kind of, you know, he's that older mentality right now, but on the outside, he looks young. And he has this like epiphany. He's like, this isn't me, you know? And I, it's like one of those moments when you're watching the film, you're like, damn man, that's really compelling because it's like the swimmer, bro. It is like the swimmer. And it's very compelling because, you know, everyone sees him as this young hit person who should be in there stomping these grapes. But his mentality is telling him that he's old school, man. He ain't doing this shit. And then he becomes super depressed in his new lifestyle. And he's like, well, you know, what the fuck do I do? You know, kind of thing. And there's this really great moment where he gets shit faced. He starts, you know, saying way too much stuff. And I just really like the way this film plays out. It's a great, great character study. And, you know, it kind of gives you a lot of insight. It gives you a lot of things to think about essentially what it does. And what really tops off this film is the fucking ending is fantastic. It goes into a place where you're just like, wow, I, I can't believe it actually went there. It's really awesome, really well executed. It's dark. It's fucking believable, you know, in in a sense. And I really like what, uh, you know, kind of what the twist is in this one too, without giving too much more away. But um, fantastic performance by Rock Hudson. I think he knocks this one out the park, out the park, man. Um, it's your Rock Hudson. I think I believe he ended up dying. I think in the eighties. Yeah, in the, about the mid eighties, he actually was like a closet homosexual and ended up dying of AIDS and stuff like that. But Rock Hudson was That's actually funny. Fucking JP's fucking laughing. But like, it, it's just kind of interesting. I heard you go. <laughs> I go it was laugh. funny. But I mean, How's at that time. At that what time, do you mean? He died of AIDS. How is it funny? I didn't laugh. I laughed before he even said that. Dumb fuck. <laughs> because He's he was a closet, closet homosexual. How's that funny? <laughs> it just sounds funny. Closet homosexual. Well, I'm trying to be a what little bit politically correct here because if I'm going to talk about Rock Hudson and dying of AIDS, I don't want to be like, oh, like fag died of, you know, that's just not right. Um, but no, <laughs> not he, only gay people die of AIDS. Exactly. Well, that's it. And, and it's Haven't you seen Dumb and Dumber? Not Dumb and Dumber. Fucking Forrest Gump. Dumb and Dumber. What the fuck? Are you talking about Philadelphia? No, Forrest Gump. No, he's talking about Jenny being a bitch. Oh my god. 
But anyways, man, Rock Hudson's <laughs> performance. Summer, what the fuck? <laughs> Rock Hudson, he's fantastic in this film, man. He does a really, really great job. And, you know, I, I love the way he switches on and off in the characters and stuff. Like, you know, it, it's just, it's fantastically executed, man. Really great cinematography. All the, um, you know, supporting characters in this film are fantastic, too. And, you know, what really makes this story is the ending. That's what really sells this whole film. It's just like, holy fuck. That's just crazy, crazy shit. You know, especially for the time, 1966. Um, really fantastic film. It's, it's definitely a film that Criterion would put out, and they did. You know, this is the type of shit that they put out. Um, it's a very good film. I, I'm going to come in at a 9.5 out of 10. It's really awesome. Um, I think that there's a couple scenes in the film that run just a tad bit too long for myself. I think that's like the only gripe on it, um, but otherwise Damn, we should have covered this one when we had the chance. <laughs> it is. It's a really, really well-made film. It's just awesome. Yeah, it's, I love the story. Really Everything about it is just—it's just a really brilliant film. And uh, so that's seconds from 1966. All right. Next up from the year 2018, it's a film titled "Mom and Dad." Now I heard a lot of good things about this movie. When Mr. Jason Lloyd saw it at South by Southwest, he was saying how good it was. So I think it was South by Southwest he goes to. Or Fantasia Fest, one of the two. But I was looking forward to checking this one out. Uh, the thing with Nick Cage that I've been paying attention to recently is he's doing a lot of genre films. I know that he has a couple more coming out in 2018 where he is in a horror film I've read on you know Bloody Disgusting and things like that. So... You know, Mr. Cage, he has to pay his paycheck, and I mean, he has to pay his bills, so he has pay to pay his paycheck. Pay his paycheck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like he is paying some of these producers to be in these films. <laughs> I mean, well, dude. I think he doesn't give a fuck, and that's what he I appreciate doesn't. about Nick Cage. You know, he's just going to do what he wants, and he doesn't really give any fuck if he fucking is in Mom and Dad, or is he in... Uh, U.S. Indianapolis men of that, courage. That's another film uh, uh, actor who, like, I don't get the hate for. I've always liked Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah, Honor he's is badass. Like, like Joe. Joe is an amazing fucking movie, and like he's so good in that movie, and nobody really talks about it. But uh, that has, of course, my Ty Sheridan in it, who I absolutely love. He's amazing in that movie. That's one of his earlier roles, but uh, he's really good in that movie too, which he is in everything. But Mom and Dad, we follow Carly and Josh. Carly's really hot, by the way. She wears this miniskirt the entire fucking movie. And they are raised by Nick Cage character Brent and Selma Blair's character Kendall. And, you know, they're a normal family. Nick Cage is, you know, the working dad. Selma Blair's the hot stay-at-home mom. They go to a private school and all that kind of stuff. But one day, something weird starts to happen where the parents are all showing up at school. And they have, you know, this blank look on their face. And they don't look right. So um, what ends up happening is that uh, one of the kids ends up leaving and he gets killed by his parents and as the film unwinds we learn that their parents are killing their sons and their daughters and they don't kill other kids children they only kill their own children so it's basically all these kids trying to survive and and coming up with ways to dodge getting killed by their parents a really interesting and awesome idea and there's a twist at the end of the film which i really thought was like really fucking good and it didn't really enter my mind until i was watching it i was like oh that's a really fucking clever and really good idea and nick cage is an absolutely fucking madman in this movie he is (laughs) absolutely insane like 
like he was giving 110% like fucking smashing shit and like doing insane facial expressions and just giving it everything he has and he's just the real highlight of this movie like it's just watching Nick Cage lose his fucking mind as he tries to kill these two kids it's just a really fun popcorn film you know you sit there with your friends it's like better watch out where it's a really just entertaining movie to watch and it, it, and it has a similar twist which is really interesting and i actually went like oh that's really good i didn't even think about that so um it's fun i think this is going to be a movie that i don't think people are going to be like oh there's going to be a top 10 material but it's a movie that i think like if you get a few friends and you turn it on you drink some beers like you're going to have a really 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 fun time with it and it, it, it really is a batshit crazy movie. So I gave it a seven and a half out of ten. It's really fun. You should check it out. I had a blast. And it's actually a pretty original idea. So it, it, give it a shot. Is this performance as good as uh, Vampire's Kiss? Because <clears throat> that's like literally the best Nicolas Cage performance of all time. It actually might even be the best performance in the history of cinema. Yeah. It is so. Is it? It's the most over the top performance no, I've you ever haven't seen, seen this movie no vamp- you've you raved about that before on this podcast it is you have to see it to believe it and i you know i don't use the term loosely you really do have to see it it's hard to explain well the jp dialogues- would like this movie because we see a lot of kids getting killed babies there's <laughs> a whole bunch of like i like that too man things. i'm a big fan of it's that shit. yeah that, that movie was screening at the uh, hollywood <clears throat> all month and i, I doubt we're gonna go see it but you know, it's on VOD. I'll check it out. I know, I know. That's why I don't think I'm going to go see it in the theater. Um, but yeah, uh, moving along here, we have. I got a couple of screeners from Full Moon, and uh, one of them just looked. At least really if it's cool. not the Puppet Master box set, it's not. Okay, um, that's good. We're in the 1993's Robot Wars, and uh, I was like, oh, this cover looks badass. You know, um, the movie is not badass. Let me just put the, get that out of the way right now. The cover is way better than the movie. <laughs> You mean uh, to tell me a movie named Robot Wars is not fucking awesome? Yeah. Dude. So in traditional full moon fashion, the, the, the poster is way better than the movie. <laughs> uh, directed by Albert Band, written by Charles Band. Uh, basically, it's set in 2041. Follows, uh, I guess, what is now what used to be North America. Uh, there was a toxic gas scare of 1993 that that uh, basically turned the the land into inhospitable desert, and there's they basically take these giant mech robots and they tour them so people will ride them and like tour like the area and then get attacked by like these band of n- non good people <laughs> and then the robots will fight them off and stuff. Uh, meanwhile, you have like the higher ups of the a lot. I guess it's called like the um, it was called like the American Alliance or not American. It was like East Eastern or Western Alliance or something like that. And uh, they are trying to build new mechs and sell them to uh, like these Asian people. <laughs> so it's kind of like I guess i guess it's kind of like a metaphor for nuclear weapons you know what i mean (laughs) so uh or you know weapons of terror or something like that i don't know and uh it's up to this girl named barbara crampton not in the movie but that's her actual character that's her actual name name in my life (laughs) uh she it's up to her to like stop what's going on here and the pilot of one of these things 
is a douchebag and completely insults her the whole time and she like falls in love with him it's like really weird dynamic like she has a crush on him but all he did was be like inappropriate and like <laughs> say stuff to her so it's like it's like it's super lame it's so cheesy too how they do that relationship um and then there's kind of a robot war at the end but completely lame like it's like an episode of power rangers like at the end where there's two giant things fighting like kaiju style or something but really not good (laughs) oh yeah well it's charlie band so yeah so uh this movie wasn't good i don't think it's terrible it's only 72 minutes it's watchable uh but it's it's not great i i came in at about a four out of ten on that one wow four out of ten I thought you were yeah. coming in lower than that. Interesting. Well, I want to watch it. It's Robot Wars. I'm joking. I don't want to watch that shit. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's it's watchable. It's all right. <laughs> it's early full moon. You know, ninety three. Yeah, I mean, it probably. Yeah, it has that very distinctive. Does it? Does it have that distinctive full moon score in it? You know, like those early films that always mm, seem to have. That I can't music remember. In it might. But I'll tell you this. It's. It's kind. It's like, it's just kind of uh, misses the mark a little bit. Like it's it's not overly entertaining like you would hope it would be. But is it in classic Full Moon uh, style? It's very cheap looking. <laughs> is it like seventy two minutes or something? Yeah, it is seventy two minutes. <laughs> is it really? Because I yeah, guess that earlier. <laughs> oh, I didn't fuck. Okay, sorry. I was looking at porn. Um, Dude's nose is full moon. No, you're too busy fucking farting your brains out. No, the, the majority of full moon films are so short. Like, you get pretty good. Yeah, because if you get quality like Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong, you want them to be short. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jesus, what a fucking turd that means. I, I had higher hopes for this one than it actually turned out to be. It Like, I expected it to be kind of lame, you know, full moon style lame, but it was a little lamer than I wanted. <laughs> okay so moving along here uh another patreon pick what a surprise uh this one's coming from our boy michael fisher who always recommends amazing films uh oddly enough this one is also coming from the year of 2006 this is just not choreographed at all uh and it's called the slaughter generically titled the slaughter i repeat myself that title man you know, it took me a little bit to fucking find it. Yeah, it unfortunately, like, it's not the good slaughtered from two years later, the Australian film. That, I thought that. Okay, well, we'll save that for a different time. But um, oh man, but yeah, the slaughter from 2006, directed by Jay Lee. That's what his name is, Jay Lee. It's pretty awesome stuff. So basically, what we have here, we have a couple. Uh, what are their names again? Um, I think Dana and Iggy or something like that. Yeah, they're a couple. Uh, no, Dana and Tyler, they own a cleaning company. So they head out to this uh, house where they have got a job. They've been hired on by this uh, real estate agent by the name of Carl, who's very, very obnoxious and uh, actually full-blown irritating in this film to clean this house because he wants to flip it. So, of course, Dana and her boyfriend, Tyler, they invite their you know her stepbrother and a couple other friends along to do the job because they've it apparently is going to be a big job. So, so they arrive at this house and one of the characters is downstairs. He kind of smells something crazy gross. He opens up this, you know, this floorboard and he ends up finding this, uh, this book made of flesh. 
<laughs> right? So um, he, of course, can translate the text in it. And as he's doing it, you know, he, he translated it and it says, you know, if you um, commit sins in this house, you will basically kind of conjure up this demon because the house is actually a porthole to this female demon who was summoned like a hundred years prior and stuff and, you know, didn't finish off her, um, her ceremony and things like that. So ultimately, by, by reading out this book, they kind of conjure up this demon because at the exact same time what's going on, there's actually a couple in a different room having sex, which commits the sin that allows the demon to come through the porthole. And now all these people are locked inside this house fighting for their lives. My thoughts on this one. Now, I think the coolest thing about the film is that it is an Evil Dead ripoff. If you guys didn't catch that, I mean, we're dealing with a book you know, made of skin and, you know, it's uh, demons and things like that. Uh, but I thought it was kind of cool how they threw into the storyline that this demon needed to finish off this ceremony dealing with the four elements, which are uh, earth, water, wind, and fire. And following that knowledge that you are given in this film, the kills actually um, correlate with earth, water, wind, and fire. So like someone gets burnt and someone gets drowned and shit like that. And I thought that was actually kind of cool. <laughs> And someone it, gets earthed and someone gets and actually that is probably the funniest fucking death in the film it is pretty it actually made me laugh out loud until it took to my surprise there was like mostly practical effects in this i was like damn that's actually pretty cool um but you know overall at the end of the day it's still like an evil dead ripoff it's kind of lackluster it's very very annoying to watch because every character in this film is super cliched and uber and hyper annoying like you fucking hate these characters so much that it's just like ugh, dude but the dialogue is you know sometimes you get past the shitty ass character but the dialogue is really shitty um you know you got your stoner dude that just says the most god-awful fucking retarded things every two minutes in the film can't wait for him to die and shit uh plays itself out exactly how you think it's going to play out um even though i generally kind of like these low budget films and stuff this one still came up a little bit short for myself i'm gonna come in about a four out of ten there's nothing new here besides i guess the the summon demon dealing with the four elements i thought that was actually kind of a cool um thing to throw into the storyline and stuff but and a couple of the kills were kind of cool but otherwise i found myself kind of yawning and checking the time multiple times in this one uh which is never a good thing yeah. Four, four out of ten. Never a good thing. No. I mean, read from the read from the title of the film, which is very generic, the slaughter to the ripped off Evil Dead storyline. Not a lot here, man. Not a lot here. But, you know, I will say I did have some fun. I did have some laughs. And it was worth it to see the one guy get fucking <laughs> sucked in the ground. It was the funniest shit I've ever seen, man. It was actually kind of funny. So, yeah. The slaughter. What do you got, Jeremy? All right, now this is going to be a fun one to try to explain after watching it two weeks ago because this is a very complex film. This is a Patreon pick from the year 1998. It's a film titled Dark City. Now, this is a movie i never seen, and this is a film that came out uh, pre-Matrix, and uh, you could definitely see some influences that Matrix took from this film and carried it over, but you could also see influences from two guys I was just talking about earlier, uh, Junette and Caro carry over to this film as well, because um, we see very similar production design in this movie that we see in City of Lost Children and Delicatessen. Very interesting when you watch all these movies and you start to piece together. Uh, some people may be uh, influenced by each other. So we follow John Murdoch played. Oh, by the way, before I start, this movie was plagued with 
uh, studio interference, a uh, whole bunch of shit was cut and things like that to make the film easier for mainstream audiences to understand and things like that. And I was given the task to watch the director's cut of the film, which runs about 10 minutes longer. So, so I'll get that out of the way, which you could tell why this movie was had huge studio interference. And this is a movie that would never, ever, ever get made today. Never you want to know happen. something really quick? Uh, you just reminded me of something. I've seen a video today. You get to know how like studio interference is usually a bad thing, right? Yeah. Well, I was thinking of like, would it what like when has it been a good thing? Like, I found out that American History X had major studio interference. Uh huh. But it's awesome. <laughs> so it's like they were right. Damn it. <laughs> it was yeah. probably due to the content, maybe in some of the scenes. I, I mean, you know, it's. I, 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 I'm curious though. Edward Norton got the final cut on that film, not the director. <laughs> that's good, man. I mean, that's why you get curb stomping scenes. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. It was fucking, I couldn't believe it. It was like a crazy story, but go ahead, continue, Jeremy. All right. So, Dark City, the movie was plagued with studio interference. The movie would never get made today. It's just way too confusing. It probably cost way too much money because back in the day, it was pretty much all practical. You know, the, the, the computer effects weren't there yet. You know, it's 98, so, you know, you have some cheesy shit going on, but pr- basically everything is practical. That movie must cost a shit ton of money, and I definitely didn't make anything of it back. But we follow John Murdoch. John Murdoch lives in this um, futuristic world when it's always dark. It's like a Truman Show type of a world. Uh, it's like a, a, a place where people are living, but they think... Um, everything's normal and things like that. This is every day of life, but there's never light. It's always dark, aka dark city. And John wakes up one day in this bathtub, and he's being convicted of a uh, of a murder. And he's trying to clear his name, but he doesn't remember anything about what actually happened in the past. And as the film goes on, we learn about this underground society that is able to adapt to people's memories. Very similar to City of Lost Children, where they're basically um, able to inject different memories from different people into different people to get the ultimate result that they want as what they think as is a perfect human. So, um, and that is done by Keith Sutherland's character, who's this doctor. And basically, he's the only one that this underground society trusts with ejecting the memories and putting them in other people and things like that. And we actually, the head of this underground society, who's all very bald looking, they're very similar to bringing up Bill and Ted, the the Grim Reaper and Bill and Ted's bogus journey, adventure, bogus adventure, right? Yeah. So they're very similar. They're painted, the head's painted white and they're bald. And the head is actually played by Richard O'Brien, who, if you guys are familiar with Rocky Horror Picture Show, He's in that film, and and the director has said that he's got an influence from the character from that role in that movie. So um, he's he's just a perfect character from for that kind of a role. So John tries to figure out what's going on and trying to clear his name, and he's trying to convince uh, this inspector that uh, something weird's going on. Why is there not any light? And at midnight, why do people not remember what happened the day before? And things like that. Jennifer Connelly's in it. She plays the love interest. She's a throwaway character. She's not really that important. She really doesn't contribute that much to the narrative besides the fact that they're trying to connect John's past to somebody and she's the person who fucking they're trying to connect the main 
gist of the movie is just why John can't remember and what this underground society has to do with stealing people's memories and things like that. Production design in this movie is just absolutely fucking amazing, amazing, amazing. It's so fucking good. You've got to check it out just for watching it. It's just, they just don't make movies like they used to. Like the 90s get shit on sometimes for having some really not good movies. But during the late 90s, we just saw some really, really fantastic futuristic set designs that we don't really see that much today. And it's kind of a shame. You know, they, they really probably poured a lot of money in this movie and it didn't make anything back. But this is a movie I've never seen. I've heard about it a little bit, but I haven't really haven't really heard about it that much. So I was appreciated that I got it chosen to review it for Patreon. I really enjoyed it. So I gave this one an 8.5 out of 10. Dark City from 1998. Check it out. Really original, really awesome film. So it's the guy that directed The Crow, right? Yep, yep. And <clears throat> I think he went on just to become nobody, which is unfortunate. But he did fucking iRobot, which you could see that. You know, you could see similar traits in that film that you could see in this movie. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely not as interesting uh, visually as as this movie so check out dark city i i i really really appreciate what this guy was trying to do with uh all his all his issues with the studio so check it out it's really good all right um that one actually sounded pretty interesting uh this one probably not as interesting uh came out in the year 1976 um part of the jess franco collection from full moon uh, this one is titled Barbed Wire Dolls. It's a, I guess, kind of Nazi exploitation women in prison style movie. And it follows this girl who is sent to prison after killing her father, uh, who I believe tried to rape her, if my memory serves correctly. Um, and basically, uh, it's it follows this warden and this... Uh, faux doctor who are running this women in prison uh this women's prison rather and they're doing all these like messed up torturous things to them like tying them to walls and putting food near them and tying them to electric beds and and sticking uh i guess like bamboo not bamboo but like some kind of swatch up their butts and (laughs) and uh yeah it's that type of stuff super sleazy uh of course, Jess Franco, I, I think you would assume that it's pretty sleazy. And one thing that's like crazy about this movie is like there is not any simulation in this movie. Like it is full blown like vaginas, fingers entering vaginas, like it's it's just mm in your face that's just uh, Franco lots of nudity <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I was like I was watching this in the middle of the day and I was like oh Jesus like I hope nobody walks in here you know what I mean it looks like I'm watching straight up porn at certain points um but <clears throat> basically like th- this warden will take she's a lesbian too so she'll take these girls and she'll you know finger them and you know eat, eat them out and stuff like that and uh there's like a twist like towards the end of the film that kind of puts this warden in, in into the involvement of this girl's father um completely ludicrous twist that doesn't make a ton of sense at all they just not line up like that uh but it's actually not too bad you know like the, you get to see like tons of nudity and well no dodge just franco some tortury stuff and you know it's uh the 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 warden reads like 
you know, Third Reich books and stuff like that, clearly Nazi influenced. And uh, that it, it is that, though. There's not much substance to it other than that. There's a lot of lesbianism going on. This girl kind of escapes, things <laughs> like that. Not not a ton of substance at all. It was it was entertaining though. Um, I came in at a f- five out of ten, which is probably a pretty generous rating, honestly. But um, it was something. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was entertaining. Well, yeah, man. If you're getting like real fingers in the real fingers in the real vagina, it's yeah. like freaking porn. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's explicit. Yeah, just Franco shit, man. <laughs> yeah, I was, it was a Blu-ray, so it was all in high quality and stuff. Actually, oh. the transfer wasn't too bad either. That's right, that's right. They started putting those Franco films out on the Blu-ray. Yeah, and they? I did find out they're not numbered. The The Blu-rays aren't numbered. Oh, so they're probably not going to release all of them then. That's probably yeah, why. Yeah, probably. Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm totally happy and content with the DVDs. Man. I don't need to upgrade to double dip on those. <laughs> no, that's not a. Well, maybe doing like a full moon sale when you get it for five dollars or something. This one might not be a bad one to have on Blu-ray. <clears throat> All right, so got another Patreon pick here. Uh, this one is coming from Rob Henkins, and this is a film from 1995 titled. Uh, the Day of the Beast. Uh, this is a film I've heard of before. I had never seen it before. So I didn't really know what to expect from this one. Um, it is a Spanish film. Co-production with Italy, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so basically, yeah, and I didn't really look into it at all. I just like went straight into it blind. And um, so this one right here follows a uh, Catholic priest by the name of Father Angel. And uh, he has just, like, deciphered or decrypted um, the uh, St. John uh, cryptic book of Revelations, where he figures out that um, uh, the Antichrist is going to be born on on Christmas Day. And now it being Christmas Eve, he doesn't really have a lot of time to react to this. You know, he's kind of astonished that he's been working on this code in the book of Revelations for fucking ever and now he's kind of astonished. So he travels a little bit to the city where it's supposed to be happening. But the thing is, he doesn't know where it's going to happen. He just knows that it's going to take place on Christmas Day, but he has no idea where it's going to happen. So he gets this bright idea that he needs to commit sin after sin after sin so he can get a face-to-face with the devil, <laughs> right? So he just starts committing sins. Like he starts stealing shit and he starts doing all this crazy shit. And that's what he thinks he's, it's going to happen, you know. Um, so as he's doing this, he enters this music store <laughs> where this guy, the Satanist, this metal Satanist, uh, works in the store. And, you know, he basically <laughs> he basically partners up with this guy because he's got knowledge of Satan. And he's like, well, I can use this guy, you know. And then they end up finding this other guy who had, he's like this kind of fake um, uh what do you want? To, he, he has this TV show on the occult and he's written a book on it and stuff, but he's like one of those fake personalities on TV that kind of sells a shit and stuff. Anyways, they team up with this guy also because he's got knowledge of the occult and stuff. So now these three guys are trying to solve where this antichrist is going to be born. And it's just their journey through this and stuff. So my thoughts on this film. So at first I didn't realize that it was going to be a, like a dark comedy horror. 
but like the comedy is not silly in this whatsoever. It's very, very done subtly. And actually, the opening scene is so funny because once the once Father Angel uh, tells his co- his colleague that you know he's you know encrypted this book of Revelation and he's figured out where the Antichrist is going to be born. The funniest scene happens ever, man. This guy's standing there and he starts to walk away and this huge cross inside this inside this church just fucking falls on him, like just crushes him. And I'm just fucking bursting out laughing. It's so funny. But right from there on, I was like, okay, so I, I know what we're getting myself myself into here. It's gonna be a little bit of a dark comedy. And it does. It actually keeps the laughs coming periodically through the film. Nothing gets really over the top silly and shit. It's actually at times a little bit serious and shit because you're dealing with the Antichrist. But I really like this story because there's a lot of movies about the birthing of the Antichrist and people trying to stop the end of the world. And that's essentially what this is at the core. But it's done very smart. And there's a lot of really cool scenes, a lot of interesting characters, a lot of funny lines in this. And it actually translated quite well because it's obviously in Spanish. You have to read this film. Um, but a lot of really good visuals and the production value to the film was way higher than I was expecting. I was expecting low budget, mid nineties bullshit, but this one actually had a really good budget. Cinematography was fantastic. The locations, some of the scenes that they shot in this, I was like shocked at it. I was like, wow, they had the budget for that shit. That's pretty crazy. Um, but, uh, it all comes full circle and you get this really funny ass third act when you actually get to see the devil and shit it just totally cracked me up it's pretty awesome but this was a fun ass ride i had no idea what to expect i highly recommend this i can't wait to see actually this is a film that i want to see come out on blu-ray because i actually looked up for copies of it and it is um very very obscure and hard to find like there's minimal copies for sale that go for hundreds of dollars it's ridiculous so this one needs this is a new film that's going on a blu-ray list so Top 10 Blu-rays or films come on Blu-ray. This one's going on my list, man. I absolutely love this one. I thought it was fantastically executed. Uh, just, it was it was a breath of fresh air. I was really surprised this one. Thank you for the recommendation on this one. I'm glad I got to finally see this film. 9 out of 10, The Day of the Beast. Check it out, peeps. It's really well done. Had a blast with it. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. There's, <laughs> I, I, okay, I have to say this one part, so... <laughs> fucking angel when he's in the record when he first comes in the record store because he's like looking through the records and he's like trying to commit sins and he's like well i can get some messages from uh, all this death metal music or this black you know heavy metal and shit and he's like looking through iron maiden he's like oh i'll take this one you know it's like <laughs> number of the beast and shit right and he hands the guy he's like yo check this one he's like can you put this on for me he's like yeah no problem and he's like, hey, play it backwards, play it backwards. So it's playing on off all those kind of stereotypes about where you can get the messages from music and shit like that. And, oh, fuck. It was, it was really brilliant, man. Check it out. Day of the Beast from cool. 1995. I think this might make my 90s series. Yes. It, hopefully we get another 90s year in the top 10. I'd be pretty happy about that. Yeah, that'd be fun, man. This was, this was a cool find. This was such a cool find. I've never heard anyone talk about this film. Probably because no one's seen it, to be honest. It seems like it's pretty obscure, yeah. but what a cool film. What a cool film. Jeremy. All right. My last Patreon pick for the month of January comes from Edgar Sanchez, the only person who I remember who gave me a movie from the year 1974, the Spanish film The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Now, this movie, or also known as Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, and I know it has some other titles, but... I watched The Living Dead in Manchester, more the Blue Underground release. So everybody was telling me I need to watch this movie. It's one of the best zombie films of the time. 
And everybody knows, I've talked about it many times before, I'm not a zombie fan. I don't really like zombie films. Really don't enjoy them. Don't like watching them. Just like anything that Do you has not like do... Day of the Dead? Yeah, yeah. It's not like I don't like... What about like... Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, all of Romero's Night of the Living Dead? Sure. <clears throat> Does that mean that do I you like, like the zombie? remake? Do you like the remake? Night of the Living yeah. Dead remake? Yeah. Mm, okay. I haven't seen it since do it came like out. you like Cemetery but... Man? Yeah. Huh, sounds like you like a lot of zombie movies, huh? <laughs> I was just going to say that. Uh, this would be the you next one like I would mention. Good- Do you like zo- Fauci Zombie? This is this is one I would it's mention okay. next. City of the Living Dead? I've already reviewed that on the show. You like it, It has right? its moments, yeah. Huh. Hmm. Sounds like you might like a few zombie films, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you like so as many as me. <laughs> I just don't enjoy watching them. It doesn't mean that they're not good movies. You don't enjoy watching any of those movies we mentioned? I mean, the Romero movies, yeah, but not so much City of the Living Dead or Zombie, no. Or Cemetery Man? Mm, he just has this like I would like go and turn it on. He has this unwarranted hatred for Italian cinema. I swear, it's like in his Get mind. Get the fuck out of here, he, man. He, I fucking he, like so many movies. <laughs> He's a f- Would you say you're a fake zombie fan? Listen to like the top ten. Uh, listen to our, our Rourke show from three weeks ago. And my favorite best old movie is an Italian film. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just saying you always say you're not you don't like zombie films, but you actually do because I'm not the biggest zombie fan either, but I like a lot of zombie films. All right. So we follow Christine and George. They are two hippie kind of characters. George is this you badass. You better not like this one because if so, you're fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm not fake. I'll tell you right now. I, I gave it a seven out of ten. So, so you uh, like it? Yeah, it's it's good. But it's not it's not like a five out of ten movie. Do you just not like Return of the Living Dead? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Dude's oh, getting Return razzed. Dead? Yeah, it's okay. What? Oh, what? Get the fuck out of here! It's so we follow best. George. George is a biker kind of hippie type of character who is driving along one day and he gets fucked up by this girl named Christine and he ultimately has to leave his bike on the side of the road at this gas station and he hijacks Christine's car pretty much and says, get out of my way, bitch, I'm taking your car. So they drive together and they ultimately are trying to get George to this meeting he's trying to get at and Christine is trying to go to her sister's house and along the way... um, they're trying to find their way to the sister's house because Christine doesn't remember, and they come across this farm where this government is doing these radioactive tests on this huge field with this huge uh, machine. And you don't think, I mean, us as the audience, you know, piece together that something's going on and something that's going to fucking bring zombies to life. But uh, George doesn't think about any, and they go on their way. But Christine, when George is talking to these farmers, is uh, attacked by this zombie. And, of course, nobody believes them. And all these murders start to happen, of course, by these zombies. And there's a police investigation. And nobody believes George and Christine that they're not actually the ones creating, happening these murders, that there's actually zombies. And the film all builds up to this insane scene at the end in this morgue, a.k.a. the title. And shit goes down in this morgue. And that's really the fun part of this movie. I mean, the buildup is fine. It is what it is. But it's the ending sequence at the morgue where all the fun stuff starts to happen, where we see all the nasty effects and and all the all the action of the film. Because up until this point, it's just all dialogue. So it's a really – it's an interesting movie. 
I'm not going to like go out and watch it again because, like I said, I don't like zombie movies, even though you fuckers think that I do. You and these do are the, like zombie these are the, movies. These are the smart zombies like that, like Nightmare City, where they're picking Oh, you up. like that? Another movie you liked. <laughs> <sighs> I don't like it enough to infest a million dollars into it. Nightmare like City is an infection. <laughs> oh, throwback argument. <laughs> if this dumbass movie wants to infest money in a movie that won't make any money. Well, you don't, you don't, you don't know that. I all all investors, all investors, fucking do that, man. They don't know, don't know. I, yeah, and that's how movies like this fucking hurricane bank heist movie that's coming out that I saw a trailer. Well, you can always use an example that failed, you know, recently, modernly. Are you talking yeah. about that Fifty Cent movie? Mm, is he in it? Oh, I like, don't know. I know. He's no, in no, it's not Dance of Thieves. It's just another uh, one. Because that looks kind of cool. It just looks absolutely horrendously <laughs> bad. But um. Uh, Wish Upon. There we go. That's a movie that failed recently. Uh, but I gave it a seven out of ten. Like I said, it is what it is. I think it's All a right. fucking. I think it's a fucking beautiful film, man. Really well shot. I, I think this is one of the zombie films that eh, I always hear is like one of the most underrated zombie flicks. Man, it's it's so well shot. I mean, there's a lot of subtext going on with. Uh, I know the the director based like the inspector off like you know the fascist regime that he regime that he grew up in and shit like that so there's a lot of like subtext going on in there and stuff i think it's a rather intelligent film you know dealing with the government and and all that type of stuff i mean these these are the type of the films that were the preludes to the ones that we saw later on you know at least at least this idea at the time in 1974 was really original Mm -hmm. 74 is such a strong year for horror every it's like every week we talk about a 74 74 is just it's amazing. It's so jam packed, full of great films. But yeah. I think this one, read from top to bottom, is awesome. It has a great score too. It has a really, mm-hmm. really good music in it and stuff too. But yeah, it's uh, honestly one of my favorite ones. I actually watched this. I rewatched this again a couple months ago, just for the fuck of it. And uh, I still love it, man. Really, really good stuff. Um, we're definitely if we ever do that artwork, we're definitely getting that guy to put an I Heart Zombie shirt on Jeremy's chest. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what one of the other alternate <laughs> titles is? You know what one of the other alternate titles for this film is? Don't open the windows. Don't open the windows. It's another don't movie. <laughs> Weird. So strange. All right. My turn. Uh, next up, Patreon pick. This one was by, I don't know. I'll let you know in a second. Uh, but it is titled Jacob's Ladder from the year 1990. This is a film that I've heard many things about for many years. Uh, this was Mark Lethem. And he, he picked this one for me. And again, like... I think this goes back to the argument where I think people are picking films that are really strong films that I just haven't got to yet because Jacob's Ladder is, is a really interesting movie. Uh, basic, I, this one might have stemmed from my watch of Death Dream that I reviewed. I, I feel like this guy was like, oh, if you like that, you'd probably like this um, because it's kind of similar in, in its um, social commentary, but basically follows a man who was in the Vietnam War uh, in like 1970-ish, and he gets released or so. We see him attacked and and stabbed in in that war, and then it flashes forward a few years, and and he's riding a subway in about three or four, maybe five years later after the events of of the Vietnam War and, and his involvement. Uh, and basically, he begins. He he's like living in this rundown apartment. We find out that his son, played by Macaulay Culkin, was killed in a crash, uh, or you know, hit hit on his bike or something. That like guy that. has bad luck. His parents get fucking kidnapped in the middle of the fucking ocean, and Richie Rich, man, his parents are always getting fucking <laughs> fucked up. Uh, who Macaulay Culkin? Yeah. No, it's so, he. Macaulay Culkin's the one that dies. I oh I know. Okay. 
Yeah. So uh, our lead character, Gabe, is um, or no, Gabe is Macaulay Culkin. Damn. Sorry, guys. Uh, and Jacob, obviously, title character, is the one who's dealing with the death of his son, who I believe died before the war. Um, so he gets, you know, he's dealing with that. And basically, he begins to have like hallucinations. He's seeing like weird things. He's getting uh, ran over by cars, and he he, he sees like this um, creature sex with his girlfriend. Um, he's seeing all this stuff, and then he uh, is getting flashbacks to Vietnam as well. Uh, he eventually um, contacts one of his squad mates, who is also suffering from hallucinations. Uh, and then he is killed in a car explosion and he basically reaches out to all of his old platoon mates and finds out that they're all having these sort of hallucinations. And he believes that the military has something to do with this. Uh, so the moment they start hiring lawyers and stuff, then he finds out that, um, the military said that him and his squad mates were never even in the military and they uh, didn't pass the psycho evaluation to even join the military. So it, it becomes really tricky. Uh, and then I'll kind of leave it at that, but more reveals happen uh, later on. But what this film is, is a complete commentary on um, the different experiments that happen in war as well as post-traumatic stress disorder. Super fantastic. Uh, just just a downbeat and like sort of depressing film. Super well acted. The title character, super well casted. Just, just, a, just an amazing movie. And the ending is very satisfying and uh, definitely leads you to understand like that war is hell. You know what I mean? And... Um, I really love this movie. It, it was it was very good. I, I actually let me be f take that back. I didn't love it at first, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized. Uh, I, I re read up on it a little bit. The more I was like that, that was a fantastic movie. Uh, much in the vein of you know Death Dream with its social commentary and war is such an interesting topic and the um, you know repercussions of these these wars that that humans have to go through is is so so amazing and I, like i just respect you know soldiers and uh veterans so much in in real life like it's just i've always been so amazed at, at these people and and what they have gone through it's just always it's always something that i take very seriously and um this movie was really good i i gave it 8.5 initially but i bumped it up to a nine have you guys seen jacob's ladder no nope. man good shit been years it's a psychological mindfuck is from what i remember from it yeah very much so <laughs> yeah there's a lot of uh, psychological aspects to this film which mirrors completely um the actual psychological aspects of veterans especially in the vietnam war yeah yeah so really really interesting movie yeah i th I, I watched that movie when i was really young probably like 11 or 12 and had no idea what i'd watched I remember being so confused by it that yeah. <laughs> I was just like, fuck, I, I don't think I touched it forever. I was like, I don't get that movie, man. <laughs> you know, not a good one for a young mm. kid to watch, man, at all. No, definitely not. No, it's kind of a mind fucker. But, um, but yeah, moving along here, uh, a non-Patreon pick. No, this is Whoa. actually something I watched. No, I, I yeah, the, got the five out of the way here. Uh, 
Yeah, this one right here actually came recommended from Tom, aka the Horrors Ball. I was watching his Horny Awards, and oh yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about. And this movie here um, is one I knew about. I just oh, I just did not watch it last year. I actually had the opportunity to watch it, but I didn't. I just thought it looked shitty. <laughs> it was it was one of those cover judging moments. I looked at the cover and said, "Nah, I don't know." But that's what happens sometimes. Uh, from 2017, it is a film called Replace. Starring uh, Rebecca Forsyth, who is the daughter of William Forsyth. And I will say, like I said in my post. Black with he's a cool dude. Man, Rebecca Forsyth looks identical to her father, but in a good way. She's like a good-looking, beautiful version of him. Uh, it was creepy. I didn't even realize when I clicked on it. I was like, man, that girl looks so familiar. I looked down in the credits. I'm like, Rebecca Forsyth. Hmm, that makes a lot of fucking sense. So right there had me intrigued. I was like, I'd never really seen her in anything before. So I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then a you know brief synopsis on this one uh, basically follows her character. Uh, she kind of wakes up one day and she realizes that her skin is just starting to like get really dry and flake, and it's actually like coming off her body. And so she's like, "Well, what the fuck, right?" So she goes to the doctor and to get her skin checked out. And so they start running some tests on her, and of course they can't exactly figure out what's going on with her. So they got to run some more tests, and this is going on and on and on with her. And meanwhile, of course, the uh, the skin virus or disease that she has is spreading on her body, where she late um, a certain event happens where. She figures out that if she replaces her skin with someone else's, it actually generates really fast. Like, it literally heals her body, uh, you know, beyond medical means kind of thing. Um, so she goes back to the doctor, and the doctor's like, wow, you know, what did you do kind of thing? Um, you know, it's kind of clearing up and shit like that. So this kind of goes on and on and stuff, and um, I'll just stop the synopsis right there. Um, my thoughts on this one? Now, when this film first starts, you know, it's got a very simple premise you know it's about a girl whose skin is falling off her body sounds like contracted she starts to kind of kill people because you know she needs their skin to you know because the doctors aren't doing her any favors it's you know they're not figuring it out fast enough for her so she's got to take matters into her own mind or into so her own like hands. uh let her go or whatever that movie that came out what's the name no of the this movie? one's a lot better this one's a lot better yeah. so basically so what we get is this kind of straightforward story for like the first two-thirds of the film and then it just and the whole time you're watching this film, you're going, okay, it's never been disclosed why or how she contracted this skin disease. So it's always in the back of your mind. You're going, I hope that they explain this. And I hope it's just not one of these films where, you know, she has this disease and she's killing people. And then it just kind of ends, you know, something bad happens to her. And then, you know, you know, someone has to fight against her. It kind of goes in a very, very interesting way. There's a cool twist about two thirds of the way through the film. And it starts to explain what is going on with her? And I was just like, powed. I was like, that is fucking awesome. Very, very well thought out script. I thought it was really cool. Um, the acting in the film was fantastic. Really, really good acting. Um, it's shot beautifully. It has this really kind of dark, warm feel to the film. It's kind of, it's very, it's very hip too. You know, like she's this character and she like listens to vinyl and she's got these, you know, and she's actually kind of a lesbian in the film too. She's got a, uh, the neighbor across the way, she's kind of having this uh, lesbian relationship with her. So they've got that kind of going on and stuff. And there's like all these different elements to her character and things that are going on. But when this twist happens, this reveal of what's going on with her is just very, very cool. I thought it was very thought out, very awesome. 
amazing synth soundtrack. It kind of has this kind of throwback 80s synth soundtrack to it. And it kind of goes batshit crazy in the third act, in the third act which I thought was really cool too. But um, it's one of these films you just you need to go in and see. Don't want to hear any more words about it. You don't want to hear me talk about it anymore because I just don't want to ruin anything. But uh, it's fantastic. I thought it was really, really well done. Um, I'm going to come in at a 9 out of 10 on this one. It's such a shame that I missed this last year because I really want to watch it again now. Thought it was fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, this this happens every fucking year. You know, we do the top 10 show. You think that you've, you know, watched enough films, done enough prep for the top 10 show. And then all of a sudden you watch one after you do the top 10 show. And that motherfucker may have made it, yeah. may or may have not have made your <laughs> list. But I think this one was really good, man. I just, all the specs and it was awesome. And the, the whole idea behind what was going on. I thought it was really cool too, man. It just kind of shocked me and, you know, make things even more better. The doctor's actually played by Barbara Crampton in this film. So that's really cool too. You get to see her who's like the ageless doctor or, um, you know, Barbara Crampton. She never seems to age that much. So that's pretty fucking awesome. She does a great job in the film. So, um, awesome stuff, that, man. Th- that's funny. You mentioned that because I was watching a live stream with Duncan from podcast under the stairs and somebody asked him the question, when you put your list together for the end of the year, um how soon are you happy are you like content with your list throughout or are you unhappy afterwards and he said i'm usually happy until about 15 minutes afterwards then i'm like damn it i should have did this and i and i yeah, really too that so much <laughs> well, especially yeah, me know you <laughs> but um yeah i relate to that so much because i always question i'm like oh, i should have i should have moved this one and that one or like i'll see another film i'm like oh that would have made my list but it's, it's kind of funny these lists these lists exist for 15 minutes in the, in their uh perfect state and then it's you question it afterwards or at least i do you really do man and like i i swear every single year that we've done a list this has happened to me where i've watched yeah. the film and i went fuck man remember i don't know what year it was 12 13 with starry eyes i hadn't seen it and then i watched it and i was like motherfucker that shit would have made my list yeah. in a second man i still i rewatched starry wise even recently you guys probably saw it on my letterbox but i rewatched it again because i just had a craving to watch it that movie's awesome that's a great movie man i love that shit so Jeremy. All right. From the year 1976. 76? It is a film titled The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane, starring Miss Jodie Foster. Now, Moods reviewed this movie a little while back. A little while, like three or four years back. And it's always been one I've been wanting to check out. And on Black Friday, got a good deal on it. So I finally picked it up. And I was going to give it a watch. So I figured since we're doing 76 films in a six weeks or so, I figured I'd watch it. It's a very strange, bizarre film. It, it, it has horror elements into it, but it's mainly a, a thriller mystery type of a movie. But we follow Jodie Foster's character, who is named Rin. And Rin lives with her father, who's a poet, in this small town. And nobody's seen Rin's father at all. You know, he nobody knows who he is. He never leaves his room. And whenever anybody comes to visit to see Jodie Foster's father, she always says, oh, he's not he's not seeing anybody right now. He's working. And Martin Sheen comes by one day and he plays a character named Frank. And Frank is a little bit of a perv. Not a little bit. He's a perv. He plays a really creepy fucking character. 
uh, in most in a lot of films that I've seen him in, he he's, he just has a weird, creepy look to him. And he comes on to Jodie's Foster character. She basically says, fuck you, get the hell out of here. And you can tell that Jodie Foster, you know, she's a little bit twisted and she's probably killed some people in her past. And as the film goes on, she ultimately murders this this lady named Miss Hallett. And it's basically just uh, Rin and her love interest, Mario, trying to cover up this murder and making sure nobody finds out. And Martin Sheen's character, of course, along the way, figures something's not right. And the movie goes from there. Um, there's this scene with Jodie Foster where we see her titties. It's not her, it's her sister. It's highly read. It's highly documented that Jodie Foster uh, didn't want to do the scene. And uh, the director wanted to see more skin than what Jodie Foster was willing to show. So the, she was only 14 at the time. <clears throat> so they decided to get her sister to stand in for her. And it's it's you don't really see – I mean, you see her tits, but you don't really see that much of it. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how old – Jodie's foster sister was when she well, shot. Well, she better have been over eighteen. I don't know, man. If they wanted Jodie Foster to do it, I they, don't what? Know. I'm moods. Stand up for me on this one. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I was just reading. Yeah, reading I, about it after I watched it because, like, that's a very uncomfortable scene. Um, because illegal. Well, but you know, it was a di- it was different time. Still yeah. illegal back then too. 70, <laughs> Seventy. I mean, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a very, it's a very atmospheric type of a movie, uh, character driven. Not a high body count or anything like that. This is a good uh, mystery character driven piece. Jodie Foster does okay. She's gone on to say record many times that this is probably her least favorite movie that she's ever done. No, it's it is what it is, but I think I think it's a really interesting uh, film for its time. So I gave it an eight out of ten, like I usually do. So check it out; it's pretty good. I enjoyed it, <laughs> like I usually do. Yeah, it's good, man. I like it, man. It's good, man. Huh. Yeah, that's uh, so. You actually are doing nineteen seventy six. Trying. I watch Blood Sucking Freaks. Try to watch Alice, Sweet Alice, but did you really now watch- that I know it's on front? What? Ah, Bloodstocking Freaks, man. Oh, that movie's crazy. That movie's fucking yeah. so crazy. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad to see that you're actually with us this time. So, um, I, th- I think Brandon has started too. I don't know about the other. But guys. You're a piece of shit, JP. Why? I've been with you since I've been back, you mofo. You know what? Uh, yeah, but remember 1968. <laughs> yeah, that was before. That was J- JF1 era, not JF2 era. This is JF version two. Yeah. You know what? I actually uh, during the break here. Um, I actually sent Brandon the 1976 list I had. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. gave him one too. I get, yeah. I have about 70 I think, on mine. I think, he, yeah, I think mine had, I don't know, hundreds, something like that, whatever. But I think he's <laughs> just trying to, I think he's just compelling the list yeah. or compiling the, compiling. I made compiling. mine on Letterboxd. Oh, did you? Nice. Yeah. Cause it has the picture too. So that's cool. And synopsis. But anyway, um, let's continue along here. Uh, another Patreon pick for me. I have one more Patreon after this. Uh, we have Atrocious, a.k.a. Atroz. This is, I believe, is it Mexican or is yes. it Spanish? Spanish? No, I believe right. it's actually from Mexico. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, let me do a little fact checking on that. It is from Mexico, I believe. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so this is actually a Mexican horror film, straight up. Um, and damn good one too. Okay. Um, basically, 
this one is like a found footage joint and it follows a woman who is struck by a car and the two drivers are obtained by police uh the police officer goes into the car and picks up a camera and begins to watch it and then we see uh these two assailants uh in a previous time period um capture a i guess a transsexual prostitute and torture and and kill her uh we then get more police narrative and them finding more tapes which leads to a string of even you know more messed up um situations caught on camera uh so this movie for one it reminded me of the film august underground by fred vogel the very first one um i i would be very surprised if the filmmaker had not seen that film um well at least yeah, this have one, you seen at least, that at least this movie has a story though i mean, I mean yeah august underground was meant not to have one Right, but there is a story in August Underground, though it's it's basically two, you know, serial killers well, capturing and torturing people. Well, that I mean, there's no actual written story. I mean, that's it's basically the day in a life. It's just them documenting what they're doing. There's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess Which, if you could it, call that the, a story, but the point was was Vogel's intention was just to kind of just put the shit on, just make it as they were just filming shit and then just filming more shit. It was in yeah, the, which this, in yeah. my opinion, when I when I seen that years ago, yeah. I've never seen the sequels, but I, when I seen that years ago, I thought it was very effective at that at what you just said. Oh, for sure, um, yeah. Th- this movie, uh, I I feel like that like there's one scene where they tire in a chair, this like basement, which reminded me heavily of that scene uh, in Fred Vogel's film where they like, you know, cut off her nipple and, and rub feces on it and stuff like oh. the same things happening in this movie. I want to say similar. I want to say like, I want, I, I reviewed this. I did a video review for this movie and I'm pretty sure I even compared it to, and even said maybe the director might've been influenced by August underground on this one. Yeah. I'm it's that sure. scene reminds me heavily of August underground, especially that uh, scene. I know exactly. What yeah. You're talking about, yeah. And uh, so one thing that I absolutely could not stand about this movie is it just felt so bad with its acting. None of these people felt like they were able to commit this realistically. Nobody acted as if they were um, true to what a person doing this would act like. It just it just just seemed so fake to me the whole time. Man, you have a lot of problem with that shit with found footage. You say that all the time. Well, found footage is one of those genres where it's played so realistically because it's it's supposed to be regular people filming their situations that if you don't have a down-to-earth type of acting, then it just comes off extra yeah, phony. Found footage is supposed to be set in like the real world where you know there's no acting involved. It's supposed to be natural acting. Yeah, and, and- that, like... <laughs> yeah exactly right. so when it does when it comes off as when it's not natural i understand them and it's a big deal in in found footage films where if it feels phony it kind of ruins the whole thing i understand that completely because it's yeah, supposed it, to be real and natural like yeah. you know in real life like if someone said <laughs> i mean the way you are in real life is just naturally how you are and that's supposed yeah, to be like you how you are in these when films. you talk and your your yes. english isn't perfectly and whenever you have 
you know, a regular movie where every line is crisp and clean, yeah. it's normal because that's a regular movie and it's supposed to be like that. Yes. But when you have found footage, you're supposed to take that away and have people speak naturally. And whenever they fuck that up, it instantly hurts the movie when it's found footage. Found footage is people say that it's cheap and easy to make. It takes a lot of choreographing and and a lot of very specific types of filmmaking to make an effective found footage film. And this one I feel is just a mess when it comes to that stuff. Also like just the storyline, just it, it. Okay. For example, the characters are so vile that it just comes off fake as fuck. Like the guy literally like picks up like the girl, like, um, you know defecates herself and he picks at first he's thrown up and disgusted by it then he picks it up and smears it all over his face there's no consistency there that makes no sense at all and it and it makes even less sense that this person would even do that it just it just seems just too cuz like cuz you see these characters later they don't seem that fucked up in the head you know they just like if they played it more like that these people are just just you know killers and not like mentally disturbed like because it 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 contradicts what we see with them like yeah it makes sense when you see the background that they would lash out and and be this way when you see what happens to them when they were younger but at the same time you're talking about two levels of depravity here you're talking about this this ridiculous like fantasy level and then a, a level of somebody who's just emotionally and mentally scarred it's just like a mixture that does not work to me and i found that that i f- this movie was so frustrating to watch because it's like shocking for shocking's sake at one point and then it's like okay uh, we're trying to be um socially conscious with with what you know we're dealing with here there's there's a little bit of subtext involving like hatred towards gays and and transgender and trans transgender and stuff like that which i like but it's it's almost like i don't know man it, it this movie is messy as fuck when it comes down to it i had major problems with this one i still think it was all right but I, i'm coming in at like a uh six out of ten on this one it, it it was it was sloppy as hell to me honestly and i wish it wasn't because it is mexican I can't remember what I rated. I I'd actually have to watch it again, man. <laughs> it's been a while. So it was a couple years ago I reviewed it, but but yeah. I mean, I do get that though. I mean, if you're not buying into the acting in a in a found footage film, and it, the overall product is definitely damaged, it's hurt, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not be it. It doesn't come across as being authentic. And the point of a found footage film is supposed to feel authentic. And if it loses that on authenticity, then what do you have? you have a bad movie. Yeah. So yeah, this one was frustrating, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. So moving along here, I guess, man, we are reviewing a lot of movies here. I guess I'll pull this one out the vault. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. This one right here from night back to the nineties. When was the last time I reviewed two films from the nineties on the same show? Probably we reviewed a few today. Probably never. Yeah, I think everybody had a couple from. I, I had two from the nineties. No, no, no. I meant myself. Yeah, I know. We've reviewed yeah. a lot of films from the nineties. This is really bizarre today. Uh, fucking Andrew would be <laughs> jerking off all over this one. Yeah. Uh, Nineteen ninety-two uh, film called Dance Macabre. This is a film that's uh, starring the <laughs> one and only Robert England, aka Freddy Krueger. Uh, 
Yeah, man, this one recently got released by Screen Factory, and it was a first-time watch for me. I'd never seen this movie before. I don't ever remember seeing it on the shelf in the VHS days or nothing. I just, Or maybe I did bypass it. I don't know. Maybe my subconscious was telling me to do the right thing. <laughs> so then all these years later, i got to spend the 20 bucks or whatever the fuck it was on this one. Uh, so basically what we have here, and you know, I understand why, you know, Robert England did a film like this because it was, it was, you know, 1992 and I think he was really trying to get away from the whole Freddy image and wanted to break out and do something a little more, you know, 180 ish. And that's kind of what you get here. So he plays a, uh, an American dance instructor who's brought his uh, whole dancing crew, like ballet crew, um, over to Russia to do some extensive training and things like that. Uh, the backstory is with him, you know, he was in a, a motorcycle accident with his Russian lover who is also in the film um, as, you know, she's also the choreographer and, and instructor also in this one. Um, so that's kind of the backstory with this one. So, you know, we have a bunch of characters that are at this school. Some of them really want to be there. Others don't want to be there. One thing leads to another and people start winding up dead. That's pretty much the setup to the film. So, my thoughts on this movie. So, I don't know what in the fuck the director was going for in this movie. (laughs) But it's so inexplicably fucking retarded. This, I I don't, I cannot wrap my head around (laughs) how fucking stupid this fucking movie is. This is, this is ridiculous, man. Okay, so, the premise behind this is that, you know... Robert Robert England's character, the dance instructor, is having kind of an eye for you know this one girl and one of his students. She reminds him of of his lover, you know, <laughs> right? So the, and, and now his lover is actually confined to a um, you know a wheelchair, and she's all fucked up and shit like that because of the motorcycle accident that they were in. So, but right there, you're like, okay, so you're looking at this character, and you're looking at you know his lover that's now in this wheelchair. And they look nothing alike. So right there, I'm like, okay, so he's infatuated with this because she reminds me of, you know, this. it makes absolutely no sense. Now, the thing that compels me the most about this movie is I don't know if the director was trying to convince the audience that Robert England wasn't playing both roles in this film. Because it's sure as hell right from the start, you know for a fact that he is obviously the dance instructor and he's obviously playing his lover who's in the wheelchair with really, really bad makeup and aesthetics on. It's fucking terribly executed. It's to the point where it's laughable. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Even to go as far as she has a, she's lost her voice. So she has like one of those, uh, what do you call those things where you put on your throat? And you talk a noose, <laughs> a noose. Yeah, essentially, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if this was supposed to be a mystery. What was going on here? Um, but it's, it's very evident from the way this film is edited together. You know, you learn right away, like twenty minutes in the film, that this is obviously the same person. Spoiler alert: nobody's gonna watch this fucking movie anyways, because every scene in this film that Robert England's character's in is he's not in the same scene as his lover. Right, it's just so fucking blatantly obvious. It's ridiculous. Now, to the acting in the film, everybody sucks. Even Robert England, you know, he for the most part he's decent in this, but he's still not that strong. All the supporting characters are so bad. It's written so poorly. The dialogue is just 
it's cringeworthy. You know, the bounce, you know, the one, the one, you know, just the dialogue back and forth is so damn cringeworthy and stuff. And I understand that they use some Russian actors and stuff and they got, you know, their accents and it's probably not coming off as the strong, strongest acting too, but it's also the dialogue that really doesn't help. It comes across as being super cheesy. There's a lot of scenes that are kind of thrown into this film just for the sake of setting up the kills that make no fucking sense to the movie whatsoever. Like you're following one character all of a sudden it jumps into this next scene and this girl's looking for this other girl and then she's getting murdered and you're like, what the fuck? Seriously, <laughs> how does this correlate with the fucking film? It's ridiculous. Every speck in this movie sucks. The music is atrocious. Actually, the music sounds like it was done by an in-house full moon producer that might be slightly retarded. I'm not Jesus, joking. The music man. fucking sucks. It's really, really poor. The only good musical sequence in this film is this random scene where our main character, the one that Robert England's in love with, is randomly doing this strip dance all by herself for the sake of being sexy and shit. Like, there's no need for it. She's in a ballet school and then she's dancing like a fucking stripper for wh- who knows why. She's just having some fun. I don't know. It just comes out of left field in the film. Um, yeah, man, I, I just, I cannot say enough bad things about this one. There's nothing redeemable about this movie. It's just a piece of trash all the way around. I mean, the, the, the reason why the killings are happening in this film is so ludicrous and so mind-bendingly fucking retarded that it blows my mind that shit like this gets made. And even guys like Robert Engel, why the fuck would you even take this, take this role? It makes (laughs) no sense to me because... I mean, obviously it was a paycheck, but this shit, he couldn't have read it and went, wow, man, that, that's pretty compelling. You know, I can pull this shit off, man, you know, dance instructor, that, that's getting far away from Freddy. Fuck that shit. This movie sucks, but I'm going to give it a three and a half just for the simple fact that there was a couple laughs in this one. Um, definitely unintentional, but it's a poor, poor attempt at making like a Suspiria type slasher. Oh, fuck fuck it's bad dance macabre stay far away from it oh and i will comment on the blu-ray also the transfer is not very good on it and it actually i think has a little bit of encoding issues on it too or something i don't know if it's i don't know if it's the film stock that they used or if it is actually the transfer but it is a little bit choppy at times and it just it didn't seem right to me there was something off about it maybe that's why it was so cheap i don't know maybe because it's a shitty film too but Lo and behold, I'm I'm tired of looking at Dance Macabre. I got to change this page, so you can fuck off. And Jeremy, your turn. All right, last up. We all know my track record to 2017 films, so I'm going to attempt to talk about the one everybody talks about the most. And that, of course, is Brimstone. So I finally sat down and watched Moods and Mr. Dave's number one pick of last year. I'm not going to talk about the fucking story because everybody already knows what the story is. But I will comment on this aspect of the narrative. Now, this is a film that um, the falling action is the opening um, aspect of the film. This film, of course, is broken up into four uh, chapters, all part of the Bible. Don't quote it on me because I'm a fucking Jew and I don't know the story of Bibles. But I would assume that's what they're fucking based off of. And if you guys... No. Where are you going with this? Talking about the fucking act, the fucking film structure where we have the climax and falling action as the last two parts of the film. Then we have the inciting incident and the rising action as 
the first two parts of the film. Now, this film starts... It sounds like you're reading your film notes from school right now. He's, like, got his film uh-huh. text open. He's like, okay, what's that term? Oh, what's yeah. Insight, uh-huh. yeah. Insight Rising Action. Yep. And I'm, actually oh, looking, yeah. I'm looking at my film book, too. My- <laughs> yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Because the problem with these movies are that it's hard to put a movie together where we have the middle of the movie and the beginning of it and the fucking beginning of it towards the end of it. And this is what the yeah. movie does. But if you do it right, you end up having a really interesting film. And I think that this movie actually does do it quite well. And I had to comment, of course, on fucking Guy Pierce, who fucking just absolutely destroys in this movie. He is such a fucking creeper times 10. He is a creepy motherfucker. He is a demented character. One of the more demented characters I've seen probably since the girl next door with uh, the fucking aunt and and he just plays it off so straight. Like this is the kind of movie I think as if you're an actor, you have to go into it and really just go there and go full the entire time. Because I feel like if you don't fully dedicate yourself to a character, like the preacher, you know, the reverend in this sense, then I fully believe like the, the character would fall right on its face. And he goes there, and I think that's why so many people connect with this movie. Is you know, Dakota Fanning's all right. You know what you're going to get with her because she's, she, you know, she is what she is. But a, a Guy Pierce really steals this film. Um, so I, I had to give Guy Pierce credit in that sense. I wish more people. Why don't the Oscars talk about Guy Pierce? I was just waiting for that comment from folks, but. Um, it's just a horror movie. That's another thing that I've heard people try to discuss throughout these uh, last few weeks when it comes to top ten lists because some people see it as a horror film and some people see it as you know a drama. Um, I think just based on Guy Pierce, Bloody Disgusting actually wrote a pretty good article about this same idea with um, just because horror doesn't scare you doesn't not make it horror. And I think like this film, and of course it comes at night. Yeah, you know that article came out shortly after Exploding Heads announced that they were doing an episode talking about is something horror or not? Oh yeah. Sounds like they're ripping them <clears throat> off too. Huh? Oh, they rip <laughs> us off all the time, so that's not a shocker. But um, I think just based on Guy Pierce's actions towards Dakota Fanning's character and um, ultimately his family, her family is is easily puts it in horror he does some demented twisted things uh when his wife hangs herself he has no fucking emotion just a fucking stare on his face of disgust and it's so goddamn good and it it, 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 the movie has um some just your typical western tropes but they're dissected in a darker and deeper way that a lot of um i feel westerns don't achieve but I, I, I really liked Brimstone. I gave it a 9. I don't feel like I'm as high as on it as Moods or Dave or some other people, Sam Edwards, but I still had it. It's still a really, really fantastic film, so I really did enjoy it. Well, that's good. At least you enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I gave it a 9 as well. It's fucking dark as shit, too. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Alright, um, <clears throat> my uh, last flick here is a Patreon pick, I believe by Mikey. Uh, this is a... Who the hell directed this? Uh, what the hell's his name? Olaf Ittenbach. We covered him on the... Found, or, uh, what is that? Uh, shot on video episode. Yep. 
and this is a film that I mentioned that I'd seen before from him and I didn't like it uh, and um, Mikey said oh check it out again because you might actually appreciate it now and I was like okay I'll check this bitch out and um, I still haven't I seen this it. fucking one man you know this this DVD is actually quite hard to get you're lucky you got it for free <laughs> yeah I guess huh it's hard to find man fuck yeah um, so, okay, I, I did like it more this time. Uh, it's a movie that follows a woman whose family was brutally murdered when she was a child, and she grows up and is um, being haunted by uh, the ghosts um, of her fa- her family's ghosts, uh, and to um, she basically has to solve this so that her family can, their souls can rest in peace, stuff like that. Um, it, it's kind of a weird movie. For one, it's like the opening is really strong. Actually, I, I totally forgot that the opening was so strong because it fall. It, it's like has that inbought gore in it. You know what I mean? But it's this movie is played like a American ghost story. Like it plays out. It, it's like the the whole like setup and like the everything just feels like americanized like a, like a regular american film um but it has like that and bought gore at the beginning and other than that though like it's actually surprise it's like not like it's it's played as if it has a high budget which is interesting it's it looks like a i guess like it like aesthetically like the camera the lighting, the coloring, um, the color correction, stuff like that is super low budget looking, but everything else in the movie, it, it's shot as if it's a regular, like, like stuff like, I, I think of like stuff like the ring and the grudge, like the American versions and stuff. It's nowhere near the quality of those, but it's just like the story wise, it just reminds you of something like that. Um, I don't know. It, it was. I didn't. Lo- I didn't love it. Honestly, like it's boring. It's a little boring. Uh, it it drags and there's like a super long scene that's supposed to be played out and like be like suspenseful. But I feel like you know maybe the acting and like some of the lighting and just like the low budget quality of it. It just it it kind of loses you in its dialogue a little bit. It doesn't feel as like it's supposed to be a suspenseful scene, but it it really isn't. Um, I'm I'm having a little bit of a hard time remembering it because I I did watch this one so long ago, like three weeks ago. Uh, but I remember thinking that it was it was decent. It's way different than the other film, the uh, Burning Moon that we watched. Way different, completely. This is like a this is like a regular movie compared to that, you know, with with some added gore. Um, I, for some reason, I remember having a major problem with the plot with something that happens in the movie that it just is like oh well why wouldn't they just do this or or something like that um maybe it's a reveal or something like that i can't remember what it is because this movie honestly is kind of forgettable um but it is it isn't a terrible watch at all it just isn't overly good in my opinion it's better than what you would expect in terms of like I guess just the quality of is it's not like shot on video quality like you would expect, you know what I mean? But it is still very very low budget feeling, um, and it has that it like reeks of like that early two thousands indie, which was just like 
just not it, like you just didn't have the quality of cameras and everything and and editing and lighting and sound effects and stuff like that that you have now for indie films so it, it kind of reeks of that late 90s early 2000s super low budget stuff but not quite shot on video level so uh, i came in at a 5.5 out of 10 on this one and according to mikey it's an 8.5 i looked at his letterbox <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last up for me tonight is the brand new film directed by Mickey Keaton called Psychopaths. Jeremy uh, hated on this one hard. Yeah, he did, man. I, he's actually the only one I've even heard that didn't like the film so far. But uh, but yeah, man, he's been. Maybe kind I have of, to rewatch it. Maybe I was in a bad mood. Yeah, you could. I just didn't like it. Um, but he's been on kind of a roll for me, man. I I really liked uh, Carnage Park that he did. You know, last or last year was it? Um, Darling also uh, pod was pretty cool. I didn't really care for Ritual, one of his first ones, but but recently, man, he's made some pretty interesting films. And this one right here is kind of a combination of, you know, it's got a lot of. Um, it looks nice. It's we could soft. we could have interviewed him by the way. They want they will they were sending out screeners for this film. Oh really? Before sure. the end of the year, and asked us if they actually asked us if we wanted to interview him. Oh, I that, totally. We we were just our schedule is maxed. You know what I mean? This that, was like. Uh, like actually, December-ish. Actually, this would have been a cool film to inter- or talk about with him, with him just to get I, his interpretation I would have loved it. to talk to him after I've seen him in, in the core because I feel like I actually know who he is now mm-hmm. a little bit instead of, you know, not... Like, I, when they first asked us, I was like, I didn't know anything about him other than I'd seen Pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's kind of an interesting, you know, indie filmmaker uh, the last few years and stuff. I've been kind of following his career and it would have been interesting to get his thoughts on this one because this is kind of a like all of his films are quite different actually he's he's got quite different uh, film which is cool man it's it's showing his range but this one right here man um you know psychopaths starts out with Larry Fessenden has I think he is actually a producer on the film too which is really cool that Mickey Keaton's working with Larry Fessenden cuz he's like one of my favorites man the guy's just off the wall but beginning of the film he plays a like a serial killer that's being executed he's on death row and he's about to die and he kind of rages like havoc on the city you know like, as soon as he dies he kind of plays like this Charles Manson character in a sense man and he's like as soon as I die fucking city is going to go ape shit my you know my soul is going to get out there possess people and they're going to just start killing and that's essentially what happens man larry Feston's character i believe they name him henry i'm not sure if they actually give him a name or not um but he gets executed and then it just kind of cuts into this first scene and this this movie plays itself out like an anthology it's like very non-linear um and it kind of follows these different scenes of uh psychopaths and murder and that's essentially what it does um you know, I thought this movie was really beautifully shot, man. It's very reminiscent of Darling. If you like the cinematography in Darling, it's very reminiscent of that. This is not in black and white, um, but it's shot very cool. It's got that low-budget indie feel to it, but I thought it had a lot more ambition to it. I thought the acting in the film was actually quite well done. It's got Ashley Bell in it. Um, a few other notable... Or not notable, but a few other people you've probably seen in films, I think. Um but uh, it's it's very indie feeling because it doesn't have that structured story to it, you know. And I can see why some people might not like that. I mean, is that what you didn't like about it, Jeremy? That it didn't have that full structured story, 
and it yeah, just kind it's of a little convoluted and well it's like, i don't think it's jumped conv- around and it's like you're supposed to be in the mind of these psychopaths and yeah, I don't think it was convoluted at all because if you take it for what it's depicting, it's just following, you know, these three or four serial killers or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. and it's showcasing these scenes individually, but it does jump around quite a bit. It doesn't play it out like an anthology where it'll show one full scene and then jump yeah. to the next. It'll show a bit of a scene and then cut into another one and then it'll go back and forth and back and forth. So, I mean, you catch on to it right away, but I thought it was beautifully shot and there was a lot. Yeah, it's of, a good looking movie. Yeah, and I thought actually one of the coolest things about the film, the music was fantastic in it too, but one of the coolest things for me was the transitions in it. He's He's gotten really good with doing really cool transitions and very kind of like almost trippy transitions transitions and shit and um it didn't overstay his welcome it didn't you know try to do too too much with it and shit like that and i thought the gore or the violence and shit like that was pretty damn cool um kind of vicious at times and um some of the you know some of the characters the mask with the one killer was really cool and shit like that but you know there's not a lot of substance here you know you're watching this mostly for the visuals and if you can you know if you like that type of stuff I highly recommend this one. I thought it was actually pretty well done for what it is. And he's just showing a lot of creativity and a lot of ambition in his films. I can't wait for more of this guy's films to come out because it seems like every film that he comes out with is not only different, but it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like carnage park has, you know, it's totally opposite than this darling, you know, he's just all over the place, ritual, everything. So, and pod of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, man. Seven and a half out of ten. Psychopaths. I really enjoyed the shit out of this one. I thought it was pretty cool. I actually thought when I finished, I was like, that's something I will definitely revisit down the road. I'll definitely check this one out again. So, Well, no Ronda, JP. How disappointing. Um, <laughs> what? Okay, so uh, he's talking about the WWE. Oh, I was like, what? I guess Ronda was rumored to make her entry. Oh, Ronda the- Rousey. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Um. So yeah, that was uh, that that's one that it was kind of I was interested in seeing. So I'll definitely check that out eventually as the year rolls on. Um, but I guess that's it, huh? No, that is no, it. Uh, that is it. No uh, segments this week, but um, I think we're gonna take a break next week for the Super Bowl. Yes. And then we'll be back the week after with potentially Hellraiser. If not, we'll do something else. Lovers Lane. Yep. If it's not Hellraiser, it'll be probably Lover's Lane. And, you know, the thing is, I was trying to find another film, but there's, like, no Valentine horror films out there that... I mean, we've done all the other ones, I think. My Bloody Valentine, Valentine, like, there's no more. What the fuck? (laughs) Isn't that, like, the most perfect holiday to have... To showcase a horror film on? And there's just Uh, not that many? It doesn't make sense, Um, because you're already putting people together. You know, it's Lover's Day, man. Go and kill those motherfuckers. But anyways... Uh, X-Ray from 81 is labeled as a Valentine's Day horror film. It's because what it is is the, it's like a revenge slasher film. It's about a guy that had something horrible done to him on Valentine's Day and he's kind of exacting revenge. It doesn't actually take place on Valentine's Day though, I don't think. And then Picnic at Hanging Rock is labeled too. Which I have still not seen. So, Yeah, that, it's funny there's not very many of those, huh? Nope. It's kind of sad, actually. Hmm. But, uh, I mean, if all fails and we don't get the Hellraiser bite, then I guess we'll be back with Lover's Lane, which is which is fine with me. And then it'll just be a bunch of... Maybe we'll just do more what we watch. I don't know. <laughs> don't know what we're going to do, but we'll, we'll be back in two weeks. Yes, we are taking the break for the Super Bowl, of course. 
We can't be doing those shows on the Super Bowl, right? I can't anyways. Or Oscar a- Sunday. <laughs> oh, my God. We're not skipping the show for the gay-ass Oscars. Well, I am. Okay. What the fuck kind of shit is that? I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, bro. No, look, the Oscars over the show. The Oscars, really? Yeah, I understand if it's like like you had like a big party planned or something, but you're just going to sit in your room by yourself and watch it. That's yep. lame. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, bro. All day. Well, how long? What? What time does the pregame start? You watch all that red carpet bullshit and oh yeah, oh Why? dude. Why do you go to Costco first and get a that's big so pretentious? I don't even fuck you to KY like and just, just jerk off all day because because other people do. Get the fuck out of here, bro! <laughs> like I cannot imagine that actually being something you're interested in seeing. Well, guess what it is. Why? Because I fucking like I fuck I work in. What the do you industry. like about it? That does not mean a damn. But I like watch. I watch all. What those do you movies, like about bro. it? I watch all those like. movies. I like. I watch all those movies. Do you find but yourself I don't only watch, watch the movies. movies? Jeremy, do you find yourself uh-huh. saying, "Ooh, that's a nice dress." Oh, like, what do you do? I like, can't what, believe what that she's like wearing Why do you guys bust my balls about fucking wanting to watch the Oscars? Why do you bust our balls about anything? Because I don't bust your balls about wanting to watch fucking Super Bowl. It's the irony in it because we, we, we mostly review like, you know, low budget films and we're in the horror world, which they completely shun. It's, it's like, yeah, uh, you do. But that doesn't mean I've watched, I've, I could watch like seven non horror movies since. Yeah. Like, but, but, but just cause you watch the, the movies that, that they talk about doesn't mean that you would like should agree or like them. Like they kind of shun, you know, all the, like all the cool shit that comes out that it is not big name. They're super pretentious. They're super flawed. It's like, you know, it's, it's, Ugh, it's icky. Why do you make fun of Brandon too? Because he fucking likes to watch it too. So fuck you. Oh, we bust his balls. We team, man. make fun of Brandon every day in our chat. Well, I'm not in your chat, so fuck you. <laughs> anyway, I'm just you, saying, you haven't said now? one reason why you actually like it. All you said is, I watch the movies, I work in the industry. Is it that the, has nothing to do with the content that they're putting out? Is it the awards themselves? Do you get excited to see who wins Best Picture and stuff? Yeah, isn't that why you watch award shows? And we don't I watch don't know. Award some, shows. some people like the <laughs> the opening, like they want to see all the clothes and all the dresses and shit. Man, are you are you, you know? People have different priorities, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they say, who are you wearing? Who are you, you wearing? excited? You're like, oh, he's wearing Ed Hardy. Or I can't believe people, they, they, people are standing out there reporting going, oh, man, she's wearing like an ostrich, uh, you know, infused gall- or alligator skin. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, oh, what, what was your favorite uh, wardrobe from last year, Jeremy? And who was it on? <laughs> okay okay man enough said let's get the fuck out of here man i am starving i need to go eat something i'm actually starting you're to get starving a, I, i'm getting I'm delirious here too, man. man i didn't even eat today Maybe. i woke up at four o'clock watched julia's eyes and then podcasted yeah i'm delirious man i haven't eaten in, whew, since 9 30 yeah 9 30 in the morning i don't think we feel it's fucking two and three hours later asshole 9 30 what time what time is it it's uh 11 well, 14 it's fucking quarter after eight, so I haven't eaten like almost it's twelve early hours. as hell. Yeah, dude, that's early. <laughs> I gotta be, I gotta be up at fucking five, so I gotta eat. I'm hungry. JP goes to sleep at five. All right, Jeremy, take us out of here. All right, thank you everybody for listening. 
to the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you could do so at youtube.com slash moods616. And please make sure we watch Hellraiser. And as always, you can follow JP on his channel, youtube.com slash double shot J. And make sure he doesn't get that Puppet Master box set. So as you can follow me on my channel, youtube.com slash nesruler22, but you will not see any new videos because I quit YouTube. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash 22 Shots podcast. What are you going to say? You like you do this thing where you're like you're like all right everybody let's go and listen to the 22 shots of moods and horror and we're gonna get out of here for the day and then we'll go check us out at 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com and if you want to follow us on youtube you can at youtube.com slash 22 shots of moods and horror at you you like go farther away and then back to the mic far away and then back to the mic you could do it go ahead <laughs> <laughs> I used to do it. I didn't like it then. Yeah, that outro thing's not my style, man. All right, man. Let's get the fuck out of here. Check you guys next. No, in two weeks. Pacers. Deuce. Says. <laughs>